active call, Sammy Jump, Patricia Office, Unread, Patricia Applicate, Send, Invite, Enter, Leaving Menus, Contacts, Patricia Office, Phone Number, Favorite. Are, are you there? I am. Okay, now we're finally connected. And we're on the air. Good. And we're on the air. Okay, we're gonna get we're gonna get your sister now. So, and I'll tell everybody the story later. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get our special guest. And active call unread messages. Joan Be Barbara Smith application sent. Invite to enter. Leaving menus. Con unloading job can Okay, enter. All right. Hi, Patricia. And we're supposed to be see if we can get in Barber. That didn't work. Hello. Hello, Barber. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Walter? Good. Is your sister there, or did she hang up on me? I I'm trying. I think. I think I lost your sister. So hold on. Welcome to Skype. Press Jaws key play. Active calls. Favorites. Barbara's unread messages. Joan Benny. Patricia Office. Applicate sent. Invite enter. Leaving menus. Contacts. Unloading job can't okay enter. Because you hung up on me. I don't know how. I don't know either. Connected <laughs> and then I got a dial tone and I know it wasn't me if I could hear the dial tone. Hi Barbara. Hi Patricia. <laughs> Hello. Hello, baby sister. How are you? <laughs> Hello, sister. Oh, My one and, and only you, sister that I love so you, much. How much? How how much do you love Patricia, Barbara? Uh, oh, more than anything. Really? More than anybody could possibly love a sister. Really? Really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really and truly. And I love you too. Tell me about your homework. You did homework. Tell them, tell about your homework assignment. Oh, well, um, I was asked to do a Valentine's Day poem a few weeks ago, and I had it done the very next day. Okay, so have you worked on, your, on the St. Patrick's Day poem yet? Oh, my dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's hear what you've got for <laughs> Valentine's Day, which is coming up next week. Yes, Wednesday. Wednesday, Wednesday. Wednesday is the 14th. Mm -hmm. Yes, Jack Benny's birthday. Oh, is it really? Uh-huh, really is. Oh, I and did his, not know that. And his daughter will be with us tomorrow night. For, oh, how nice. Yeah, Joan's always with us around the time of the year, so that's a tradition. She All right. Oh, so nice. Yeah. What a nice lady. Okay, you're on stage. Okay, I'm going to put you on speaker, okay? Sure. Okay, hold on. Okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. Okay. Ode to a man on Valentine's Day. It was the night before Valentine's Day, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even my spouse. So certain was I, the next day he'd come through, was something special, bright, shiny, and new. 
a nice dress in mine, then cocktails and dinner, with candles perhaps, hmm, best they stay dimmer. All through the day I thought and thought, last year's surprise dinner was something he caught. My husband came home with nothing in hand, but his smile gave way to the thought of something grand. He said, honey, a surprise I have for the love of my life, something special in mind for only my wife. We got in the car and drove a few miles. He looked at me with grins and smiles. We pulled into the lot of a theater, who knows where. The movie that was playing was Paddington Bear. <laughs> the movie was over and we went to the car. This has to get better, I wished on a star. <laughs> now we're going to dinner. This, of course, had to be tonight's winner. He handed me a scarf to cover my eyes. This which is coming has to be my big surprise. We drove a bit, then he stopped the car. We hadn't really gone that far. My eyes still covered, he said not to peek. With all this attention, it must be unique. He took my arm and through the door we went. I soon detected a familiar scent. The next thing I heard was, your order please. I realized then we were at Mickey D's. <laughs> revenge with onions on my quarter pounder while last year's surprise dinner his deep sea flounder across the table as I watched him grin I envisioned my burger onions and ketchup dripping from his chin on our way home I couldn't help but stare wanting to reach over to him and pull out every hair once at home and through the door we went Disappointment took over from what I had dreamt. But there on our table right before my eyes were roses and champagne, a wonderful surprise. Under the roses there sat a small box. How clever is he, like a sly forest fox. I opened the box and what did I see? A small golden ring and it was just for me. Lesson in mind, Judge not the book by its cover, but look to the facts to find your true lover. Happy Valentine's Day to all, and to all a good night. Bravo! Good. You did great! <laughs> did you like it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like Mickey D. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's another, that's another one for volume two of Barbara poem book that will yes. be an, on eBay next week. No, Amazon. We'll have it on Amazon. You're going to have to put these in a book. Yes. Okay, you start working on St. Patrick's Day now, okay? St. Patrick's Day is your oh next goal. Goodness. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Oh, you can do it. You can do it. I know you can do it. And then I already know what we're going to do for the, uh, April. April Fool's Day. Oh, no. I have I have a better one than that. Tax, tax oh, Day. Oh, my goodness. No. And what, what is that? Opening Day of Baseball. Out there. <laughs> Doesn't that fall under the S word? Well, if it's a poem, it, it if it's a poem, it doesn't qualify. Oh, 
Okay, what 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 day is opening day in April? Oh, I don't know. It moves around. I haven't looked this year. Good, don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want which one you want her to do in April? April Fools um, or Tax Day? Well, I think yeah, I think Tax Day. Okay. Would you do so? Saint yeah. Saint Patrick Somewhere Day and tax and income tax day. Those are your next two assignments. Oh, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your assignment. You'll have your taxes done by then, and you'll be full of the spirit. Well, I don't like the IRS, so I don't think sure. it's a good idea that I do a poem uh, I think with IRS. To. Yeah, if you're not full of the spirit, you might be full of the spirits. <laughs> oh, I ain't full of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank anyway, you so much. Anyway, I'm glad you, you both liked the poem. It was wonderful, Barbara. It was fun. And I will let you go and let somebody else call in. I don't want to talk too long because I'm sure there are people waiting. Oh, they're, I, they're on the line, so I have I just have them just sitting there, so no big deal. So we're, we're fine. You know, this is a good, this is an interesting night of technical issues, so I'll, I'll find that soon. Okay. Thanks, Barbara. Good. And, and by the way, St. Patrick's Day falls on a Saturday night, so it'll be very timely. Oh, super. Oh, okay. well, that would be fantastic. Yeah. I'll start go on it tomorrow. Uh, better. You better. Good night, Good night Barbara. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good night. Well, I think I know what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think... I can't wait. I think... Once I started to move the little knobs up and down with the microphone, it started to curl up. So it must be, it must have been dusty. But, see, what I think, I had a really good plan. When that wasn't working, I thought it was Skype. And I rebooted the computer, and then that wasn't working, so I called myself. And I could hear it just fine. Then I said, oh, why don't I call Patricia on the phone? So I have a special Skype number, so I call my home phone to the Skype account, and then I conference Patricia in my in my uh, phone. So maybe that would have worked too. So so, but she didn't hear me then, so that's why we put it back on Skype. We so. sure didn't. So we're we're good. Hi, Patricia. You're all healed. <laughs> we are. Hello, Walden. Hello, everybody. It really is Saturday night. It's almost Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> by now but i'm so glad you're out there and i'm so glad i'm here and i'm so glad you're there walter i am too we have a book report with jim taylor in a little while but we're going to take calls mm -hmm. and we'll take calls while jim's doing this book report but uh you have anything you want to discuss before we go to the callers patricia yes go ahead well that, that was a yes no question oh <laughs> <laughs> okay i will tell you what has been guessed I made out a list here. The the items in my refrigerator, mm -hmm. the ones that have been correct, is salad dressing, lettuce, cheese, club soda, and regular soda. And we still have one, two, three, four, five, six items left. So did that has been guessed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you gone shopping today? Oh what? yeah. Oh okay. I, yeah, I replaced stuff that I all used up. You know? oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Now, okay, these are items that have been suggested mm -hmm. as members of my refrigerator, and they were wrong. <laughs> Tomatoes, <laughs> peanut butter, Walt, and I, you're the only person I know who puts peanut butter in their refrigerator. Really? Uh-huh. 
honest. That's I'm not being sassy. That's, huh. that's the truth. You're one of a kind. Yes, well. Yes, you are. We are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we ready? Have your life been Have your life been interesting? Interesting challenge since we've known each other. For eleven, for different. Yeah, I'm not so sure about a challenge, but it's been different. Thirteen years. It, have have I have I impacted your life for the last thirteen years, my dear? You have changed my life forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the truth. Yeah, good. It, so if I come when I come to visit you, if I want peanut butter in the refrigerator, I just have to get a second jar, right? Excavator. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, really, would you have a little steam shovel to get the stuff? Yeah, it, it works just fine. It depends on the brand you buy. If the one with a lot of oil, then it's no problem. I notice when it doesn't have very much oil, it's really it's hard to dig out. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Peanut butter in the refrigerator, my word. Okay, here's my list. I grew up All that way. I grew up with peanut butter in the refrigerator. Was it cold in there? Y yeah. Okay. Everybody has another guest this week. Can I give my guest first or? Sure. Olive oil. Olive oil? Olive oil. In the refrigerator? In the refrigerator. We're back to this again, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Olive oil is not in the refrigerator. <laughs> and I do have salad dressing, so I probably wouldn't buy olive oil, too. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. They probably gave up when you called all that way. I don't, I'm sorry, Carl. It was just a really hectic time. I was playing with everything at the beginning of the show. So you can call back at 714-545-2071. It was a definitely an interesting final last 30 minutes, but we're up and running. Thank goodness. Next mm -hmm. Saturday, uh, Cynthia Myers will be with us. And that will be a lot of fun to have Cynthia back. It's been a while. Since we have our favorite advertising radio historian on, but she's such so much fun. And so Cynthia Meyer will be with Patricia a week from tonight. Hello there. All the inside poop. That's true. Who's on the phone? Hello there. You're on here. Hey, guys. How you doing? Fine, Paul. Thanks for calling back. Hello? Thank you. Welcome. I've been the I've been the first caller a couple times here just this evening. I know. Well, you 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 were good. I just had my hand full, and I needed to use the phone that you were on. So thank you for mm -hmm. being understood. You know, I, I had been on it the whole time, just listening to it. Well, good. Go, going on. Good. Well, I you know I was having some interesting challenges. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I changed everyone's oh. life, Walden. 
I did. I did. Yeah. I did. You have. So, You're Paul. Yeah. So, Paul, any, you want to guess what's in Patricia's refrigerator for the week? Did you say ham already, Patricia? Yes. That one is on the list, and it's not there. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. What do we want here in the fridge? Well, did you get a salad at dressing? Yep, she already had that. That was that was last week. That was checked off. So go ahead, another one. Uh, okay. Uh, hmm. Mm, that's not in there either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not that either. Where's mayonnaise? Asked. Is it on the list? Say that again. Mayonnaise. Is it on the list? Mayonnaise. Okay, was it on the list already? No, no, mm -mm. nobody gets that. Uh, okay, so that was yes for the nine. Okay. Yep. So are you doing well, Patricia? You sound well. I am. Yes, I am doing well. Thank you. Good, good, good. good. You know, it's about two weeks until my daughter gets married. I was thinking about that. We've been all sick here. But they've been forging on, just busy like crazy. And I've just been hunkered down here, just trying to get through it all. And I've I've had an improvement in the last three days. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. You sound, you sound better, Paul. Yeah. Thank you. You really do. I, so where where is the wedding going to be held? It's going to be at our church mm -hmm. in town. Good. And, no, tr uh, no travel. Okay, this is good. Well. For the reception, we'll have to travel about 20 minutes. Okay. You're not getting on a plane and going to the other side no. of the country. This is good. No. You know, and we watched uh, Father of the Bride this last week. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't know this, one of the many strange to me uh, traditions, that the, the Father of the Bride would have to pay for the travel uh, fair for any of the guests that they invite from far away. Like, there was a bunch of people coming from Europe, and, and they had to pay for the airfare. I couldn't believe it. I never heard that either. That sounds like a Hollywood deal. Yeah. I... Did you ever hear that, Walter? No, but I was just thinking, isn't it the custom of the, of the groom? Paying for the wedding. I'm trying to remember what the, what the custom. No, the father, the bride. The bride's, parents pay, the bride's parents pay for the wedding, and the groom takes care of the bachelor party and the wedding dinner the night before the wedding. It's usually a wedding dinner, like a couple of days. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, they, they call it like a rehearsal dinner or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's um, thank you, thank you. Okay, I didn't know that... The groom's side usually picks that up, but no, no problem. <laughs> That's certainly not from Europe. Holy cats. The father of the groom, unless the groom's like, you know, paying for more stuff the family can't pay for. Well, so it would be the father of the groom paying well, for that dinner. I want to wait to know. What, now, let's face it. It's the groom's side. I don't the father or the groom himself. Well, let's face it. Weddings have gotten so much expensive in the last 30 years. I know. Have have those have those customs all changed? I mean, do they sort of 
do they just do they still stay with those traditions, or do do they just? Yeah, and they're just get, they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm spending twenty five thousand dollars on weddings, and at the age buy a house, you know. Say again, Patricia. I said they're paying. Some of the people are dropping twenty five and thirty thousand dollars on weddings, and I said, no, buy that's, a house. that's never mind. Yes. Buy a house, elope, and buy a house. Yeah, yeah, figured she has that kind of money, my goodness. Wouldn't even think about it. But well, that's what they're saying, that the average cost of a wedding now, and I'm just thinking, if that's the case, there has to be, a, there's, n- there's no way that the traditional way of paying for something like that can no. be the same way. Putting it on credit cards, I'm, I'm not shy to say this. Uh, my mom died uh, some years back, and her house, uh, before she died, uh, just the market was right and everything. She made a lot of money on that, and so there was a fair amount of of uh, inheritance each of us kids. So mm-hmm. I was able to set aside $5,000 for, for each girl. So my oldest daughter was already married several years back, and now Madeline's about to get married, and there's 5000 for that. And my wife is, uh, she's the wedding uh, meal pro. She just does this, like, as a ministry for our uh, family, friends, and our church. Right, right. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a more affordable one. They're going to be um, doing Mexican food for it. Although my my wife's involved with the planning and everything, she's not going to be busy on that day doing that stuff like she normally is. And yeah. neither is her her the the lady who's second in command is the mother of the groom. Uh, my wife's sidekick uh, that would uh, normally do it if Shelley wasn't there, but she doesn't like to give instruction to people. She likes being told what to do, and she can do any of the stuff. But so uh, some other friends are doing it. Yeah, I I know when my folk got married, I was told that they held a reception at my mom my my mom's mother's house. You know, mm-hmm. and I my, and I guess that was a two story. That was more tradition back then. Do a hold a reception at somebody's home rather than. Well, I'll take it to do another event nowadays, but most people don't have a big home anymore. The house, a lot of people. Yeah, so. yeah and I don't remember how many people are, I think a couple of hundred or just is going to be. It's amazing. When, when we hear about Madonna having a small wedding with just 450 of her intimate friends. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we, we need to send that lady a dictionary. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's really nice that you are doing the wedding. It's only two weeks away. It's going so well. Everything's going to be fine. I'm so excited. Yeah, it is exciting. It is exciting. And just every every night when uh, I say goodnight to my daughter and I'm asking her how it went for the day, what she get done, and where they at, and everything. How she's feeling physically because she's been sick too. Yeah, That's the, my her, me, my my wife, 
uh, my wife's been very variable at uh but my daughter she's gotten sick and then pretty much well and then started sick again and yeah. it's a weird thing it, it's like the typical virus that's fairly common this year that people feel good for a lot and they take a couple of step mm-hmm. back it, it, it's, it's one of the typical signs of the flu yeah so tell me down where you're at Walden are they mostly congested and that's pretty much the main thing or if it, what it is my the three of us have, all have something different. My mom is still fighting a cough. My dad has drainage, and I had a congestion in the chest. It was all, and my and it was three different strain, three different uh, affected us all three differently this year. Uh, but it still it still hangs on uh, as like a very low grade, not a. Uh-huh. You don't feel bad, but you still you notice it's still there. Still there, and you want to sleep more, maybe. Well, like me. I, I, yeah, I took a nap this afternoon. Mom took a nap this afternoon. You know, so it it been one of those days. So I gotta hurry up and try my suit on. Uh oh, you better do that, Paul. You only got two weeks. You only got two weeks. I know. You only have two weeks. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know where Taylor last. Short because we're running late tonight and we're in the soup sure. with callers. So we're going to cut right. a little short and then maybe next week we can spend some more time. Well, actually, it might be, yeah. it might be after the wedding because next week we have a guest. And then oh, that, that's right. That's right. We yeah. have a guest and then Paul's wedding. So we might talk, we'll talk to you after, under the wed- after the wedding, Paul. Because I mean, I can. Okay. All right, Paul. Take care. I'm, I'm glad I got through. I am too. Be able to talk yeah. again and thanks for being excited, Patricia. Oh, I am. Yeah. It sounds just wonderful. And we'll expect yeah. a full report. It is. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye. Love you guys. You Bye-bye. too, Paul. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. You can call someone for 545 We'll have a book report from Jim Taylor, but we're not going to tie up the phone. We'll put Jim on Skype. So you can call while the phone will still be free while Jim is on in a little while. But... Hey, the Good name, Patricia knows my number. Hello there, you're yeah. on. The, you're on with Patricia. Hey, it's the first time calling tonight. Uh oh, Dan, you're breaking up. Oh, underwater, you're underwater, Dan. Go ahead, Dan. I think you're good now. Oops, there he went. Poor Dan. Yeah, I got disconnected. I think he was using his cell phone. So how was your week? His phone, his phone disconnected him. Yeah. So how, oh. how's your week? Are you been, it been an okay week, Patricia? It has been an okay week. I think I told you I'm, I'm back in physical therapy now. No, we haven't, we haven't had time to talk too much. So you're, you're doing physical therapy? Good. Yes, two times. Okay. Two days this week. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was doing so well. He had me doing stuff and I hurt. Uh, hello there. Well. You're on with Patricia. Hey, it's my fourth time calling tonight. Good, Dan. You are normal. Sort of. Sort of normal? Yeah. Normal is as normal does, I guess. I don't know. What does that stupid expression mean? Look who's talking. It's an expression stupid is as stupid does. What the heck does that mean? I don't know. That's stupid. I don't know. I don't know. 
Hello, Dan. What's in my room? Hello, Alice. Things. Hey, hey, Dan. My mom loves to go to the Newport Beach Library, and I want to know: Do they do the same thing at your library? Okay. Uh, it's a high-end library, so you can you can borrow a digital camera. Do you offer those conveniences? We do to our students. A digital camera? Uh huh. Because we had a we have did we have a uh, a journalism class, uh, an electronic journalism class. They can borrow the camera. Wow. So has it also has the feature of you know shooting you know short video clips too. Do you have a deposit that they have to leave and they get it back when the, when the equipment comes back? What we do, the instructor gives us a list of uh, a class roster and then you know, anyone on that, in the class can check out a camera. Does, otherwise... Leave some dollars at uh, the counter. Yes, yes. And otherwise, we have older cameras that we can check out. Another thing my, mom, my mom's doing with the new book she can reserve them in advance online, and they put it on her special bookshelf. So she walks to the front and pulls her book out, and she can take it with her. Uh -huh. we, we have that feature, too. Wow. We're, we're yes. with it. I was going for a full 55 minutes today on uh, with a representative for Barnes & Noble, Nook. Uh -huh. I've got about 150 books stored at the website in my account. Right. And for a full week, I haven't been able to open a book. Huh. Do you have uh, Adobe Digital well, Download? Yeah. Pardon? Do you have the Adobe uh, software downloaded? I have, no, I have a whole bunch on my Nook. I can't connect my Nook to the Wi-Fi here at the, uh, it's only a, a computer service that I can connect to. You have to, you know, use a mouse and stuff. Okay. Um, and... I've got a whole bunch stored on my Nook, so I'm okay with that. But I've got all of these wonderful books up there at the website that I cannot access any other way. I've been reading on the website for two years. And he says, well, what are you using? Really, <laughs> I'm on a computer here. <laughs> he says, well, do you have Wi-Fi connected? I said, yes, I'm on the computer here with you. <laughs> We did, we did not get too far, so I'm still uh, not able to access my books, which is really strange because they worked fine up until about a week and a half ago. That's weird. And, sudden, and suddenly I can't access them. Now, they've got, as Amazon has, sample pages that you can click on. And right. they really got a generous supply of, of sample pages. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when I go out to check out, you know, to investigate a book, I click mm -hmm. on that, and it goes right to the Nook Reader for me. On the website, sure. but I, I can uh, access everything except my book. <laughs> so anyway, that's my story for the week. I'm back in physical I, therapy, and they gave me a <laughs> runaround at Barnes and Noble today. Back in physical therapy, and they gave you the runaround. <laughs> and, and Barnes and Noble gave me the runaround. Yes, he told me that I could read my books on an iPhone or an iPad. Uh-huh. And what, which do you have? You no. have a no. <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have either one. Oh, you don't have either one. Okay. So you were just yeah. doing it on a computer. You know, there's, there's such an assumption out there that people have 
not only all of the equipment, but that everybody has the money to buy all of these pieces of equipment. And Correct. I didn't tell him I didn't have either one. I just said, thank you for the suggestion. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was polite. I said, I have to leave in a minute. Do you have any suggestions for me before I leave? And that's when he told me I could listen to it. I, I could read it on an iPad. Well, have they have the center have the center change the internet provider or anything in the last? No, no, everything is fine. And as I say, I can go up to the Barnes and Noble site and read the book, the sample. You know, it'll actually open the book, and then it'll tell me that I've gotten to the end of the sample. Do you want to order it? And that functions just like my books are supposed to function. So I can read that, but I can't read the other stuff, so it has to be a Barnes & Noble icky, or I wouldn't be able to read the samples. Hmm. Hmm. That's what I say. You're a librarian. <laughs> Help me. Send me an email with the details, and I'll study it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good for me. So how are you doing, Dan? Everything okay in Indiana? It's, well, we're right on the uh, freezing line through here. We've got... Uh, in, in the region here at 6 o'clock, we had 54 degrees down in southern Kentucky and up uh, in central Indiana, it was right at 32 degrees. And, uh, you know, as it moves to the south, it puts us in more, um, you know, probability of turning from liquid to frozen precipitation, so. Right on the edge. Oh, geez. Right on the edge. Right on the edge. You know, we'll go from rain to freezing rain to snow to yeah. sleet. To, oh. we've, we've had it all. We're right on the line. We're right on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to go over. Oh, <laughs> uh, exactly. I'm sorry. You should really. I, I have ordered springtime early for everyone. And by the way, Staten Island Chuck, the other guy. Yes. He's predicting uh-huh. an earlier spring. Ah. Uh-huh. Tony Phil said we have six more weeks of winter, but Chuck says no, it's going to come earlier, and he's right eighty-two percent of the time. Yeah, but where? Staten Island. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> and of course, Tony Phil is up in Pennsylvania. I never thought about that. You have to get your own groundhog. Well, I, I, listen, Missy, if you're not careful, I'm going to send you some groundhog. Well, that's <laughs> true. You have a whole bunch of them, don't you? Yes, my cohort in Clark County, the uh, Clark County historian, they're moving into an older building, and they've got groundhogs right under the building. Uh-huh. You sent me the and you were Yes, and you were wanting a groundhog, so... Have to do. I, I know a lady about groundhog. I can I can box one up and send it to Walden. Okay, that's fine with me. My mom will love you for that, Dan. What can I say? <laughs> then Walden can send it right on to you. In fact, Walden can keep one and send one on to you. Ah, it's a double. I think there's four or five of them. To be honest mm. about it. How many do you four want? Or five. Groundhogs. Four or five groundhogs. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'll take a couple. <laughs> Male and a female, we have to have babies. I mean, really, a couple, like a married couple. A married couple, okay. New 
York, a married couple. <laughs> oh, I, I can't guarantee a, a, can't, your marriage. I can't guarantee a marriage certificate, but we'll we'll just uh, oh. pretend they are married. <laughs> we can we can do that. We'll get them a groundhog certificate. That's right. Wait a minute. That's a new oh. bit. Wait a minute. I thought of a new. Holy cat! We have done it. What's that? Well, you know, you, you always hear this, um, the advertisement, you know, that everybody can register your own star, you know. Have, huh? Why don't we get the three of us going to business and offer marriage license for for your pets? Why not? Why not? Yeah. You know, I we mean. Court. Especially if she's we in that way, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We heard the mark. Yeah, so we can we can have pet licenses for marriage. You know, I think we. I think I think that's a wonderful idea, and we can do marriage certificates too. Right, marriage certificates and 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 wedding invitations. Yes. I don't speak puppy though. <laughs> I hear it's pretty rough. <laughs> Very good. That was good. <laughs> On the spot. I I think I think I think if we set up a website, I think we might get a few customers out there. I'll bet. Now that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, a wedding license and a marriage certificate. Very good. For your Bowser <laughs> and Fluffy. We we can get well uh well ordained and have them do marriage. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, That's right. Oh, yeah. No, you can do the what is Ceremonies it? right here on the radio. Something, something like that. Yeah. Some, yes, yes. The, the um, oh dear me. The uh, the oh, Harry Krishna. You can you can get a, a license to perform weddings through the Harry Krishna group. Well, you know now why are captains on ship allowed to marry people? Because they were at and they were in charge and they were an honest-to-goodness official. Once they got inside waters, you know, what, what is it? Yeah. mile marker? When you, when you get into, on the other side, you're in international waters. They could do it in international waters, but once you crossed over the line, then they couldn't do it anymore. They had to wait until they got to land. But they are All in this weekend captain of uh, Yesterday USA... Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm just sitting here. Floating. Can we have a captainette? Yeah, I'm just thinking here. You know, when they have, when when people marry the justice of the peace, does the justice have to peace have to be a lawyer? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. We do have to be peaceful, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> that might be hard. <laughs> that might be very difficult. Okay. All right, Dan. Right. You have to yeah. guess. What, what's your guess this week for my refrigerator? Uh, you know, uh, I have to admit, I'm one who refrigerates my peanut butter here. Oh, right, Dan! Now I know yes. two people. Is that and, why do you do that? It's a Midwest thing. I think it's the... I, well, I mean, you know, it's so humid here, I think it would mold otherwise. Well, see, well I grew up a parent... Never, how, I grew, how long does it take you to go through a jar of peanut butter? Seriously. Oh. Well, probably six months. Um, I can understand the refrigerator. <laughs> it, won't, it won't get moldy. It'll, get, it'll have kind of an off-rancid taste. 
it never oh, goes bad. Yeah. It, just, it, doesn't, it, it tastes stale. That's a better word. We keep right. our, we keep our jellies and jam in the refrigerator, Patricia. Oh yeah. I well, I was just too. that was my next question. I didn't know if Patricia would refrigerate jellies and jams or not. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yes, she would, and they've already been would, used, and it's not in there. Hmm. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. I know. I mean, here we have such humidity, and you know, I think things you know will go bad quicker than. Okay. I yeah. have. Are you are you storing Dan's bourbon balls and John? Two she rolls in the refrigerator? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I think she stored them in her belly. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There you go. Okay, come on, Jimmy. You have to guess one guess in the refrigerator because we're, we're doing. Running out of time here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want um, you to miss the opportunity. That's right, exactly. Um, let me think here. Just one moment here. Um, <laughs> Let's, let's, let's pause for people to reflect about Patricia Refrigerator sponsored by Yesterday USA, the home of Patricia Refrigerator. If you need a refrigerator, you can contact Bill and Kim Bragg. No guarantee you'll get you'll be the benefactor, but it's always good to ask. Anyway. There's always that chance. There's always that chance. There's always that chance, yes. And next That's right. when we figure out what is in there, we can then name the refrigerator. Ah. Oh. It's not fuzzy. <laughs> nothing in it is fuzzy. Nothing in it has gotten fuzzy. I'm going to say crackers. In the refrigerator, no. It's only a small refrigerator. So yeah. No, uh, no I, crackers. No crackers. Okay. No, no T-bone, no, no T-bone steak either, I guess. No T-bone, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not without a, a, a toaster oven would be fine. Right. I'm really, I'm really interested in finding out what you have in this refrigerator. I know. I, I'm really interested in the other six items. I, I have right now no clue what in the heck she might be buying Same, for this refrigerator. Same here. I, I'm clueless. Well, you know. See what's in there. Yeah. Well, no, I think I think it's a good. I think it's a, it's a good. We'll keep it going. I think it's a good running. This a good running gag for everybody to figure out, Patricia. I mean, they're really easy ones. People know me. They're really <laughs> easy ones. <laughs> hey, uh, tell Barbara that uh, April Fool's Day mm-hmm. is the same day as Easter this year. Oh. Really. Ah. So she'll have yeah. to do a combo. Uh huh. Well. Uh, Whatever she wishes. But her poem, I think, was top-notch. It was. It, it was. Yeah. She, she did herself yeah. justice there. She right. Good. She's really good at this. I'm, I'm going to encourage her to really do these, and then we'll package them up as a book at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, and we can do, uh, you know, the Amazon has a book-on-demand thing, so that way she doesn't store them, and, uh-huh. and that way people can buy them. You know? That's right. Exactly. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Barbara sells a million poem books? Yeah, while well, I'm sitting here with... <laughs> 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 There's nothing to show. <laughs> yes, that would be great. You're oh. supposed to say, yes, that would be wonderful. I'm so happy for her. <laughs> well, that's what I just said. That would be great. <laughs> 
didn't I didn't say it emphatically enough? No, I think you were, no. I think you were I think you were reflecting upon I'm the writer in the family and their father got a million selling book. You had a pregnant pulse followed by a or vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I won't. I won't keep you all. I, I know others are wanting to get in. All right, Dan. Thanks so much. Okay. Take care. Hope Take things go well. You bet. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. All right. We're gonna go get Jim on Skype. So stand by. And the phone will still be open while yeah. Jim is here, so you can talk to Jim. You can talk to us. Seven one four. Welcome to Skype. Press stand active call selected. Patricia Altac. Skype trademark call quote. Active. Barbara Smith home. Unread met Patricia. Sammy Jones. Graham. Jim Taylor. New application sent. Invite to enter. Leaving menus. Contact unloading. Jump. Can. Okay. Enter. There we are. Hi, Jim. Hi there, Walden. Hello, Patricia. <laughs> Hi, Jim. How are you? Before we get into I'm fine, and I, I, I'm glad to hear about your physical therapy going well. Uh, oh, gosh, I'm just so happy to be back in there. So he said I can get in three days a week, which is just fine because I'm hurting like the dickens after two. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, I, you know, I found during physical therapy, during my recovery, I found... It was much easier to hold the attendant's arm than to try to carry the walker. Mm-hmm. The walker yeah, wore I'm, me out. Yeah, I'm I'm doing okay on that, and I can hold on to some. I, it's really my security blanket now, um, because you never know when something's going yeah. to happen. I got more so, tired with the walker, but I know I'm maybe I know I'm repeating this for listeners, but I don't know if Walden told you about the good news this week. No, I didn't have until Patricia the wonderful story. Go ahead. Well, um, you know, when the fire happened in August of 2016, August 24th, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. rescued by rescue people, and the police officer who was initially helped to get me out of the house, his hand, his hand was hurt, breaking yeah. the glass to get me out of there. And he had to have surgery, and I didn't realize the full extent of the surgery until my housemate saw a news story last week online, and her daughter mm-hmm. called her about it too, and I confirmed it. The police officer who rescued me, uh, well, he wasn't sure at first if he was going to have to retire because his right hand was severely damaged, yeah. and he feared he was going to have to retire and take disability leave, and he was mm-hmm. only like 28 years old. Oh but. Through retraining and refocusing, he was able to use his left hand. And the the headline said, "I am now a lefty." Uh, he 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 retrained himself through help. Wow. And he was, you know, he wasn't sure if he'd be able to do handcuffs or firearms anymore. Sure. But as the end of January, he was restored to full duty with the Pittsburgh Police Department. That is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. I I am just I admire so much people who put that kind of work into their recovery. I used to watch Bob Dole. Yes. 
who lost oh, yeah. his right arm in combat, and he was a right-handed person and, of course, had to learn to do everything left-handed, which he did marvelously. And now you're telling me about the police officer here. It, it's just remarkable that they can train themselves that way, and I'm, I'm so happy for him, and I know you are, too. Well, first of all, I would... I, it would made me really. I mean, there's nothing. I, mean, I would feel really felt bad if he had to retire. I mean, I know he did what he had to do for me, but I would still feel bad in the sense that because of that, he had to give up the career he loved, and I'm glad he didn't have to. Oh yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Oh, that's so he is a full-fledged officer you. again. Oh, <laughs> Excuse me, so full-fledged officer. Um, he, uh, and of course, he's you know he had to go through. There was a lot of pain in the recovery, of course, and you know breaking sure. that glass. I and my housemate handed him the keys. I read the story about it. My caregiver housemate handed him the keys when he. It was the second key that opened the door that opened the screen. Apparently, the screen was locked because they had gone for the for part of the evening, and I was of course in the house, and. As they were coming back, they saw the fire, my housemate and her daughter. And neighbors told the police that, and I, you do know, I, I called 911 to report a fire. I remember Because the alarms that, were going yeah. off. Mm-hmm. And I felt the heat. I, I couldn't get it out of the front door because the, the heat was blocking me in the hall. And I didn't want to run the risk of, you know, trying to go through the heat to get to the door. That would have been of stupid. And so, so... Um, I, I guess apparently, I, as we talked before, I laid on the floor, mm-hmm. and then they found me on the floor. But he tried to talk to me first, and I was already out from the yeah. door. But, but I'm so happy for him. Just delighted. Yes, that that Absolutely. really is a good story. That's a good. That's well, a, that's a really nice way to finish up a week. Oh yeah, well it's it's nice for once. I know police are going through a lot of trouble these days. And I know some things, some, some things, it's, uh, I know once in a while you get someone that maybe does something wrong, but when it comes to saving lives, you just can't deny the courage of the medical and rescue people. Yes. <coughs> well, I've got a book for you tonight. Okay, what have we got? We're going to read about a man who I think, who I know everyone's heard of. <laughs> if they haven't, I guess they're on another planet. His, he's known as Old Blue Eyes. Okay. And it's volume one of a two-volume biography. The name of the book is Frank the Voice by James Kaplan, with a K. Uh-huh. And it's DB, for anyone that wants to hear the recording, 83116. Uh, it was written in 2010, volume one. And it's a fascinating story. It starts with his birth. Frank Sinatra had a botched birth. There were, the, the, you know, they, they, he had a, the mother, his mother, Dolly, had a difficult delivery in Hoboken. Um, the, the doctor had to, they had to use the forceps to get him out. And at first, they, were, they wanted to save the mother's life. They, he, the people in the, in the building place where he was born feared that he was born dead. And fortunately, one of the women uh, in the uh, apartment or con or whatever it was they were living in, mm-hmm. 
on December 12th of, of 1915, put cold water on him, the baby. Yeah, and that perfect thing. It worked out perfectly. I mean, when you think of what a close call that was. Yes. Well, fortunately, that he, he started crying, and that's the time the first voice was heard. There were some scars from the delivery. Um, his mother was a very dominating person. She often physically, apparently, abused him. He was their only child. And they, by the way, they're his cousin was the orchestra leader, Ray Sinatra. That was Frank's cousin. And I know, Walden, you've heard of Ray Sinatra. And I know he did cut him. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ray Sinatra. Right. Well, it goes details about his boyhood and home singing, and it goes into details about that. It goes into details about his... Major Bowes original amateur hour in 1935, and he sang, they sang the song Shine. Now, I've heard recordings where they sang The Curse of an Aching Heart, and the author said that may have been an audition. I don't know, but, but anyway, they were there, and he was also on Fred, one of Fred Allen's amateur contests on his show. He performances and he ended up first with Harry James in 1939 and recorded uh, All or Nothing at All. Was right, I think that was the name of it, right? Well, that was the first Correct. Uh-huh. big one. Now it's a big hit. And, and um, then he teamed up with Tommy Dorsey in 1940. And, of course, there it just went on like everything recording such things as I'll Never Smile Again, which was, of course, the big one, Let's Get Away From It All, various other songs. And he and Tommy had, let's just say, a good and bad relationship. There's a, the book opens with a quote from Frank Sinatra that the two people he feared most were his mother and Tommy Dorsey. Wow. Um, but... Um, uh, eventually, he wanted to strike out on his own, which he did in the about 1942 or, or three. And then it goes into details about the Bobby Soxers, the people that went to the Paramount and the girls who scream when he swooned. The girls just had a real crush shot. In 1939, he married Nancy Barbados. And uh, his first wife, for in the 40s, uh, he gave birth. She gave birth to Nancy, and then later Frank Jr. and Tina. But um, Frank was not a popular man with servicemen in World War II. There are various things about why he didn't go in the ammunition drum, which excluded him. He wasn't serving the way he should. A lot of the servicemen resented him, and they, he quotes William Manchester as saying that he was probably the most hated man in the Army, Navy, and Marines. And a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that while they were overseas, all the girls were going crazy over Frank. Uh-huh. A lot of that may have been jealousy. You know, just not. 
not yeah. that they were questioning his patriotism, but you know, one girl, one 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 guy abroad when there's one at home, you know, the girls will go for it. Mm-hmm. And he goes into that. He goes into details about him leaving the band, getting uh, with Columbia Records, and he goes into great detail about the various songs he did, recording sessions, the musicians he worked with. He goes into details about the various songs that he did. Um, He talks about his two uh, 10 years on the Lucky Strike hit parade. The second one in 1947 to 49 was more disastrous because Frank had to rec- sing songs like the Woody Woodpecker song, which he hated. Um, and when he had to do that, uh, 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 he just, you know, was just absolutely chagrined about it. And uh, and he was real upset about the changing taste of popular music as the late 1940s and early 50s came along. He had a very difficult relationship, sometimes happy, sometimes sad, with Mitch Miller. He recorded a novelty record in 1951 called, with Dagmar, called Your Mama Don't Bark. And it was a novelty record, but Your Mama Don't Bark. Your Mama Don't Bark, yeah. And it was um, popular, but many people thought it was the worst thing Sinatra ever did. This author said he did far worse things than that, and he cited Chattanooga's Shine Boy as a worse record than that. But he also did things with Jeff Allen. When the musician strike was on in the 40s, he did songs with, with vocal groups, including uh, Jeff Alexander's group. He did a version of Nature Boy, although the author feels, well, it was a nice version, he thought Nat King Cole's version was far superior. And most people probably agree with that. Um, then the trouble began in the late, and it, it does go into details about his associations with organized crime. I think the author was very fair in dealing with that. And I have to, to defend, there are times when you read about Frank's life, there are times you like him, and there are times you can't stand the guy some of the things he did and said. I guess you can say that about anybody. Um, and, of course, in the late, in the mid to late 40s, he developed a fixation for the actress Ava Gardner. And in time, it would lead to him divorcing, him and Nancy divorcing, and it was a very, the relationship with Ava Gardner was very stormy, to say the least. And about this time in the 50s, his, his records weren't selling very good. He, um, he had failed with a TV show and a radio show in 1950. Uh, the TV show was the Frank Sinatra show on CBS. And the radio talk, he did a radio talk show in 50 and 51 called Meet Frank Sinatra. Didn't you say you have some of those, Walden? Yeah, I have two two of them, correct, uh-huh. Maybe some, some night we could play one of them. Sure, that'd be a good idea. Because he had, and he would interview guests, right? And would he do some singing, or was it all talk? Mostly talk is what I remember. Right. Yeah. But um, in late 1951, when his career was sagging, he picked up a paper, a novel, 
of the novel was From Here to Eternity by James Jones. And he was fascinated with the character Maria, Ma- Maziel, Maziel. And he was a character in the stock in this time period. And he said, now, if they made this into a movie, role for me. And he lobbled, he lobbied Columbia's Terry Cohn and other people when Columbia got the rights to the film. It was a battle. People at Columbia wanted Eli Wallach to play Maggio, but he made a movie. And then in October of 1953, he came to NBC Radio with the show we've talked about called Rocky Fortune. The author didn't think much of Rocky Fortune. I disagree with the author there. I thought it was a highly entertaining show. He thought the plots were grade B and cheesy. Um, but, of course, you, you agree, Patricia, that he did a pretty good job on that show. I think it's a great show. I have to agree the plots weren't exactly um, this will be DeMille's grade A by any means. But his acting was priceless. It was really great. I agree with you. Well, and at each point, the author pointed out some, each week, of course, Rocky had a different job. In the first one, he was shucking oysters, and in another one, he was a delivery man for night, calling nitroglycerin. And it, the author agrees with John Dunning. In one show, he, he guarded a football player, and the author said, just like John Dunning said, anything's possible on radio. Mm-hmm. Because Frank was so short. But, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> on March 25th of 54, <coughs> hang on. Well, you know, when uh, Frank Bazzi and uh, Catherine Grayson, and I had Catherine Grayson in the studio, Catherine had it in her contract that she wasn't going to kiss Frank Sinatra in the movie. And the reason why? There was nothing there. They had to put padding and things inside Frank Shirt. Sure, she had she had no I she had no interest in kicking Frank Sinatra in the movies because there was just nothing there. You mean in From Here to Eternity? No. For when they when they did um Anchor Away. Oh, Anchor Away. Yeah. yeah. Well I mean, he talks about some of the other movies about Brooklyn and mm-hmm. Take Me Out to the Ball Game yeah. and others that he did. But on March twenty fifth, he won the Oscar. Uh he was so happy to get, and oh, he was going through a, because of his relate difficulty with Ava, they married in 1951, um, and it just didn't go right at all. He actually tried to kill himself several times, but fortunately, uh, friends were able to intervene. He tried to slash his wrist at one point in 1953, but fortunately, they were able to get to him, but he won the Oscar. And as he as he as he's going home, a policeman st- people were congratulating him. One policeman looked at him. He was holding the statue. He wasn't sure if Frank had stolen it or not. And the author ends volume one by saying, "He didn't steal it. After all, he was Frank Sinatra." And that's how volume one ends. I'm going to give the book four stars. I. One warning to people who are reading it, because Yesterday USA, I know, is a very family-friendly network. There are times when the author tends to use language that might offend some people, and 
what I mean by that is not it's one thing when you're quoting somebody, but when he's doing descriptions, he might say that the place they lived in in his youth was an S of a place, an S house. You know, or he'll, he'll do things like that. Or he'll say things like, you know, why the F should he take that role? Mm-hmm. And that's not quoting anybody. It's his thoughts, yeah. you know, about different things. And I, I've never heard that done in nonfiction before, you know, that type oh. of approach. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm, might I'm offend some people. Tell huh? me. I'll tell you how it affects me when I see something like that. Tell me how it affected you and your opinion. Well, I thought, is that really necessary? If you're quoting somebody, that's one thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that how you... <laughs> sure. What are you going to say? Sure. And there, No, I'm, I'm listening to you. There are times... <laughs> I'm listening to you, but I'm talking anyway. Um, there, there are times when it's appropriate... When, for example, if you're talking about a police officer and he's not going to say, oh, golly gee whiz, the guy's got a gun. <laughs> it's, yeah. It doesn't fit. There are some times when it simply is a good word to use. And then you can. Like you're not going to say, you're not going to say, uh, no one, no one says you're darn tootin', for example. No. No, you're absolutely I mean, that, and that's right. used sometimes but on, ra- and that's one thing on yeah. radio that does happen sometimes. Yes, but he, I agree with you. He took a liberty that was not necessary and could damage how people feel about the work. I mean, I, you know, it, it, it didn't diminish. I'm just warning listeners that some, some of your listeners might be offended mm-hmm. by that. And I just want to give them a warning about yeah. that. Yeah. That diminished it from it, five to four stars. Yeah. Uh, but it's a well-written I'm biography. Yeah. Uh, no one can, and, and, you know, there, like I said, there are times you like the man. There are uh-huh. times you detest the man. <laughs> um, In which case, he did a good job writing. Yes. We didn't need the other stuff, yeah. Um, but, uh, but it, and it also, it talks about him winning, him invo- he, did a, he did win a special Oscar in 1945 for the short, The House I Live In. Mm-hmm. And he was able to talk some kids about going back to school in Indiana over a racial issue. They wanted to boycott the school when there were some integration issues going on. Mm-hmm. And Frank mm-hmm. came to the town in Indiana and told the kids, go back to school. We, we all work together in this world. And he did a lot of humanitarian things, which is chronicled. Yeah. I, I felt bad that he left Nancy. I mean, um, I have, to me, marriage means, or I've never been married, but and I know mistakes, things happen to people sometimes where relationships can foul up, but I, I sort of believe in the till death do you part thing about a marriage. Mm-hmm. And Ava was not a good match for Frank. But Frank was, you know, obsessed with her. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it happens. Tell me the one thing that surprised you the most that you learned about him that you didn't know before. Well, first of all, I didn't know that he, uh, I didn't know a lot about the the, the, the mob associations. I knew some about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any new, true, in, what's interesting about some of the roles he played that he didn't like. He didn't like the movie The Miracle of the Bells which was done on locks later. 
-hmm. He played a priest. There was different roles he didn't like, which I didn't know, uh, that he didn't like them. Um, that's one of the things that was interesting to me. He, I don't know if he really liked Rocky Fortune or not. Uh, he, he quit after, he ended after 25 episodes. Yeah. Well, then you had some thoughts about how he felt about Rocky Fortune. Well, a couple of things I want to mention. He, a lot of his fellow radio actors said that he was late a lot, and it, it was sort of, you know, he just came in late and did it. Uh, George, I interviewed George Ruffin, the writer for the series, and the, the series was created for Frank. I, and I think it's true, because I don't think any other, I don't think that script would have worked for anybody else. I think it was definitely written for Frank Sinatra. I began making two other things. Next, next month, Nancy Senior will be 101, everybody, her birthday. Still with us, she'll be 101 on March 20th. Wow. Uh, well, I haven't talked to her since she lost her son. You know, I've sent them sympathy cards and things like that. So, um, the last time I talked to her... Southern California? Yeah. She's doing Southern California? Yeah, she is. Uh-huh. The last time I talked to her uh, just before that, she was fine, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. And the other thing I want to mention, Ava Gardner once said, and a lot of you sharks sort of got to laugh out, all I, all I want to marry is a, is a simple man. And the three people she married were Mickey Rooney, Artie Shaw, and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> they were anything but simple. <laughs> she just wanted to marry a simple man, a simple truck drive. And the three people she married are probably the most complex people on the face of the earth. You know. Well, especially Artie Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. But all three were... Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, they, nev they never had, ch Ava and him never had children. No. Um, it was, um, it was just a, but he, um, the next book starts right after that, and I'm in this book now, and we'll, when, when I finish this, it's twice the length of the first book, because there's more years to cover. Um, this volume two, which is called Sinatra the Chairman, Starts the day he won after he won the Academy Award in '54, mm -hmm. and goes up to his death in 1998. And we'll and we'll learn all about things like the formation of the Rat Pack, the movies he did, the many records he did, the revival of his career at Capitol with Nelson Riddle and Billy May and people like that, the various songs he did, the various movies he did, um, especially you know things like Ocean's Eleven with Sammy and Dean and uh, Peter Lawford and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I did hear one review of it. He hated Strangers in the Night, but that was one of his biggest hits. <laughs> New York, New York, I believe I have read that he didn't like that one either. Is that correct? I don't know. I haven't read Walter that. Do you know, Marlon? Don't know, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me, you know. But, st but Strangers in the Night, I guess he hated that Scooby-Dooby-Doo stuff that he did at the end of the song. Um, of, his, of those years, the two I liked best by him, well, actually there were three in the, of his 60s songs. Mm -hmm. One was The Summer Winds. Yep. That's a great song. Two was 
two was, two was, um, let me get it straight now, uh, the summer winds, the world we knew in 1967, and there was one in 68 called Cycles, which, you know, shows about how life does, the, the line has always touched me in that song was, life keeps going in, in cycles. First there's laughter, then there's tears. I, Frank was a lonely man. Yeah. I was just thinking about Sammy Kahn, the songwriter. He had a partner, George, that came, wrote the song High Hope. Can you imagine them yeah. trying to pitch that song to Frank about the ants and the rubber tree plants and everything, and Sinatra went ahead and did it? Yeah, and of course, uh, on the record, Eddie Hodges didn't sing with him on the record. Some other children did, because Eddie couldn't. I've read this in the book, the second book. Mm-hmm. Decca had a contract with Eddie Hodges, and he couldn't do records on uh, Capitol. Mm-hmm. So some other children sang High Hopes on the uh, 1959 record. Right. And it, it'll go into all, a lot of his movies, Not as a Stranger, um, Suddenly, where he played a presidential assassin. Um, the one movie that my memory of Frank Sinatra, that I saw this movie as a child with my parents and brother and sister. We were living in Shreveport, Louisiana in 1961, and we saw the Shreveport premiere of The Devil at Four O'Clock. Spencer Tracy and Frank Sinatra starred in this movie. It was in 1961. Spencer Tracy played a priest on a South Seas island, and Frank is one of three prisoners on their way to jail in Tahiti when the plane stops to uh, drop off a new priest, which is supposed to relieve Spencer Tracy. And there's a volcano on the island. And... Uh, one of Father Doonan's uh, things there is he built a leper hospital for children. A lot of the people on the island were boycotting the church because they feared that if it was known there was a leper colony, it might affect the tourism on the island. And Father Doonan lost his faith, and he was beginning to drink. And then when these children are in danger, Frank and the other two convicts, in the hope of maybe getting their sentences reduced, agree to go up and try to rescue the children from the hospital on the volcano, and that's the plot of the film. Mm. I thought Frank was very good in it. Um, the, a lot of critics didn't like it, but as I said to your last night, to the author who wrote about Jack Webb, the critics panned every one of Jack Webb's films. But what do critics know? I mean, it's just one opinion. Right. Yeah. True. There's no nothing's written in stone. Agreed. Agreed. But they can make or break a movie. They can make or break a book. Well, that's why when you do your awful shows, mm-hmm. I always figure it's one opinion. I mean, and uh, you've off, you've offered, as I've said before, you've offered new perspective on a lot of these things, and I know you'll be. I know pretty soon you're going to be going back to it again, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. I. Now, I missed the beginning last night. What was your objection to Out of the Deep? That's what you played last night. I do have to have... Tell me what the thing was about. It was about the guy that they were... I guess it involved a panther. Uh, It was an explorer or a seaman or 
It was an NBC show from 46 about a panther. I think my brain probably didn't want to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean? Oh boy, you were, uh, you, and yes, two weeks ago, you and Dave Golden agreed, and after you talked about it, I looked it up on the Gold Index, and that was that suspense episode, Cat and Mouse, yes. with uh, Sunny Tops. Mm-hmm. And Golden thought it was absolutely awful radio. And you agreed. Yes, (laughs) I did. I don't remember the story, but I remember going up to Dave's site to make sure that I got the names and the and the the show correct, and that I had the proper dates. And when I got to that at the end, I thought, "Whoa! I guess I made a big. I I did good. I did good (laughs) because he. I can't remember seeing something a, a commentary or a comment from him." Was it shame? He said shame on the actors that did this thing. Yeah. I mean, oh gosh, he was. I don't think I've come across more than three times in in that entire lot the numbers of times that I have been up there. We're talking about RadioGoldIndex.com. Dave Golden has put together a list of every show that he has in his possession, and he deals in the high quality stuff. So there may be shows available that are not listed at his site, but it's only because he hasn't yet come across a copy that he's clean enough for him to be... And they're not available from him anymore, by the way. No. I mean, you can't purchase them from him anymore. But if you're looking for reference information about a show, you can search for it by the name of the program or by the name of an actor, and he he has them separately listed. An actor who has done... We'll take Don Daner, for example. He did so many shows. He was a character in so many shows, and then he had two of his own with Frontier Gentlemen and, and Have Gun Will Travel. Dave has all of these set up. He's got the date, who the people were, the, sometimes the sponsors, um, typically the sponsors. And he's also got a site, uh, he has a Golden 2 site, which is by date and year. And, he, you know, you go, it starts with mm-hmm. the 1920s and it goes on to, yes. the, to, yes. to 2016 with President mm-hmm. Obama even. He even records those things. It so if you want to say... Re- in the golden age, if you want to research, say, say you were, say you had a relative that was born, say, today, mm-hmm. February tenth, nineteen fifty-one, you just go to nineteen fifty-one and arrow to February tenth, mm-hmm. and if he has like eight shows or ten shows or twelve shows right. or three shows or one show, uh-huh. it's there. Yes, 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 indeed. But Dave, has, he is so didactic with his information. It is precise. He'll give you a one-sentence synopsis of an entire show. He can do it in one sentence. <laughs> and, and he'll also mention the, the sound condition, if known. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, with most of the time, he's objective. Once in a while, he'll say something. He will say good radio if it's something he particularly likes. Uh-huh. But if it's bad, he will say bad radio. He does do it occasionally. And very occasionally, for all the time that I've spent up there, I don't think I've seen a negative comment or any kind of a a comprehensive comment, something other than, gee, this was good. But (laughs) Well, two suspenses we know of. That one and the 1962 show Weekend at Gleeps. And he he panned that one as well? Yes. Yeah. Bad radio. I remember because I thought... You played it on your awful show once. I thought the recording was truncated. It ended before the story ended, and that's exactly the way it was performed. It was terrible. Well, I am looking forward, Patricia, to 
for Cynthia, Cynthia Myers next week and Frank and Ann Hummert. And in two weeks, uh, you and I will do our Don't Touch That Dial reviews. I certainly hope I'm finished with the book by then. I'll keep you posted. Well, I'll be starting it again this week. But it's on, it is online. You've seen it online now on his yes. J. Fred McDonald's yes. e Media eBooks. Oh right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for the for the great review. I'm really interested in the the background details on Frank Sinatra, so I'm going to be looking forward to the the second issue on this one. Yeah, well, and it's one you one you I think you'll enjoy the book. Uh, mm -hmm. But I just wanted to do that for listeners, just to in case because uh, I know some people get offended by things like that. So yeah. No, that um, that's a good heads up. Uh, when I'm when I'm with a new author, I go to Amazon because they've got so many people who leave comments and feedback about. Well, that's a good way to read but read about read the reviews of both books up there, both the Sinatra, uh -huh. Frank the Voice, and Sinatra the Chairman. Yeah, but I always start with the three stars, not the five stars, <laughs> not the four stars, because everybody's all happy with that. But three, two, and one. If there's language in there that's questionable somebody within that group will do a heads up on it well i know uh, most people i mean generally what they're the one stars when i've seen reviews generally there might be three or four that give it one star mm -hmm. five is the you know the best of course four most people give it four most people give books four stars i find mm -hmm. and i'd have heard some people say if there was a zero star, I would give it that. But since I can only do one, I've had that. I've heard that a few times. I can't leave a review unless I, I mark a star. You're right. You're right. So you keep up the well, good work. Thank you, Jim. Do you want to give one guess on the refrigerator before you go? Say again? One guess on the refrigerator before you go. And what, what about the refrigerator? What's inside Patricia's refrigerator? Well, cold drinks. That would go under the soda, yeah. So soda, maybe. Soda? Uh, no. Me, uh, only cold, one, cold, only lunch meat. Lunch meat. Only one a week, Jim. <laughs> oh, one a well, Cold drinks. Cold drinks. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm going to give him that. Um, okay. I'll give him another chance because soda has already been guessed, and uh, lunch, lunch meat, meat has already been guessed. Um, cheese. Uh, cheese. Walden got cheese. Walden got that already. Let me give you a Milk. quick rundown here. Patricia, can you... Just a minute. These are the ones that have already been guessed. Soda, club soda, cheese, lettuce, and salad dressing. And I'll give okay. you the list of things that it's not. It is not tomatoes, not peanut butter, butter, ice cubes, milk, margarine, butter, juice, jello, coffee creamer, cracker jack, bread, jelly, ham, cookies, and lunch meat. It's none of that. Those are not in there. They are not in uh, there. How about um, radishes? No radishes. Okay, got to wait for next week. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, and I'm looking forward to talking to Cynthia next week. It'll be oh, fun. Oh, gosh. She'll be good. She'll be good. I'm glad you're... And remember, folks, tomorrow it's Joan Benny. That's right. Joan Benny tomorrow. Mm -hmm. All right, Jim. Well, have thank you, Walter. Have thank a good you. evening. Take care. You do the Thanks, same. Jim. Good bye bye. Night. Good night. All right, it's past Patricia's bedtime, and I need to go off to bed. Why? 
Well, it is past midnight. Yes, it is. But I have all of this stuff. (laughs) 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 I mean, I've got all of this stuff. (laughs) Well, it's been an active phone night, my dear. It's what? It's been very active on the phone tonight. Yes, we have. So, okay, I'll save it for next week. I do have a lot of information that's new this year about Black History Month. And uh, some really nice stuff and things that really surprised me. So, we will have some of that next week. Terrific. Yeah. So, thank you for being with us, everybody. And thank you, Walden. Good night, night, everybody. Good night, Patricia. All right. And there we go, Patricia. We're going to be featuring uh, another Ray Bream interview here on Yesterday USA. And with that, we'll say a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless this wonderful country we live in. Bless the people who serve it. Look after the men and women of the armed forces. Help those who are in financial difficulties or might be in hospital tonight, Lord. Help those who are fighting cancer or some ailment to the body. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, everybody. Stand by. Jaws Professional, Artie Shaw's Part 03 Old, Old Document, Big Saturday 2S, Saturday 210, Enter, Item, Ray Bream 9, Ray Bream 861129, Guests are Joe Bowler and Marty Allen, Loading Jaw Cat, OK, Enter, Saturday 210. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. Hello, Americans, I'm Paul Harvey. You know what the news is. In a minute, you're going to hear the rest of the story. You come to the Bible with your heart, of course, but come to the Bible with your mind, too. The history of Western civilization begins in these pages. Our laws, our sense of charity, our knowledge of the remarkable people whose lives still enrich our literature, our art, our music, even our travels. Yes, come to the Bible to learn. Knowledge, like faith, is a truly joyful possession. A message from the Layman's National Bible Committee. Mrs. Douglas McPhee, Lebanon, Nebraska, says that she got a bun coffee maker because her son, Don, gave her one one Christmas. But since then, she, Mrs. McPhee, has bought bun coffee brewers for her two daughters and her two daughters-in-law. And she says, P.S., it's so simple, my husband of 48 years makes coffee for the first time in his life. The Bun, B-U-N-N, Home Coffee Brewer. I just thought this might give you a Christmas gift idea. Now, the rest of the story. They never called it Dead Man's Curve. Maybe they should have. People had already paid with their lives for traveling that scenic stretch of Sunset Boulevard. That's why the curve was improperly banked in the first place. Why the road itself was leaning the wrong way to enhance the scenery. For eight motorists, the breathtaking view became literally that. It was the last thing they ever saw. 
January 24, 1961, Melvin was driving on Sunset Boulevard a few blocks from UCLA. He was approaching that hazardous curve. Night had fallen. The speed limit was 35. Melvin was driving under that. He looked up at a street sign, Bellagio Road, where one would be turning next to Bel Air. But the next instant, everything became nothing. For driving in the opposite direction was a brand new Oldsmobile. Behind the wheel was an 18-year-old boy. The young man said he was doing the limit when his car swerved into the oncoming lanes and head-on into Melvin. The boy's injuries were negligible. But it took firemen to cut Melvin out of his Aston Martin. Since the scene of the accident was so close to UCLA Hospital, Melvin was taken there. At the time his family converged, specialists were discussing the case. Melvin had a triple skull fracture. He had arrived unconscious. He was still in a coma. His wife, Estelle, and his son, Noel, stayed at his bedside, watching in anguish as doctor after doctor tried to revive him, their efforts in vain. The hours became days, and Melvin remained comatose. Each morning, a physician would walk into the hospital room, stand by the bed, and call Melvin's name, never a response. Until one specialist learned about Melvin's split personality, that there was another personality, somebody else living inside Melvin's head, who had a name all his own. And one morning on a hunch, that specialist stood at Melvin's bedside and he called out the other name. And Melvin, in that personality, which was so unlike his own, in that voice, so unlike his own, responded. Now, later Melvin said that all of the while he was in a coma, he believed that he was dead, that he personally had been killed in that car crash, that there were survivors. Yes, more than one running around in Melvin's traumatized brain. Other characters, other personalities, hundreds each distinct from one another. After three weeks, Melvin was still in a coma, still believing that he was dead, and yet responding to doctors in hundreds of voices which were not his own voice. By then, the city of Los Angeles had rebanked the dangerous curve on Sunset Boulevard, for it had so nearly robbed the world of so many on that dark January night. For Melvin was Mel Blanc, the creator of those many. It was based on his versatile voice that more than 400 cherished characters came into being. Cartoon stars like Barney Rubble and Speedy Gonzalez, Yosemite Sam and Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. Mel Blanc came out of the coma. He's well today. For decades you've loved the wonderful creatures he gave life. Now you'll never forget the day they saved his life. For now you know the rest of the story. For most of us, finding a good parking place can often be very difficult. To the handicapped, it can be almost impossible. That's why thousands have worked so hard for regulations to provide spaces clearly marked reserved for disabled drivers. Handicapped parking zones are conveniently located for easy access to wheelchair ramps, reducing the risk of being hit while crossing lanes. They're even wider to make sure the disabled can get in and out of the car once they've parked. For the handicapped, this can make the difference between a difficult or almost impossible task. Unfortunately, many of us are too busy to notice these handicapped parking signs. Others feel, since they're just going to be a minute, it won't hurt to use the space for themselves. 
The Disabled American Veterans urges you to leave the handicapped parking spaces for those who need them. If you want to help, write the Disabled American Veterans, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45215. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. Southern California, living here it all comes true. Let's share it all with you on KABC Talk Radio 79. Southern California. out everybody that's the way it began and you better keep those uh, those tranquilizers happy because uh, they're going to be maybe needed tonight my guest is uh, a giant the name is Arch Obler Mr. Obler glad to have you with us uh, pleasure indeed the, uh, the drama we call the theater of the mind began all those years ago in, in radio and uh, you grew up in Chicago, and Chicago, of course, was the mecca for drama and radio. Why was that? Why did Chicago become such a, a drama center for radio? Ray, I insist that before we talk about Chicago, I be perhaps the first one to tell your audience about this studio. It's quite amazing. It's decorated in a neo-Frank Lloyd Wright style. <laughs> But what's more important is that it actually has three living waterfalls in it. And I'm told by on good authority that every hour on the half hour, you have 13 or 14 Nubian maidens come in bringing you food. Now, this is really factual in the theater of your mind, my mind. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, you have not lost any of that charm and any of that uh, great imagination. And that's what the theater of the mind was all about. Uh, you have done seven motion pictures, uh, five books, and radio, of course, the most famous of all, Lights Out on CBS and NBC. Arch Obler's plays, um, NBC writer and director, Every Man's Theater uh, for NBC, writer and director, to the president, Blue Network series, writer and director, the Free World Theater, Blue Network Series, and on and on it goes. Uh, of course, you did one called This Precious Freedom, starring Raymond Massey, and that was uh, voted the best commercial dramatic play of 1941. Uh, you're the winner of uh, the Peabody Award, one of the very first in radio drama in 1945, the first uh, Award Academy Award uh, in 1964. Uh, the list goes on and on. How did it all begin, Arch? You know, as I listen to you read all those, I wonder where I found time to have three sons. <laughs> <laughs> it started very simply with, uh, with O. Henry Bars, factually. <laughs> I was very um, hungry in Chicago, where it began. And with those O. Henry Bars, I sat in the sofas in the waiting room of NBC, the Merchandise Mart, trying to get someone, anyone... To, to read my plays in the hopes of getting on the air. 
And somebody must have read one of your plays because you got on the air. Well, purely accidentally, they were opening a place called Radio City around that time. It was open, but they were having a belated uh, dedicatory series of programs. And a vice president who had told me just a few years or a few weeks earlier that there wasn't a chance of my getting my plays done because, and this is as factual as the seat I'm sitting on, uh, that broadcasting didn't need ideas. That sounds rather familiar, doesn't it? Uh, well, he called me up and he said, the, the play that I have read is called Futuristics, and it seems like a perfect play to dedicate uh, the opening of the studios there. We're going to use it. And I dared to ask him, amidst my inner joy, am I going to be paid for it? And he said, oh, yes, $75. As if he was talking about giving me the, the holy grail. <laughs> I'd spent three months writing that play. And I took those three months and put that $75 in there, and it really didn't seem like much. Well, with us is also Marty Halperin, a renowned sound engineer, a man who, uh, in his own right, is rather well-known in uh, radio circles because he is one of the uh, original founders of the Armed Forces Radio Service back in 1945, the Hollywood studios of AFRS. Tell us about that, Marty, and uh, how you got to preserve and find and uh, doctor up some of these, these great classics by Arch Obler. Well, as far as Armed Forces Radio, I reported in there in the service in 46 and was part of the crew, the military crew, that started the first recording room in, in Hollywood. And I will jump ahead a few years. And uh, with Mr. Obler, uh, since I've been working with discs since about 1945, uh, it's all trial and error as you go through these things to find out how you can clean them up and... Uh, take out the clicks and pops, and this is what I was doing. Now, you found these 16-inch discs, some 800 of them, in Arch's home, is that right? Well, yes, he found them and called me over, I and see. we looked at them and tried to put them in some chronological order, and then start transferring them, especially the ones that are on glass. Marty, why don't you tell the facts? He <laughs> found them, Ray, under a series of dinosaur eggs. That's true. <laughs> That's covering them. And so you've been processing these, and they're going to be put into 52 half-hour episodes uh, and will be syndicated to uh, something like 160 radio stations across the country by uh, a syndicator that is uh, well-known for uh, radio drama. What syndicator is that? It's, uh, if I'm right, it is Medicom, correct? That's right. Yes, right. of uh, Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Minneapolis, right. And so uh, we're going to be hearing Arch Obler material very shortly on radio stations around the country. Is that right? That's the exciting idea, if they can find enough scrap material to put them together. <laughs> we'll be right back, and for our younger audience, uh, those who are under 50, uh, we'll replay one of the uh, Lights Out openings and a little bit of that drama, and you'll understand what it's all about. So stay with us. My guest, in fact, two guests. We have Marty Halpern, who's helped resurrect uh, so many of these great Lights Out radio shows, and the man who created them all, Arch Obler. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Each year, more and more individuals and families are choosing cremation with the Neptune Society as the simple, dignified, and economical alternative to the costly traditional funeral and cemetery. 
You know, the Neptune Society is the world's largest cremation society, offering scattering of the cremated remains at sea or return of the ashes to the family. Last year in California alone, over 35% of the deaths involved cremation, with the Neptune Society handling a majority of the cases. For a free portfolio of the Neptune Society's low cost and simple services, call now, direct or collect. In Los Angeles, area code 213-831-0664. And in the San Fernando Valley, area code 818-845-2415. No salesperson will call. Again, the Neptune Society in Los Angeles, area code 213-831-0664. In the San Fernando Valley, 818-845-2415. You live in a remote, drought-stricken country. Your four children are dying of malnutrition. You can walk to the nearest relief center in five days, but you're too weak to carry more than one child. You're forced to choose who will live and who may die. It's the kind of choice no mother should have to make. That's why we're asking you to make an easier choice. Next time you buy a greeting card, choose UNICEF cards. UNICEF, the United Nations Children's Fund, has helped save millions of children who might otherwise have perished from starvation or disease. Call 1-800-4-KIDS to receive a free greeting card catalog or to make a tax-deductible contribution. And remember, the choice you make can help others have a better choice than they face now. Call 1-800-4-KIDS or your local UNICEF office. UNICEF cards. Every time you buy them, you help save a child's life. Fully satisfied by a Thanksgiving break. Looking forward to getting back on Monday after a week's vacation. Hello there, I'm Michael Jackson. Already the guest list is filling up with fascinating topics to inform and entertain. Do you have a gambling problem? Two will get you five. There's help out there and we'll tell you about it. We'll visit with attorney Melvin Belli. Speak about our youth in a series of conversations that include gang violence, teen prostitution and drug intervention. I'm Michael Jackson. Spend some time with us during the upcoming week from 9 to 1 on Talk Radio KABC. All right, let's turn on our little magic time machine, flip it on, and go back about 40 years and just see what happens. Here we go. Metacom presents Arch Obler's Lights Out Everybody. series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you, these Lights Out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. A man and a woman in a Bronx apartment. And an evening you may never forget with The Visitor from Hades. Shut the window. A little quiet we'll have. Want me to suffocate? Suffocate. 42 years now I've lived in the Bronx. Do I look like I suffocate? 
Oh, come on, Dora. Be nice. We'll have quiet and we'll talk. Uh, all right. Yeah, better, better. So come, sit down, Dora. Come on, sit and we'll talk. I don't know if I want to talk about it anymore. Now, don't talk like something without a head. Why shouldn't you talk? Good reason. I'm sick of it. So, if you're sick inside, God forbid you see a doctor. If you're sick in the head, you talk to me. Who's better you should talk to than your own mother? Even if only by marriage. He makes me sick. No, you're telling me he makes you sick. Listen, darling. For 30 years, Sam's papa made me so sick even to look at him. I used to close my eyes like you close from uh, a piece of dirt flies in your eyes. He's good-looking enough. Ah, Washington. And not even Washington by the president. Washington, Washington, he has to run away to. A traveler in the family. Not with me, he won't. Uh, Not with himself either. Now, believe me, it's up to you, Dora. Fighting, fighting all the time. If you knew how sick I was of it. So better fighting and getting what you want, believe me. Ah, the door. Yes, I heard. Now, if it's Sam... Sam, a ten after four? Yeah, him and a bank president. Ah, mister in a hurry, whoever it is. Just the superintendent. And he fixed the light in the bathroom. All right, all right. Sam? Dora? Is it Sam? Yes, Ma, it's Sam. Now, Sam, don't start anything. Well, what should he start? With his own mama, he should start. Ma, I thought I asked you to stay away from Dora when I'm not here. Sam, I tell you, don't start that again. Mama, answer me. Didn't I ask you to stay away? Mamas who aren't welcomed by their daughters in marriage, I've heard of. But an own son who wouldn't want... Don't get melodramatic, Ma. All I'm asking is that you don't see Dora when I'm not around. We had that understanding. Sam, you stop. Why should I stop? All right, all right. So both stop. I got a home. I'll go. Oh, Ma, for Pete's sake, why can't you talk <laughs> No, reasonable? I don't want to talk. I don't want to stay. Oh, goodbye. i talk to you tomorrow, darling. All right. And don't forget what I told you. New York is good enough. Of course, Mother. Goodbye. Goodbye. New York's good enough for what? For you. So she has been at it again. Dora, why won't you listen to me? She isn't right for you, my ma. Maybe I haven't heard that one. Then hear it again because it's true. All her life, everything she's done's been wrong. My pa, he was a swell guy, but she ruined him and his business. The way she's trying to ruin you and me. Little boy's getting excited. Listen, she ran him and his life. What he should do, not do, she breathed for him. And pretty soon he was glad to die. Believe me, glad to die. Stop yelling at me. The neighbors hear you all right, half as loud. The devil with the neighbors. They don't have to stand ten hours a day in that sweatshop. I do. If you had what it takes, you wouldn't have to work for other people. You'd have a place for yourself. I'd have a place for myself if you'd stop spending every nickel a week before I make it. I got a right to live, have fun, ain't I? Can I help it? I married a dumb jerk, can't make a decent living. Don't say those things, I warn you. I said them yesterday, I'll say them now, I'll say them again. You're a jerk! Dora, stop it! Big, empty-headed jerk! Stop it, I tell you! Your right, she's always right. The only way to feed a jerk like you is to spend every cent you make just as fast as you make it. Dora, I'm telling you. So you can keep on I'm telling you, Dora. You're a jerk, a jerk, a jerk! Stop it! A jerk like your pa was Don't say that, my pa! A jerk! You're mocked. Dora, stop it! A fat-headed jerk who never reminds me of a jerk! All right, I'll stop you! Say a hand. Oh. 
door. 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 I, I didn't mean to stop looking at me like that. I, I didn't know what I was. But my hands. Don't blame me. Blame yourself. My pa. The things you said. You wouldn't have said that if if you knew him. He was good. His face was so thin and quiet. And when my ma'd start in on him for nothing. For nothing, I tell you. His eyes were like a dog. You kicked. That's why I wouldn't stand here saying those things. Not about my pa. What you say about me, all right. I'm used to it. First my mother used to. Now you. But not about him. You understand? Not about him. Well, don't stand there holding your neck looking at me. Say something. I hate you. All right. And I hate you so much. I could kill you. And I you. Window. The dining room. So who cares? But a window broke, didn't you hear it? Well, let him break up the house. Oh, Sam. Oh, I'll go myself. Oh, kids. I told the superintendent to keep him off the street. If he thinks I'll pay for the glass, he's got to... Sam! Uh-huh. Sam! Come here. Quick! What's the matter? What's the matter with you? What? Sam! Sam! Stop saying my name like that over and over for the last five minutes. Why do you do that? Who? What? I don't know. I don't. Make it go away. Make it go away, Sam. Yeah. Yeah. My flat. You. What do you want here? Who are you? Who are you? Get out of here. Do you hear me? Get out of here. I'm getting out of here. I'm getting out. No, Dora, wait. No, no, let go of me. I'm getting out of here. Dora, stop. I, I... Can't you see he's getting up? <gasps> Don't move. Sam, where is he? He's sitting down in front of the door. If I could scream. But I'm afraid he... The police. Sam, call the police. Yeah, yeah the police. John, call. No. No, how, how can I? Well, don't stand there. The telephone. You stop. Try. You've got to. Right. All right, but walk, walk, walk alongside of me. I, I feel so dizzy. Just, just another couple of steps. His eyes. Oh, the telephone. Quick, quick. Operator. Operator. Silas. Oh, yeah, yes. Quick. How can I until the operator... Hello, operator. Tell her, Sam. Operator, operator, the police got me the police, quick. Some, some came into my house and was something. Sam, he's getting up again. Police, operator, the police Sam, before. hang up. The police. Hang up, Sam, he don't like it. Sam. Are you crazy? Why did you receive out of my hand? Don't like it. Look. <gasps> well, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, nothing will. And the creator of that episode of Lights Out is our guest, Arch Obler. We'll be right back. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Arch, uh, do you remember what show this was from? What year? Any idea? Ray, the only dates I remember <laughs> is the War of 1812, which I fought valiantly. <laughs> Seriously, I wrote uh, so many, 
And I found the only way I kept my sanity was to forget them immediately. <laughs> As to that play, you know, that's one of the very quiet ones. And uh, uh, I, I, I'm not going to spoil by telling what happens. Other than to say this, the wonder of radio, and it's quite obvious to your listeners, was the fact that within their own minds, they build up the pictures. The heroes were their heroes. The villains were their villains. And the monsters were not the concoctions, with all due respects to Mr. Lucas and Mr. Spielberg, of the uh, special effects department. But it was... The monster was the person they hated. The wife that left them, the husband that did them wrong, the girl that never said yes, the boss who did them wrong. Those were the true monsters, and that's what radio brought out. The they weren't the, the monsters mind. that I wrote about. That, what you just heard, that quarrel, that's your quarrel, we all quarrel. And the climactic quarrel, although it may be fictionized, behind it is the terror each one of us has and had when we spoke those terrible words to someone we really liked. I can't uh, add to that. Um, how do you come up with these ideas and then translate it to paper? Hmm. Um, I got a letter today from a girl in... Phoenix, who was writing her thesis on radio, and her basic thought was, where does one get the ideas? Uh, it's, we, we all are what we ate, what we dreamed, uh, the worries we had, the joys we had. Um, I don't know where they happened from. Um, I've always had a plot mind. Um, today, as I was coming out to this place of the many Nubian maidens with their <laughs> wondrous trays, and I'm waiting for them. So am I. <laughs> um, mine shall be orange juice. I don't want your usual champagne. I couldn't take that. <laughs> All right. Uh, as I was coming out of here, I was thinking about um, suddenly the world of the future. And uh, I say this without any pomposity, but I swear to you, I have 15 or 20 ideas for stories that I can tell you about. Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay Area, 679, and the San Fernando Valley, dial 990, and then talk. My guest, the one and only Arch Obler, and best remembered for his radio dramatic series called Lights Out. Uh, what gave you the idea of Lights Out is the name of the series? Lights Out was started in Chicago by a very interesting chap by the name of Willis Cooper. He, uh, quickly became sane and could no longer write these things. Because, you see, one has to be slightly off-key to do two things in life. One is to live in Hollywood, and the other one is to write this sort of play. Uh, that's proven by the fact that Mr. Hitchcock and Mr. Serling were 
on the telephone, I think it was about six weeks after this series started, asking if my insanity was still working. <laughs> uh, but, you know, may I try an experiment on your listeners? Have you got a minute? Sure, let's do it. I'd like to prove my thesis about the fact that, unlike television, where things have to be shown, I can frighten the pantaloons off listeners just with simple words and no pornographic ones among them, I assure you. Uh, I'm going to ask your listeners for just a split second to sit or stand where they are. Just for a moment now. Sit or stand where you are. And don't use your hands for any reason whatsoever. Now, there's something is going to climb up your back. Now, don't move. Now, don't reach behind you. It's like a spider, but it isn't a spider. It's got many tentacles. It's green, and it's reaching up toward the back of your neck. It's climbing up to the edge of your hair. It's going to grab... I don't have to say any more. You felt that, spider. <laughs> of course I did. That was what radio was all about. The imagination took over. Just a few sound effects and some good actors and some good writing, and the rest was up to the listener to fill in the blanks. Marty, why don't you give me a sound effect of a spider? <laughs> <laughs> He's a quiet man. Uh, Marty, by the way, uh, you are on the uh, board of directors of uh, Pacific Pioneer Radio Broadcasters, and um, you are the director of acquisitions. You must have acquired some dandies with this. Well, we've acquired quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> tremendous amount of material, and unfortunately, so much has been thrown out because uh, the networks, uh, the ad agencies, as they move from one office mm -hmm. to another, decide that, uh, what is this stuff? We don't need it. We don't have to drag it with us, so, so they throw it out. But some of our members have kept a lot. Uh, when you were transferring this material from the old 16-inch discs to tape, uh, you spent hours upon hours cutting out the clicks and the pops from the original recordings. Right. Now, we just heard that a minute ago. It was as clean uh, as anything that came er, out of the studio originally. I'm a clean playwright. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, how did you do that? Well, normally I transfer everything from disc to uh, tape at 15 inches per second. So it runs by very fast. Right. And the faster it goes, the you take a word and the word is stretched out a little further so oh, if there's a pop in the word and you take it out you don't really notice anything you the, can take the pop out and still put the word back together again right and you physically cut the pop out you know what breaks my heart ray that he couldn't resurrect the plays that disappeared <laughs> now one day years ago i had the joy of doing a broadcast from that famous studio six i think in radio city 8h Eight H. Oh, your uh, memory's terrific. I used to watch Toscanini. Uh, their th their and thing. I had Mr. Toscanini's orchestra as my background music, so I'll be... Really? It was the first one-hour drama that NBC ever had on the air. And as the leading lady, I had a wondrous actor, actress named Nazimova. For those of you who haven't particularly paid any attention to the theater before Joan Collins. I'll say that Nazimova was as famous in her time as uh, Joan Collins is in ours, or Lady Evans is in hers. Um, the broadcast was a great one. I walked out of there on air because NBC had assured me that they were not only recording that, but they were going to put out the very first album of a drama 
with Toscanini Symphony, Chorus's music. Unfortunately, uh, my dear friend over here wasn't there that day to put the needle down. Mm -hmm. And what happened was that the man, the engineer, had gone out for a short beer, apparently, and something happened to the recording needle. This was before you and I invented tape. And the recording was not made. That's terrible. And it's, I've been unhappy ever since. And when I get to, to heaven, as I will, of course, because the devil will never have me, <laughs> I'm going to say to St. Peter, my one wish is not to get through your gates, but give me those heavenly bit of tape that disappeared. My guest, the one and only Arch Obler. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. The Carson Mall is hosting a special promotion, and you can help. Beginning on December 1st, bring in a gift to place under Carson Mall's special tree of lights. Your gift will provide a needy family the glory of Christmas. Christmas is about giving, and for your contribution, the Carson Mall will give you one of their very own ornaments off the special tree of lights. The Carson Mall wants you to feel special. That's why they've set up booths specifically to handle gift certificates, wrapping, and even UPS mail delivery. Of course, Santa will be on hand in his sleigh, available for portraits in a twinkle of the eye. For your convenience, the Carson Mall will be opening earlier and closing later to accommodate your needs. And don't miss the Carson Carolers singing all your favorite Christmas songs December 12th through the 21st. Shop the Carson Mall on Avalon, just north of the 405 and south of the 91 freeways. The Carson Mall, because they understand the meaning of Christmas. Give your gift today. The Carson Mall wishes you a very special holiday season. Hello, friend. This is Pat Boone. Did you know that 80% of American women between 14 and 30 think they're overweight? Many of them have an eating disorder. Well, I found this out the hard way when my 19-year-old daughter, Cherry, nearly died from anorexia. And if it hadn't been for the kind of help that's available now at Northridge Hospital, we might have lost her. By attending Northridge Hospital's free community groups, many folks are finding support they need from families and friends of people suffering from eating disorders. These support groups are held twice monthly, on the second and fourth Thursday of every month. Northridge Hospital also provides a free brochure on what families should know about the danger signs of anorexia nervosa and bulimia. So if you have a loved one, friend, or relative who might have one of these life-threatening conditions, please contact the Eating Disorders Program at Northridge Hospital, 818-885-5450, 818-885-5450, or consult your phone directory. For some time now, I've been telling you about Fire Mountain Gems and how they're not just an ordinary jewelry store. You see, Fire Mountain Gems is special. And their now famous two-day finish jewelry sale is more than special. It's truly fantastic. You see, this Friday and Saturday, all finished jewelry is half off. That's right, 50% off every piece of finished jewelry. The holidays are here, so why not buy smart? The selection is beautiful, and at half off, you just can't go wrong. Remember, people actually wait all year for this finished jewelry sale. So get there early, then get ready to save big. Special sale hours this Friday and Saturday only from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Fire Mountain Gems, 11274 Ventura Boulevard between the Vineland and Tahunga exits in North Hollywood. Sound fantastic? It is. Call them at 818-761-1111. You tell them Ray Bream asks you to call. Area code 818-761-1111. Hello, I'm Bud Ferrello. 
Did you know that the Center for the Partially Sighted in Santa Monica may be able to help you use the remaining sight you have? Call 213-458-3501. Did you know that UCLA's Museum of Cultural History is showing an exhibit of folk art from the Mexican Days of the Dead? Did you know that Forte Foundation in Van Nuys offers you help with problem teenagers? Call 818-788-6800. KABC thought you ought to know. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 79. All Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244. 990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. My guest this morning, the renowned playwright Arch Obler, in uh, the Lights Out series, you did a lot of things. One, one that, well, you always used to forewarn the listeners. I mean, if you're going to be at all frightened or skittish by this, be forewarned. One time I didn't forewarn, and it almost took me off the air. It was my very first broadcast in the Lights Out series. This is a simple story. A young girl, 16 years old, is being buried, and around the open grave stand the family. And I used a technique which could only be used on radio, and that is stream of consciousness. I went to the mind of each one of the people standing over the grave, the mother, the father, the brother, the loved one, the boy who had loved her at school, and I went to their thoughts, and they weren't exactly the thoughts one would expect. Uh, and then I went down to the grave, and the girl was not dead. She was in a state of suspended animation. But she could hear what was happening up there, and she knew she was being buried alive. And she was shrieking in her, in her mind, don't bury me, don't bury me, I'm alive, I'm alive. I forgot one thing, Ray. I forgot the responsibility that we have who are on radio and on television. I forgot that there were thousands of people who had buried their loved ones recently. Mm. And so, in the week or so following, we got 50,000 letters. Oh, my. And I have never forgotten that. One letter in particular, it was written on a just a torn piece of notepaper from a mother, and she said, Arch Obler, I buried my 16-year-old yesterday. Don't forget, never forget, and I haven't. As you see, I still can't talk about it. That's something. You, um, you did some things with uh, some well-known people like Peter Laurie, uh, a little skit here uh, that uh, has uh, to curdle your, your mind. <laughs> the short hair, as we call it. Yes. Uh, if you're a bit squeamish, you'd better leave the room now. Let, let me hear you say the, the way you used to do it. Well, I bring you a lovely little story about a hungry man, Peter Laurie. Oh, how nice of you to come visit me. I, I do not often have visitors here. We, we are so isolated here, you know. Oh, sit down, sit down, please. Do forgive me for, for being impolite. I'm, uh, 
I'm just about to have my evening meal, and I'm very hungry. Oh, you look surprised. <laughs> you do not see anything on the table? Well, wait until I get the box. Here it is. Yes, here it is. Here it is. It, it is in this box that my meal is waiting. It is a... Oh, how, how do you Americans say it? A, a package dinner? <laughs> now, if you will forgive me, I will begin. Uh, there we are. But why do you gasp? It's, it's, it's just the head of a young girl. A pretty young girl. This so? Huh, again you are surprised. But it is, it is my very special saw. I have to work for my meals. Cutting through the bone is not easy. <laughs> Forgive me. I must begin. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You think I am psychotic. I'm not psychotic. I'm just hungry. I like to eat brains. Wow. <laughs> I apologize. I haven't heard that in years. It, it was one of my brain periods. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, you used to work with a lot of stars and do things like that, right? Oh, I, I particularly remember a man named Boris Karloff. Mm -hmm. Now, Boris, you know, had a reputation of being a horror man. He was the easiest, kindest, gentlest human being who ever made a motion picture. I remember after finishing a broadcast with him in Chicago, I was walking down Michigan Avenue, and suddenly I see Boris running by me. Why he didn't take a cab, I don't know. And I ran after him. And I said, Boris, what's the matter? And he said, look behind you. The kids are chasing me. <laughs> I said, but they just want autographs. He could conceive that the simple writing of his name on a piece of paper would have solved the whole thing. <laughs> My guest, the one and only, Arch Obler, along with Marty Halpern, who's... Uh Hand at uh, Engineering is uh, restored some 850 recordings from those old 16-inch discs of Lights Out. We'll be right back. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Oriental rug can truly be a work of art. They can also be valuable. But can you look at your Oriental rugs and really know their current market value? Probably not. That's why you need the knowledge of a reputable Oriental rug dealer, such as Abraham Oriental Rugs Incorporated. Did you know that you could sell or trade your rug for top dollar? Abraham Oriental Rugs would like to buy your Oriental or Persian rug at top market value and pay you immediate cash. You'll probably be surprised at the incredible cash offer they'll make. They'll even come to your home. Abraham has been in business for more than 20 years and also does rug cleaning, repair, and insurance appraisals. Now, just mention yours truly, Ray Bream, when you call and get a free appraisal on your rugs at 1-800-222-RUGS. It's a toll-free 24-hour number. Remember, your Oriental or Persian rugs are worth a lot more than you may think. Call for a free appraisal, 1-800-222-RUGS. 
Let's face it, the statistics are dismal. They say that if you are a married woman, chances are your husband is going to cheat on you. On the next Oprah Winfrey Show, meet the men who admit to having affairs. They step forward to tell us just why they felt the need to fool around and if there's anything a wife can do to stop them. You'll meet a man who says women should accept a man's infidelity because men were born with cheating hearts. Men who fool around on the next Oprah Winfrey Show. Join Oprah Tuesday at 3, only on Channel 7. Tonight at 10 on 7, the St. Regis becomes the scene for a lover's quarrel, passion, and revenge. Christine gets caught in the middle as a wealthy man pursues his cheating wife on a special hotel. Then, at 11 on Eyewitness News, all of Hollywood comes out to see their favorite star, Bruce Willis, producing his own rock and roll special. Channel 7 brings you an exclusive sneak preview of the Bruce Willis special tonight at 11, only on Channel 7. All of life is a series of ups and downs. The ups are easy to handle, but the downs are what build character. This is Barbara Essenston, and beginning Monday, a week-long series on people whose lives have changed by turning negatives into positives. Problems are just a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. You're going to be inspired by these stories, turning negatives into positives. Six daily reports beginning Monday on KABC. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word TALK. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then TALK. I guess Arch Obler and the man who uh, resurrected uh, a lot of the old uh, Lights Out shows, 850 recordings, and doctored them up, took out the pops and clicks, and have put them into 52 half-hour programs that are going to be syndicated now. Uh, Marty Halperin. Uh, Arch, what about, um, you know, I, I guess one of the worst things in the world as a playwright is to uh, have somebody that, uh, you know, plagiarizes your work. D does that happen, plagiarism? Well, you know, television is the huge hamburger grinder. It uses up so much material, and it's a wonder that they have material. So I've never decried the poor writer who reaches back in his memory and uh, thinks of the old things that he heard or he uh -huh. has forgotten. Uh, once in a while, I, I do get excited. For example, I wrote a play about a man who uh, discovered how to send, how to uh, disintegrate human beings and send them across space and uh, uh, he uh, unfortunately makes a mistake and at the other end a fly happens that sounds familiar um, I did nothing about that one then there was one I did a play uh, those many years ago uh, about a woman who turns into a cat and uh, while I, about a few months after it appeared on the air a producer called me in and said, I am about to do a story called Cat People. And, of course, I got it from your idea. And I said, thank you very much. And I thought to myself, the check will be in the mail. It never <laughs> arrived. Uh, so uh, it is a problem. It is a problem. But as Mr. Kipling once said, they can copy all they want, but they can't copy my cerebellum, so... <laughs> Let's go to the phones. Hello, Kurt. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. Yes, first of all, the uh, Drop Dead album that you played the uh, cut from, mm -hmm. 
uh, The Complete is the first album I ever bought. Oh, really? <laughs> I am a blind person. And ah. I have a couple of very quick questions. First of all, I know you've written five books. Have any of those books that you know have been come out in cassette or in Braille? And the second question is, uh, you've heard Bill Cosby's famous chicken heart story. Did he hear the drop-dead version of that recording, or was it done on Art Obler's plays as a longer show? No, it was, he heard it as a child, and when his family left him in the crib and turned that radio on, he heard it on Lights Out, actually. By the way, we're going to play the Chicken Heart next hour. Uh, now, but, um, the, have the copies of that original survived? Because the, the only copy that I know of is on your Drop Dead album in stereo, which is a great, you know. Unfortunately... We haven't been able to find it yet, and Marty's still looking. As to your question about Braille, let me say this. Um, uh, I, too, have been having, in my early years, these are my early years, I'm going back to childhood, uh, eye trouble, and so I'm most sympathetic to people who have uh, uh, retinal problems. Uh, I have given uh, a number of those recordings in over the years to the Braille Institute. I don't know what, what they did with them, but let me say this, uh, and I am not commercial, I am not a businessman. Uh, the Medicom people have put 65 of them on cassette, and any of you want to write to me, and it's very simple, um, Route to Malibu, um, Jerry, what's the zip code? 90265. No, thank you. <laughs> 90265. I'll be happy to tell you how to get them. As okay, simple as that. You're one of the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, the uh, the idea of, of putting these out in albums, is that going to be a big thing? Has it been a big thing for you? Well, uh, the problem has been the sharks. Uh. Um, the uh, pirates. Uh -huh. uh, Mr. Benny, Abbott and Costello, uh, Burns and Allen, as you know, there have been cassettes out, uh -huh. and these people haven't bothered to say, may I? It's like the gal with rape, you know? Uh, uh, I was approached by a gentleman from the FBI um, a couple of years ago who said, Mr. Obler, thanks to your Assistant Jerry Kay, you have renewed your copyrights, which the others didn't do, and so we would like to see you sue some of these people. Uh -huh. So I did, and I won, but they come out from under the woodwork. We're still at it. Really? All right, let's go to Bakersfield and Henry. Hello, Henry. You're on with Arch Obler. Yes, Ray. Uh, I got uh, something I want to ask, um, but first I want to just say one thing, that uh, I remember as a little boy, uh, many years ago, uh, I was born in New York, and uh, I actually remember when they put Radio City up. And uh, my mother and father, at that time, uh, had bought their first radio, and it was a dynamic speaker type thing, a big console and everything. And uh, I remember lots of times, uh, I was supposed to go to bed at a certain time at night, and this uh, lights out came on after I was supposed to be in bed. So uh, after lights, everything were out at home, I sneaked out into, <laughs> into where the radio was, and I, I sat there with my ear glued up against that speaker, and I had that radio on as low as I could possibly make it. 
you know, and just to listen to that uh, lights out. I used to like that. Mm. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, uh, you talk about uh, uh, these uh, uh, old-time radio, the way it was put on, the drama. It left so much to the ima imagination. And I'm wondering why they don't put that back on the air again. I don't mean old time. Well, they did They did that for uh, several years. You mean... Hyman Brown did it uh, on yeah. the CBS series. But, I mean, why doesn't this catch on uh, to get other kinds of things on? I can answer that very quickly. It would cost too much money. You see, in those days, uh, for example, Betty Davis appeared on my shows for $21 <laughs> uh, to get... A comparable star like that now would cost $10,000. There's the answer. It would cost, even with no-name actors, it would cost in the area of $7,500 or $10,000 a piece to put those on. And there just ain't no angels around. And they, they tried this, uh, you know, for <clears throat> three or four years. I don't know how long it ran. The CBS Mystery Theater, directed by Hyman Brown. Uh, I don't know how successful it was, but it's not on the air anymore, so obviously it wasn't successful enough. I think it was on the air about six or seven years. Could have been. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, that leads me to one more thing here. Uh, why don't they put these things on cassette tapes? You know, instead of for radio broadcasting, put them on cassette tapes and then sell them in the supermarkets. You weren't listening. That's <laughs> happening. No, even so. I mean, don't they get their money out of it that way? But you weren't listening. A, a very nice company named Memorex in Minnesota is now... Medicom, Medicom. Memorex is, is the people who break glasses. Uh, 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 Medicom is putting them out in stories, uh, in stores. It's really happening. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to see that happening because I'm tired of breaking into my kitty's piggy banks. All right, Henry. Thank you very much. Uh... The um, the idea of of trying to go back and 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 do these things all over again as the CBS Mystery Theater. The one thing I found about it is that the uh, the writers weren't there. They needed the Arch Oblers. They needed the Arch Oblers to write the scripts. The the writing just wasn't there, and uh, that's the basis of the whole thing. Well, you're very kind. I think the basic fault was, and this is with all due respects to High Brown, whom I know very well, and who's a very energetic man, particularly collecting art, he, uh, he just reached back into the pot and got old plays. You can't do that. No, you can't. I happen to write and about human beings, but if your plays, as they were mostly, were, are about just about monsters... They, the monsters get a little aged. Our <laughs> times change slightly. If I were writing a play now, I would write about, um, I would write about Washington and love <laughs> and peace and how Reagan is having such a good time in, in Santa Barbara this weekend. While uh, the White House burns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my guest, Arch Obler and uh, Marty Halperin, sound engineer. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Let's take a call from Don. Hello, Don. You're on with Arch Obler. Don? Oh, Dave. I'm sorry. Oh, hello there. How you doing, uh, Ray? I'm, I'm fine. First of all, to you, Ray, I want to mention that the uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater was on from January 1974 to February of 1983. Nine years. Nine years, yes. Oh, it was a lot longer than I thought. Yes. Mr. Obler. Yes. 
it's nice to uh, finally get to speak to you. I've, You're looking very well. I'm, I'm actually 25 <laughs> years old, and I myself am blind, and I have been listening to old radio since I was like eight or nine years old. Oh, really? And as a matter of fact, it was Bill Cosby that turned me on to lights out, so to speak. <laughs> and first of all, question number one, how long were you writing the show? Well, I just said a little while ago that I uh, pay no attention to dates. The fact of the matter is, Santa Claus comes to my house generally around Easter time because he gets confused, too. I, uh, I don't remember. It was a number of years. You see, Lights Out led to another series, thanks to the man who was head of RCA at that time, General Sarnoff, who heard a record I made, and I went into a series called Arch Obler's Plays, where the only horror was the world we live in, or lived in at that time. So I, I, I can't tell you how long I wrote, a few years. Was that the series that went over to Mutual? Yes, yes, Mutual, of course. And then I went to, then I went to CBS. But I got weary of writing it because um, there, there, there were... Uh, stipulations, not not censorship, but stipulations and, and ends in my own mind where we go. I wanted to write about the world, just the way Ray likes to talk about the world. All right, Dave, thank you very much for the call. My guests, Marty Halperin, sound engineer, and Arch Obler, playwright. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Seventy-nine KABC, Los Angeles. Let me share a secret with you. The greatest pleasure of living well is sleeping well. Deep, sound, peaceful sleep is Northern Feather's main concern and has been for 85 years. Almost every question about total sleep comfort begins and ends in the same place. What you sleep on, that's why what you put between yourself and your mattress is so important. Introducing the Little Mermaid Cloud Liner, the first and finest all-season reversible wool comfort pad. The Cloud Liner molds perfectly to your body, placing a gentle cushion between you and your mattress. Northern Feather also has wonderful news for your head. All-natural Little Mermaid pillows filled with nature's softest down and feathers, guaranteed to cradle your head in comfort for a lifetime. The Little Mermaid is available at Robinson's. Talk Radio AM 79, KABC, Los Angeles. From ABC News, I'm Dorothy McIntyre. Congress has moved up hearings on the Iran arms deals. ABC's Vic Ratner tells us from Washington the hearings will get underway within a matter of days. At first, it seemed that congressional inquiries would wait until the new Congress convenes in January, but not anymore. The House Foreign Affairs Committee is planning public hearings in less than two weeks, with Secretary of State Schultz as the lead-off witness. And the Senate Intelligence Committee will question key administration officials behind closed doors next week. Senator Patrick Leahy is vice chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He says his panel will issue subpoenas to several people. Three likely targets of the investigations are Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, who is said to have overseen the arms deal, 
former National Security Advisor John Poindexter and his predecessor Robert McFarlane. The panel is seeking a wide range of documents, including papers related to a secret order signed by President Reagan in January detailing the arms deal and ordering the head of the CIA to keep the information from Congress. I'll have more after this. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among young people. Not my Billy. We give him everything. Two-thirds of our teenagers use an illegal drug by the time they finish high school. Drugs? <laughs> you don't know my Jennifer. Experts predict that by 1990, 50% of families will be headed by a single parent. Not our family. Three in ten teenage girls become pregnant at least once. She's not that kind of girl. One out of five high school students has a drinking problem. If you think these things only happen to someone else's kids, your kids yourself. Even though you try to give them everything, statistics show that may not be enough. Your children need the values and sense of self-religion offers. Studies show that children who are involved with their church or synagogue are more likely to beat these odds. Your church or synagogue can help because you haven't given them everything until you give them something to believe in. Over a million children run away from home each year. Brought to you by Religion in American Life and the Ad Council. Reports that profits from arms sales to Iran were diverted to the Contra rebels have come as a surprise to Eugene Hassenfuss, the American being held in a Nicaraguan prison for supplying the rebels with weapons, as ABC's John Martin reports from Managua. Gene Hassenfuss says he still doesn't know who hired William Cooper to run the Contra supply operations in Nicaragua, that Cooper kept him and the men he worked with in the dark over finances and the names of Cooper's superiors. Even so, reports of $10 million to $30 million in proceeds from Iranian weapons sales surprised Hassenfuss because, he said, Cooper nearly closed the operation twice for lack of funds. John Martin, ABC News, Managua, Nicaragua. Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev has criticized the U.S. decision to violate the unratified SALT II treaty, calling it a major mistake that will frustrate arms control efforts. Gorbachev has returned to Moscow, wrapping up his four-day visit to India, he says the Reagan administration is demonstrating contempt for the agreement, which was negotiated in 1979. And the U.S. has deployed its 131st B-52 bomber, which carries cruise missiles, pushing it well over the warhead limits of the treaty. The holiday shopping season has begun. ABC's Jane Platt says Christmas shopping in Beverly Hills is a bit different from other parts of the country. Well, the weather is not very holiday-like. The shopping frenzy is. People in this exclusive shopping area can buy leather evening gowns for $10,000 in the very same store where Joan Collins and Elton John shop. Among the smaller, trendy items selling well here, a pool table that folds into a briefcase and a duck telephone that quacks until you answer it. Platt says the economy doesn't appear to be too depressed when you talk to shoppers on Rodeo Drive. You can find bracelets reduced to $2,800. One man says he might give his mother $2,000 in cash for her IRA instead of the bracelet. Actress Ava Gardner has left a Santa Monica hospital following a six-week bout with pneumonia. A hospital spokesman says Ms. Gardner has been in good condition for the past few weeks and is making good progress. Cheaper coffee prices are on the way. Analysts say there is a glut and a good growing season in Brazil this year. It should help push the prices down by 25 cents a pound by the end of the year. This is ABC News. Two children sleeping inside a car in San Diego when it was stolen Thanksgiving evening have returned, have turned up unharmed at a nearby shopping center. Police say the youngsters were identified after a security guard saw them hanging around for several hours and questioned them. The car was also found. No sign of the driver, though. 
David Escoval had pleaded for his children's return. He said they were taken along with the car when he stopped at a gas station to buy soft drinks. The children are four and five years old. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Dorothy McIntyre. Hello, this is Rayford Johnson. I'd like to tell you about some ambitious, hard-working students who happen to be blind. They're refusing to let their handicap stop them. They're attending college, earning high grades, and preparing themselves for careers with the help of an organization called Recording for the Blind. This unique volunteer organization provides tape-recorded textbooks free of charge to blind and physically handicapped students. Volunteer readers who can give two hours per week, days or evening, are urgently needed to assist with this important service. If you have knowledge of chemistry, geology, engineering, linguistics, medicine, mathematics, or any other college-level technical subject, please call Recording for the Blind Incorporated. You can reach the Los Angeles unit at 213-664-5525 or the Pomona unit at 714-624-4156. Please share your eyesight with a grateful student. Thank you very much. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. This is Talk Radio, I'm Ray Brame. My guests are Joe Blur, the renowned playwright, and Marty Halpern, sound engineer. And thanks to uh, Marty's uh, great engineering work, some 805 or 850 recordings on 16-inch discs have been transferred to tape to provide 52 half hours of the old Lights Out series, starring, uh, of course, the, the great writing of Arch Obler. Uh, when you were doing Lights Out, uh, did you do more than just uh, write the program? Did you do any of the directing or anything like that? Well, I quickly discovered that the only way I could be happy as a writer, and incidentally, most writers find that out when they write motion pictures, is to direct them. And the only way I could be happy as a director was to produce them. We had to protect ourselves, you know. <laughs> so I directed them, and it was, it was lots of fun. But it was a great strain because it was live radio. And at the start, we had no way of protecting ourselves. So all kinds of funny things happened. I recall once, and this was outside of Lights Out, I did a broadcast in honor of President Roosevelt's birthday. Uh -huh. This was Franklin D., not Theodore. Uh, although I rode with Theodore up the mountain in Cuba. Um, and at the start of the program, I had um, five-year-old Tommy Cook... Uh, announcing it and talking to the president. And then I had uh, a gal named uh, Scott, Hazel Scott, the pianist, uh, and she had some opening lines. Well, as you know, Ray, and as Marty knows, one of the things we quickly learn is to find out whether our apparatus is working. Uh -huh. But this was an all-star program. I had a gal named uh, Judy Garland was singing and uh, uh, the comedian was a fellow with a with a, with a wooden dummy, forgotten his name. He has a very pretty daughter. Uh, and so in the rush of things, I didn't check the microphones with the engineer. And lo and behold, I point the finger, you know, when the uh -huh. time comes to go on the air for the president. And the little boy says, uh, Dear Mr. President, it's your birthday. And the microphone was dead. Uh, 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 dead as a doornail. And then I point quickly at the, the gal 
and her microphone is dead. So you missed the entire beginning, and unless you had a Ouija board, you didn't know what it was about. Those things did happen. Uh, wh what were some of the other things that happened in live radio in those days that you remember? Oh, I suppose the one that curdles my short hairs was that <laughs> I had a broadcast with a very talented actress named, I think it was Greer Garson. Uh -huh. And the leading man was one of the outstanding uh, radio leading men named Lou Merrill. And Marty Halpern uh, uh, knows him well because we both enjoy hearing Lou Merrill. He was about a 250, 300-pounder, and he had his bad days, I mean spiritually, so uh -huh. to speak. And all through the rehearsal, he was saying terrible things about my my ancestry, my work, my appearance, my grandfather. Uh, he was having a wonderful time in front of the microphone, and my microphone was open, and I got angrier and angrier. And when I was very young, I used to fight in the ring. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, my temper exploded. I tore out of the the, the, the room, the, the where we were mixing the thing, opened the door in the studio, tore up to Mr. Merrill, hit him in the jaw, turned around and went back up. And as I got back behind the glass, I saw that the time had come to go on the air. And I pointed my finger at Mr. Merrill, who was standing there since he was 300 pounds and I was all of 125. And he was shaking like a redwood that has been blown at by a small breeze. And I pointed at him and he opened his mouth and he started the most beautiful performance you ever saw in your life. <laughs> that I remember. <laughs> the, um, the idea of starting a program with It is later than you think. Uh, how did that come about? I'd like to modify it for today. I would make it It is not time for you to take a drink, you know. Uh, no, that came about because uh, uh, I honestly believe that uh, most people live yesterday uh -huh. or the day after tomorrow. And uh, once you get past the age of 29, one should remember that life is a series of seconds and we live in that second I don't want to sound as if I'm stroking a gray beard because my beard is red. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to talk with Arch Obler, here's how. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then talk. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, uh, I want to play the chicken heart. So if you've never heard this before, please stand by. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. You know, so many times, retirement homes just don't provide the right lifestyle. Well, California retirement villas provide real resort living, month-to-month -month rentals with no obligations, no entrance fees. California retirement villas provide independence, warm friendships, dignity, security, and just plain fun. It's a retirement villa that caters. 
You've got home-cooked meals, dispensing medications, 24-hour security, complete household cleaning, chauffeured transportation, and so much more, all in one low monthly rental fee. Just two miles from the ocean, where almost everything is within walking distance. Visit any one of their locations in Orange County in San Diego. California Retirement Villas invite you to spend a one-month vacation at Villa del Obispo in San Juan Capistrano, and they'll pay for the last two weeks of your stay. Call them now. Their number, 800-624-0236. That's 800-624-0236. Well, what do you think? Oh, it's a beautiful dress, but I'm not sure it's you. I think the other one was more your style. But this is so lovely, especially the unusual neckline. Yes, and I thought it would be perfect for the benefit next week. Why don't you buy them both? Rancho Park Retirement Community in San Dimas, where luxury doesn't compromise your financial security. Rancho Park requires no large monetary commitment. A retirement counselor will show you how our convenient monthly payments can get you more than a beautiful apartment. There's 24-hour security, a private restaurant, transportation, and more. I don't know. Both dresses? Well, there's a benefit, and then there's Mary's affair. Maybe you're right. And you know you have to look better than Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Discover what Rancho Park can mean to you. For lunch at our private restaurant and a complete tour, call 818-339-5426. That's 339-5426. Fully satisfied by a Thanksgiving break. Looking forward to getting back on Monday after a week's vacation. Hello there, I'm Michael Jackson. Already the guest list is filling up with fascinating topics to inform and entertain. Do you have a gambling problem? Two will get you five. There's help out there and we'll tell you about it. We'll visit with attorney Melvin Belli. Speak about our youth in a series of conversations that include gang violence, teen prostitution, and drug intervention. I'm Michael Jackson. Spend some time with us during the upcoming week from 9 to 1 on Talk Radio KABC. Angelus, the number is 520, followed by Talk, T-A-L-K. All Talk Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word Talk. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay Area, 679, and the San Fernando Valley, dial 990, and then talk. My guest this morning, the renowned playwright Arch Obler and uh, sound engineer Marty Halpern. Uh, Arch, we have the chicken heart all lined up here. And for those who are faint of heart, they'd better tune out right now. Uh, This goes back to the mid-40s, I would think. And uh, why don't you introduce it here? Well, chicken heart happened because a fellow named... Charles Lindbergh, the same man who beat me to Paris, uh, had gone to work with uh, Dr. Carell in New York to work on the first artificial heart. Uh, Many people think the artificial heart just happened now. There's a long history before it, of course. And uh, theoretically, uh, if you take a bit of protoplasm, the chicken's heart, uh, and give it the proper nutrients, it would continue to grow and it would grow on a mathematical progression. In other words, 2, 4, 8, 16, and so on. So pretty soon it would be tremendous. And that gave me an idea, and that's why I wrote Chicken Art. Okay, give us the introduction. All I can say to you is, here is the chicken heart, not the liver, the heart. Operator, give me Mr. Regan, fast. Hello, Mr. Regan, this is Lewis. Listen, get me a rewrite, man. The thing's still growing. 
No, Chief, I tell you the truth. The corridor's choked with living, crawling flesh. No, 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 I'm not drunk. I'm telling you the truth. That little piece of flesh has grown until now. It's jamming that building all inside the space of an hour. You've got to believe me. It's the greatest news story of the generation, and here you argue with me. I tell you, it's the truth. You've got to believe you me. You believe me. I tell you, the only hope is to burn the building to the ground at once. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Wait a minute. Take it easy. I tell you, burn it to the ground. Burn. And I tell you, take it easy. I sent in a call. Oh, no, don't you understand? For some reason, I cannot even imagine. This tissue is doubling in size every hour. Do you know what that means? In another hour, it will be twice the size it is now. And long before that, it will break open the building with the force of its pressure. And then it will be free in the street. Do you hear me? Free in the street. And then those, those tentacles of protoplasm stretching out to feed on anything they can reach. What happened? The building. See the walls. Cracking. I warned you. I warned you. realizes more than I do the necessity of immediate action in curbing this unspeakable, unbelievable emergency. Right, and I assure you... I cut I... the speeches, Mac. That blasted thing is spreading like a forest That's fire. Right. Call the governor. Get the National Guard out. No, wait, 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 please, wait. Here is Dr. Alberts of the Research Institute. Let him speak. Step up here, doctor. Got to do something. Let's see what he says. Gentlemen, it was in my institute this horror began. And if you give me a chance, perhaps I can stop it. What is it, Doctor? Tell us first what yeah, that monster really is. Yes. Yes, I will tell you. That great, ever-growing mass of flesh, it is, or it was, a chicken heart. Chicken oh, heart? Chicken Are you crazy, man? Chicken heart? Crazy! Yes, yes, chicken heart, I tell you. Chicken heart! Listen to me, you fools! Listen, listen! up there knows what he's talking about! I tell you, that mass of flesh was a chicken heart, the tissue of which, for some reason, is undergoing constant, rapid, accelerating growth. With every passing hour, its growth is doubling. Do you know what that means? If it is now one block in size, within 30 hours, that cannibal flesh will have increased in size to one square block to the 30th power. In 30 hours, every inch of this whole city will be crushed under that moving flesh. Within 60 hours, it will have covered the entire state. Within two weeks, the entire United States. You ask for the National Guard. I say, call out the entire army. Blast this thing off the earth. Ready, Chief? Cumbers are ready, all hoses coupled up. We'll flood that thing with water from all angles. All right, here's the signal. Open them up! Full blast! Chief, look out! That flash! It's Burn. reaching out! Burn. Get back, everybody! Everybody, back! The fools, what good is water? I told them. The only hope is artillery. Bombs. 
National Guardsmen, report to your armories. All National Guardsmen, report to your armories. General mobilization. Battery in position, sir. Commence firing on the hour. Yes, sir. Ten. Five. It has grown too large, and it grows too quickly. The flesh is already engulfing the guns. They came too late. You all right now, Dr. Alberts? Yes. Yes, I'm all right, Mr. Lewis. I'm all right. Well, I sure am glad I located you. I stalled as long as I could, another ten minutes, and we couldn't have taken off. That blasted protoplasm, or whatever it is, was sucking at the wheels by the time we left the ground. Yes, as I saw. 5,000 feet. Well, we'll cruise around up here for a few minutes and then head west. It will do no good. You can't mean it. It, it must stop growing sometime. It must. Look at it down there. A gray blanket of evil covering everything. See how the roads are black with men and women and their children running for their lives. See how the protoplasmic gray reaches out and engulfs them. See Stop it! Stop talking like that. We'll get away. The government, they'll send bombing planes, poison gas. No hope. Listen to me, Lewis. You remember only a handful of days ago, you asked me my prophecy of the end of the earth? You remember my answer? Oh, such a scholarly prophecy. Cessation of earth rotation. Mighty-sounding astronomical theories. But now, this is reality, Lewis. The end has come for humanity. Not in the red of atomic fusion. Not in the glory of interstellar combustion. Not in the peace of white, cold silence. But with that, that creeping, grasping flesh below us. It is a joke, hey, Lewis? A great joke. The joke of the cosmos. The end of mankind. Why? Because of a chicken's heart. No! No, we won't die. I can't die. I'll find a safe landing somewhere. I'll find a place. The motor, it's cut out. We're in a spin. I can't get out of it. I told you, doomed. No, no. All mankind, doomed. No. We're falling right into it, into the heart. I heard it. My heart is pounding right now. <laughs> the uh, chicken heart, that's your own version of the War of the Worlds, isn't it? One must keep this in perspective. That was written years before the Japanese discovered the horror movie, The Cockroach, sure. the giant one that Godzilla. slaughtered Santa Monica, you know. <laughs> that was a long time before that. Did I wouldn't repeat it again. <laughs> right now, I would have... Uh, uh, the only thing that I would have different, instead of a chicken heart, I would have a uh, shipment of uh, anti-aircraft guns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it takes place in Iran, right? <laughs> Great idea. We'll write it as soon as we're off the air. <laughs> My guest, the one and only Arch Obler. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Uh, Arch, did you ever work uh, close with any of the players from the Mercury Theater, such as Orson Welles? Oh, I met Orson. Uh, if you'd like to have, and I think you do, 
uh, my evaluation of him, I think he was a very, very talented actor, one of the greatest. Um, he could have been the greatest. He could have been the Laurence Olivier of America. Why wasn't he? Because he wanted to be the Renaissance man. He wanted to do too many things. And uh, it's impossible. It's simply impossible. I know that uh, in the War of the Worlds, uh, uh, Orson gets all the credit, but one must remember that there was a very talented writer by the name of Howard Koch who wrote that. And before him, there was a man named H.G. Wells. That's right. Orson, again, was a great actor, and uh, let him be remembered as that. All right, uh, let's take a call from Don. Good morning, Don. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. This is Bob uh, Ray. Oh, it's Bob. All right. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Uh, I'd like to uh, say hello to uh, Mr. Obler and to Mr. Halpern. Uh, I remember listening to those programs with my parents years ago, like the other caller said, and uh, one episode in particular that I uh, uh, remember explicitly, the graphics in it, was about the time two ambulance drivers were called to a house on a hill, and they went inside, and there was a a gas cloud or something that turned them inside out and the graphics and and there were oh it was it was just something else uh <laughs> he had a, a fantastic touch we were talking about that before we went on the air what was the name of that one it was called uh, the dark uh we had lots of fun in the studio turning people inside out until we got the right person now listen we have a copy uh, of the dark and we're going to play that in the next half hour, okay? Oh, great. And, and also, I'd like to say hello to Marty Halpern. Uh, he did a job for me one time. He uh, got me up a reel of uh, Albert White's uh, Masters of Melody. and. Uh, oh, yes, I remember that now. I think he was working for North American at that time. Well, I still work for the company. It's called Rockwell now. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, I remember. <laughs> well, uh, uh, 73, uh, uh, Ray. All right, 73 is to you, Bob. Uh, that's a little esoteric comment uh, for, for the ham fraternity. I guess we're, we're all hams in one way or another. 73 is still 10, isn't it? And that's what that girl is, isn't she? <laughs> My guests, Arch Obler and Marty Halperin. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. All Talk Radio 79 numbers end in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520, and then talk. All right, let's go to Salt Lake City. We have Chuck on the line. Go ahead, Chuck. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. Good morning. I think Chicken Heart would have been great in 3D. <laughs> I want to ask Mr. Obler's participation in that process, and if the film Bologna Devil was made with the 3D process in mind, or if it was a film sitting on the shelf that was uh, enhanced by the 3D process. No, I'm a disappointed uh, uh, engineer at heart. The only time I ever used the engineering thing was when I invented the wheel. But uh, uh, I went looking for a 3D process because I felt, and I still do feel, that uh, motion pictures are flat. And in life, if we have two good eyes, we have three 
D, we have depth and vision. So I went looking for the process, and I made it in three dimension. And incidentally, if you've heard all the publicity about that uh, Disney process, you know, the one that Michael Jackson's in, that is the very same process. In fact, I have a reel of film sitting under a table at my office that has all the objects flying off the screen. They go all around the, around the room. Was it made purely as a gimmick for, at that time, or did you you evidently had firm hopes that it would catch on and be for a permanent fixture? No, I believed in it in it very very sincerely. I had met the the top 3D expert of the armed forces, a man named Colonel Bernier, the inventor, and uh, I could read blueprints. And I felt then, and I feel now that eventually we'll have 3D, but it will not be with glasses. It'll be the holographic system. That's around the corner, and if you just eat your proper Wheaties and you live that long, you're going to sit in your living room and down from the center of the ceiling, just the way lights sometimes beam to light up a picture, will come the holographic image and it'll come to the center of the floor and you can walk all around the Joan Collins of that time and you can turn a little knob like you do at the present time for your TV and you can make her 10 foot high or as small as you want. It'll be absolutely great and it will happen. Okay, I guess that's all I wanted to know about the 3D process. It's fascinating for years, and I've often wondered why it wasn't developed. It just lasted a brief amount of time back in the 50s. And just... That's right. What was it, 1953, wasn't it? Again, when was the Revolutionary War? <laughs> the um, uh, spears, if I recall, look, they're going to come right at you, right, land in your lap. Well, the, the uh, inventor who had the process at the time... Uh, a uh, very wonderful camera uh, technician refused to let me use the process as I could have used it. So the spear and the few times that I did. Mm -hmm. But I did a picture called uh, The Bubble after that. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, The Fantastic Invasion of Mother Earth or something. The businessman changed the title. And there the things come all off the screen. Uh, but again, holograms will be the future and it's going to be absolutely great. Right to Fresno, Californian Brad. Good morning, Brad. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. Good morning, Ray. And Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Obler. Good morning. It's a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, it's a pleasure to hear uh, the Lights Out programs. I haven't heard them in, in a long, long time. Uh, uh, I, wanted, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, I knew that some of the programs were available on record. Are they still available on record? Yes, this, uh, uh, they're available on cassettes. And I'm going to repeat, if I might, and I haven't done this before, but uh, just as Ray does, I live in the Malibu area, and if you want to know where you can get them, uh, write to me at uh, Route 2 90265. You got it. Because our mailman is getting lazy, and he, he just brings me old copies of Penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, I tuned in late to the show, and uh, one of my favorite stories uh, that uh, you did on Lights Out was the dentist or the dentist share. <laughs> yes, that's in, that's in uh, uh, Drop Dead. We, we have that, by the way, and we're going to do that one, too. Uh, How's that? Oh, marvelous. So keep <laughs> listening. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, take care, Brad. Bye-bye. Uh, right. <laughs> Apparently, we're striking uh, it, it, it well uh, tonight because everything that anybody's brought up, we've we've got <laughs> ready to do. Um, I hope they don't ask me for to autograph their money because I have an aversion to that unless I can keep it. <laughs> My guests, Arch Obler and Marty Halpern.
I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Hello, Mary. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. Hey, I wanted to ask Mr. Obler. Many years ago, when I was quite young, I saw a picture about the last five people on Earth. And I believe he wrote it. That's the truth. And that picture stayed with me. It's as vivid today as it was when I first saw it. Well, you're... What year was that? You're a beautiful woman. You're brilliant. You have a great memory. <laughs> uh, again, uh, uh, I have no memory for dates other than to say that what happened... What, when was that, Jerry? 1949, my dear assistant tells me, in 1949, I used our guest, I couldn't afford to build sets, of course, and I used our little studio house as the set, and I, it had a waterfall, as you recall, underneath it, and uh, it was lots of fun making it. The only thing that went wrong was I, I couldn't have an entire crew, so six of us made it, and Hollywood unions found out about it, and they sent out a a representative in the longest limousine you've ever seen in your life to tell me that I was a naughty boy and they were going to let me get away with this one, but the next picture I made, oh boy, I'd have to have 463,962 people. <laughs> has that ever been on television? Yes, it has. Um, I suppose now it will be more often. They're going to, I imagine they're going to colorize it. Uh, uh, as they're doing with pictures. I'd hate to see that happen with that one because I actually made it for the black and white. Just for the listeners who, who don't know what it's about, uh, that picture was about uh, the last five people on Earth after atomic fallout, and that was at a time when atomic fallout wasn't worried about, as you know, dear listener. Uh, but I worried about it because... Well, it formed my, my opinions throughout my mm. life, that picture. Well, fission and fusion. I'll see it won't happen in your lifetime. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for going. Thank you, Mary. So, um, in the uh, one Broadway play that you wrote, uh, you were a little ahead of your time on that one. Well, just a little. I wrote a play about the uh, uh, rocket returning from the first visit to the moon. And uh, they... The, the Night of the Auk. Night of the Auk. And they're approaching, full of happiness that they've been successful, the space station, which naturally hadn't happened either to us or the Russians yet. And just as they're approaching the space station, uh, atomic warfare breaks out on Earth. And for reasons that I will not go into, but it can happen, uh, all of the nitrogen in the air is burned up and the Earth is destroyed from the standpoint of human beings and there's no place for this crew to land this was the play and the critics ray at the time said science fiction most of them said that and a year and a day after that the russians sent the sputnik up and made it reality <laughs> and not too many uh, moons after that we were on the moon my guests, Arch Obler, along with sound engineer Marty Halperin. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio 79. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990 the San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, 
Dial 639, and then talk. My guest, Arch Obler, renowned playwright and, of course, originator of the great Lights Out radio show, and sound engineer, Marty Halpern. Marty uh, has been restoring, I guess that's the word, some 850 recordings from the old 16-inch discs in the Obler mother load that was discovered uh, in the bowels of his house to um, some 52 half hours that will be um, syndicated by uh, a company called Medicom Incorporated and will be appearing apparently on uh, something like 160 radio stations. Uh, we had a caller who mentioned the dark and this is where the skin is inside. It, it's, it, what, what is, give me the genesis of this. What is this? All I can say about the dark is that after I wrote it, I didn't want to listen to it, and I dare you to listen to it. This comes from the man who wrote it. Hey, where are you turning? The alarm's at Pine Street, isn't it? Oh, dark? yes, yes, of course. So why the siren? The only traffic out here is on horseback. Yeah. <laughs> You can say that again, Doc. It's from nothing to nowhere. Okay, let's go. Yeah, right with you, Doc. Right with you. Said somebody was hurt? That's what the switchboard said. Gee, what a dump. Huh. Don't seem to be a bell. Oh, there must be. There's a light in there. Try the door. Hmm. Yeah, it's open. Well, let's go. All right. Hello in there. Hello. This is another false alarm. Anybody here? I'm a doctor. <laughs> hey, look. In the corner. <laughs> this I gotta see. <laughs> Lady, I'm a doctor from General Hospital. Now, what's the matter? <laughs> She is screwy, all right, ain't she? Frightened. <laughs> Come on, Doc. If you want, I should get her out of here. Or the straitjacket. Shall I get the straitjacket? <laughs> no, Doc, wait. Where are you going? Can't get it open. Huh? What's the matter? What do you want to go in there for? Can't get this open. Okay, Whoever okay. is hurt must be in there. Blasted door. Come on, we'll break it down. But the woman, forget the woman. Come on, put your shoulder to it. Come on. Yeah, yeah, all right. It's dark. Yeah. Can't see a thing. Go on back in the other room and get that kerosene lamp. Well, I get it, I say. Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Here, Doc. The lamp. Okay. Hold it high. Yeah. <gasps> Mother in heaven. What? On the floor. What is it? It's a, a man. Oh, no. It can't be. Yes, I tell you, yes, it's a man. A man. And he's been turned inside out. <laughs> inside out? Yes, see for yourself. It's a man. But the skin is the inside. 
the raw flesh is the outside. Organs hanging. <laughs> yeah. It's a miracle. A man turned inside out. Like you turn a glove inside. <laughs> it's alive. It's alive. I see it, I see it. Alive? Yes. It's trying to get up. No, no. Trying to get up, I tell you. Trying to move. Sam, hold that light high. I can't watch. Look at it, rolling over. Stop trying, it, trying to get up. Stop that. Look, trying to get up on its knees. Doc, make it stop. Kill it. Do something. Sam, Man stop. can't live inside Sam, out stop. like that, I, I tell, tell you. you. Stop. Hysterical old woman, it's what you are. Now you stand there and shut up. Listen to him. Listen to him. Oh, let's get out of here, Doc, please. Don't be a fool. We've got to find out, Sam. What? What? Look, there's another door. Yeah. Open. The answer might be in there. Doc, don't. We the gotta... lantern. Bring it. Gee, Doc, why can't we just go? Hold it high. Doc, what? Don't move. There's, there's no floor in there. I, I don't see nothing. Nothing but dark. Well, look. A dark sort of spills over on the edges. Huh? Well, look, I tell you. It's a deeper dark than dark. Something moving in there. Doc? Close the door. No. No, wait. Then I'll close it. Oh, you fool. Open that door. I've got to see what... <laughs> She's coming in here. Come on, Doc. Let's get out of here. No, Sam. I'm going to find out what this is all about. All my life, things have been what they've been. I'm going to know all about this. <laughs> please, Doc, please. Let's get out of here. Woman, if you know anything, tell me. What was it we saw back of that door where the floor should have been? Do you know? She... She's going to the door. She's going to open it. Yes. Doc, will you listen to me? Let's get out of here. No, now wait. She's just standing there, looking in at the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, what's that coming up out of the hole in the floor? The dark. It's like, like black smoke. Listen to it. It's reaching up to her. Yes. What is it? Smoke? Black? What? Crawling up around her. <laughs> it's covering her. No. Inside out. It, it turned her inside out. Inside. Uh. Sam. Sam, get up. Sam, open your eyes. The shadows are crawling along the floor toward us. Come on, Sam. Come on. You're, Sam, you're... Oh, you're too heavy. I can't lift you. Sam, you've got to hear me. The shadows, they're crawling toward me along the floor. I can't leave you here. You saw what they did to her. Look at her. Inside out. A woman inside out. Oh, Sam. I'll drag you out of here. Oh, you're so heavy. They're coming faster and faster. Like long black fingers. Ah, my legs. What? 
Go on, Pete. Sam, I can't help you. They're holding me back. The black. It's covering you. Sam! Uh, no, no, you, you thing, whatever you are, get off me. Stop covering me. I've got to get out of here. I've got to tell them all about you. I've got to tell everyone there's something like you loose in the world. Got to warn everybody. Get off me. Cold, slimy. How can shadows be slimy? So cold. Covering me over. My head. Ah. My face. Look up. My face. My mouth. Look up. Look up. Well, that's called the dark, and uh, that puts the goose pimples on, on my back. Uh, uh, how, you know, you used judicious sound effects only when you needed them, but uh, how did you get that sound? Well, there was a certain actor I'd been like, <laughs> and so we worked on it. I, I don't want to spoil the, the illusion, uh, but you can... In the, in the wondrous thing of the theater of the uh -huh. mind. It's a cliche now, but it's still true. One could simulate uh, any effect and s indicate what it is, and in your mind you'd see it. We had a terrible time getting that sound effect. I know I did a broadcast with Jimmy Cagney once called Johnny Got His Gun, that wonderful novel of uh -huh. Dalton Trumbo's. And this, as you remember, was a story of a forgotten veteran in a VA hospital no legs, no arms, blind, deaf. And I could get in his mind with Trumbull's words, but I couldn't indicate how he knew that people were coming toward him, the nurses, his loved ones. Uh, he couldn't hear what they were saying, but he felt vibrations. And in that once, we worked and we worked and we worked. And you know, it turned out to be a very simple thing to indicate how he felt the vibrations. We used a bed spring. <laughs> so what did you do for the, the skin turning inside out? Oh, Ray, you are a persistent man. I found, we found, uh, and the sound effects men of that time, and there's some still around, Ray, uh, Marty, what's his name? Ray, Ray Erlenborn. Ray Erlenborn, and a fellow named uh, Sachs, and uh, a few others. Um, worked hard at it. We found a very large rubber glove and we wet it with our perspiration and we turned it slowly inside out. But the part I loved about that whole sound effect was that at the very end, if you listen carefully, the final drip. The <laughs> final drip. Oh, yes. We'll be right back with Arch Obler and sound man Marty Halperin. I'm Ray Brain. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. I, Reuben Furs in Beverly Hills is proud of their outstanding reputation, and they should be. You see, they've been in business in Beverly Hills since 1922, and they've never sacrificed on quality. 
They want their customers to know, as they have for 65 years, three generations, that when you buy an iRuben fur, you're buying the finest furs made. Furs such as sable, lynx, mink, fox, fitch, and marten. Those of you who wear extra large sizes and have had trouble finding the right fit will be especially pleased, too, because iRuben Furs has a full selection for you. They also specialize in men's furs. iRuben invites you to their pre-holiday sale with reductions up to 40% between now and Christmas. iRuben Furs open Monday through Saturday from 10 till 5 at 155 South Beverly Drive, Beverly Hills. Make sure you ask for Mr. Rubin. That's important. Call 271-5788. 271-5788. Remember, pre-holiday reductions up to 40% going on now. First you take your pictures. Then you take what you took to Thrifty and take your pick. Single picks, XL35s, or twin picks? Twin picks. Thrifty twin picks, Ma. You get two sets of prints for the one low price. Ja wiem, ja wiem. Że oni używają tylko Kodak papier. Right. They use Kodak paper and chemicals because Thrifty's a member of Kodak's color watch system. Jest dobrze mieć osobne fotografie o twin picks. It is nice. Because with your own set of pictures, you can watch the kids grow, too. Twin picks. Or you can have single picks. Which means quality three and a half inch standard size prints. Or developed exclusively for 35 millimeter film. XL 35s. 35 millimeter prints, twice the standard size. That's five by seven. So, while regular 35 millimeter prints look like this, 35 millimeter. Thrifty's five by seven XL 35s look like this. Sell 35s, twin picks, or single picks. You take your picks at Thrifty. What was the worst or the best car you've ever owned? Hi, this is auto expert Leon Kaplan, and I want to hear from you about the worst and the best cars that you've ever owned. Maybe the best car was your first car, and the worst car may be the one parked in your driveway right now. Is it really true that they just don't build them like they used to? We'll find out this Sunday on the Motorized World of Leon Kaplan, 8 to 10 a.m., right here on KABC. From Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, talk. My guests, the renowned playwright Arch Obler and sound engineer Marty Halpern. And now let's take a call from Stewart. Good morning, Stewart. You're on with Arch Obler. Oh, good morning, uh, Ray. This is one of the best programs of the year, in my opinion. Good. And, uh, you know, it beats um, Irangate all hollow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> all I've been hearing is the other, you know. I thought it was Contragate, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'd like to ask a question of uh, Mr. Obler. Um, some years ago, I wrote a little, a little stories called The Psychic Reporter. They were true stories uh, for radio, and they went on the air in a small station, uh, just experimentally. I did about uh, eight or ten. I had introductory music by Alan Hovannis, who was a friend of mine, and uh, people liked it. And, uh, and then I uh, let it alone, neglected it, and uh, recently I've come up with it again, um, at least preparing it, but with a different voice, not my voice, but someone who has um, a friend of mine who is very effective and has a very mysterious kind of voice. You know, the kind that could do that introduction uh, on uh, Mr. Obler's program. And um, I'm wondering uh, if Mr. Obler knows, uh, they, they are very short, you know, about uh, two minutes to five minutes at most. 
uh, where I could find, say, a good agent for the purpose or how to present it, because I have no idea whatsoever. Well, I get that question asked of me by, forgive me, by other people, because we we're all like to have our uh, trades uh, martyred or martyred trades or what have you. Uh, my answer is this. I am the most non-commercial of human beings. Most of my stuff didn't have commercials on it. It was purely uh, sustaining. Uh, I'm not boasting of that, but the sort of thing I wrote meant that uh, it was special of its sort. Uh, I have been out of the world of business, of the show business, for a very long time. I can simply say this, that uh, it seems to me that uh, the world is still open for good material, and yours sounds like it. Why don't you write to the story editor of the network and tell them what you've got? They'll answer you because they need stuff, and good luck with it. Thank you, Stuart. Of the uh, people that uh, you worked with, uh, the the radio stars, uh, who were some of your favorites and why? Amazingly enough, Ray, uh, it didn't matter what their names were. They had to have a special kind of a radio intelligence. And some of the finest of stars were simply no good on, on radio. I once asked... Judy Garland to go home. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I told Walter Pigeon to go home. You told Walter Pigeon to go Not home? Not because I was uh, exercising my authority, but as I said to him, I said, in the short time you'll be on the air, more people will hear you than will see you in all the motion pictures you've made. And you simply are for the theater, you're for motion pictures. Mm -hmm. Please go home. He was very angry, but Afterwards, he wrote me a very charming letter and enclosed a, a, a Ferrari, which I never got. Uh, <laughs> actors and actresses that I work with. Well, among the big names, I think the outstanding worms were Betty Davis. She, she was tremendous on radio. Olivia de Havilland. Ingrid Bergman was great. Uh, among, But let me move away from the big names. Uh, radio actors and actresses. I think the finest radio actor I worked with was a man named Elliot Lewis. Uh, he uh, didn't like to act. He felt that somehow, for some reason, that uh, he wasn't contributing enough. I felt that what he was giving to the audience was simply a great contribution. Another man was the man I talked about, Lou Merrill. As to women, Mercedes McCambridge, without question, was I the was, greatest actress. I was going to ask you about Mercedes McCambridge. So intense. The greatest radio actress I ever worked with. Lorene Tuttle was fine. Oh. A gal named Virginia Gregg was simply outstanding. She was a scream in the dark. She could do anything you ask her to do. Uh, they were a special group. Uh, uh, Hans Conried was a great radio actor. Yes, he was. A great radio actor. Uh, they were very special. The man who said, uh, why, don't, uh, uh, why isn't radio being done again? Be I think one of the reasons is because in those days, a group came up the very hard way. Almost a parallel would be how the actors of Olivier, Lawrence Olivier's time, came out of the theater of, of, of Britain. Uh, they, they did small parts, hard parts. They struggled. Now, 
in television overnight they become stars and they simply don't have the training and radio needed a special kind of training and the people i talked about had it and it was all in the voice if you didn't have the 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 necessary moxie in the voice you didn't have anything but it had to be the voice controlled by a special area of the mind that's interesting i've never heard it explained that way a voice controlled by a very special area of the mind very definitely. My guest, Arch Obler, and sound engineer, Marty Halperin. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Hello, Evan. You're on with Arch Obler. I know we've only got a second, don't we? Um, uh, yes, my name is Evan, and I'm just thrilled and, and delighted to, to be surprised by this radio show tonight. I'm lying in, in the pitch dark with my <laughs> kitty cat for being, being, being scared. And I just quickly wanted to mention one thing. When I was a kid, I grew up at Lake Arrowhead. My parents were one of the first people to buy a house on the lake. And we used to go into the village on Saturday night, and at midnight there was a spook show. And when I was a little kid, I used to beg my parents to let me go. And I said, no, I won't get frightened, I won't get frightened, I promise. And I'd go, and I'd get frightened every time. And we'd go out onto the lake at night, and we'd tell ghost stories until all hours of the morning. It was just wonderful growing up, you know, in a time where they didn't show you everything. And I was wondering what you think of the current slasher-type awful movies that are out today. One doesn't have to have a head cut off rolling down a street to be frightened, as I said earlier in the program, mm -hmm. and that was when you were busy feeding your cat and so you didn't listen. <laughs> I uh, can hear that. Uh, that uh, is, when it's done simply by inference, incidentally, that's a very pretty cat you have there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Isn't he pretty? <laughs> I'm just thrilled to talk to you. You're such a gracious, lovely man. Well, you're very sweet. And uh, again... Uh, you can I ask you quickly, do you think there'll ever be a, a, a resurgence again of, of some of the, the the better kinds of movies with, without the slasher stuff? Do you think they'll ever, that'll ever come back in vogue again? Oh, it'll have to be. Because once I found out with Lights Out, once you break someone's bones, mm -hmm. uh, you've done it. You can't do it again. Nothing more to do. Ray, thank you for having me on your show. Well, thank sweet. you for uh, the calling. Our Joe Blur is my guest, along with uh, sound engineer Marty Halperin, who uh, was instrumental in uh, restoring some 850 recordings on those old 16-inch discs in the Obler Motherload, as it's called, and now will be appearing on some 52 half-hour shows across the country. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Let's face it, the statistics are dismal. They say that if you are a married woman, chances are your husband is going to cheat on you. On the next Oprah Winfrey Show, meet the men who admit to having affairs. They step forward to tell us just why they felt the need to fool around and if there's anything a wife can do to stop them. You'll meet a man who says women should accept a man's infidelity because men were born with cheating hearts. Men who fool around on the next Oprah Winfrey Show. Join Oprah Tuesday at 3, only on Channel 7. Tonight at 10 on 7, the St. Regis becomes the scene for a lover's quarrel, passion, and revenge. Christine gets caught in the middle as a wealthy man pursues his cheating wife on a special hotel. Then, at 11 on Eyewitness News, all of Hollywood comes out to see their favorite star, Bruce Willis, producing his own rock and roll special. Channel 7 brings you an exclusive sneak preview of the Bruce Willis special tonight at 11, only on Channel 7. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79.
ABC News. I'm Dorothy McIntyre. Hearings on the Iran-Nicaragua arms deal will get underway in Congress next week. The Senate Intelligence Committee will be calling on key figures to testify. ABC's Bob Zelnick reports some people are already speaking out concerning the deal. Friends of fired NSC staffer Oliver North say that only part of the estimated $30 million in Iran arms sale profits went into a secret Swiss bank account for the benefit of Nicaragua's Contras. North, they say, used an existing network of Israeli arms merchants charging Israel $12 million for the weapons, which were then resold to Iran at $42 million, the market price. North's friends say that only about $10 million of that went to the Contras, the remainder staying with the weapons salesmen. Sources say North used a previously established Swiss bank account for the transaction and kept all business on foreign soil, hoping to avoid a violation of U.S. criminal law. Bob Zelnick, ABC News, Washington. Iranian sources say up to 20 plane loads of American weapons were delivered to Tehran in May. That's a lot more than previously reported. One White House source calls the report hogwash. I'll have more after this. May I have your attention, please? Let's not forget what we're here for. To present one of our very best employees with this special award for 25 years of service. Let's hear it for Ann Shea. 25 years? She must have started working here when she was 12 years old. You're right. She doesn't look a day over 35 or 36. Look at her. She's so young looking. What I wouldn't give to know her secret. Her secret? Porcelana Medicated Fade Cream. The secret of thousands of beautiful women to help get rid of age spots. Used twice a day. Porcelana can make spots hardly noticeable in about six weeks or so. There's even a sunscreen formula to help protect spots from the sun while it keeps on fading. Congratulations, Anne. Mary and I were just saying you don't look a day over 35. How do you do it? Well, it's mostly luck. Uh, good genes and something else. Porcelana, twice a day when you're in the habit of looking young. Use only as directed. The leaders of France, West Germany, and Belgium say they regret the U.S. move that adds another cruise missile-ready B-52 bomber to the American fleet. The move violates the limits of the unratified SALT II agreement. Appearing on ABC's Nightline, chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, Les Aspen of Wisconsin, said the U.S. should abide by the treaty for its own good. The reason why we should abide by the SALT II limits is strictly because it is in our national security interest to do so and because the Soviet Union is, in fact, an expansionist evil empire. The Soviets are calling the move a major mistake. Eighteen animal rights activists in San Francisco and New Jersey have been arrested for blocking access to stores that sell furs. They were taking part in a nationwide protest of the killing of animals for coats. Police in Seoul, South Korea, trying to keep anti-government demonstrations down. Riot police fired tear gas to break up a crowd outside the main opposition party building. Tens of thousands of police sealed off a downtown park just hours before an opposition rally. A drier, warmer winter is predicted for California and other western states. But ABC's Bettina Gregory reports from Washington that the east and Gulf Coast will be in for more than the usual number of storms over the next three months. The Commerce Department's long-range winter weather forecast predicts the effects of last summer's drought will be washed out by a winter that's much wetter than normal in the southeast and all along the Atlantic coast. But while there's a 55 to 60 percent chance the east coast and the Great Lakes area will get more snow and rain than normal, 
there's an equal chance that Central California, Nevada, Oregon, and Idaho will get much less precipitation than usual. The forecast also predicts there's a better-than-even chance California and the Southwest will have a warmer-than-usual winter, while Texas and the south-central part of the nation will be colder than normal. Bettina Gregory, ABC News, Washington. Lava from Hawaii's Kilauea volcano made its way to the ocean yesterday. The molten rock from the mountain crossed a highway, destroying nine homes over the past two days. And it's hoped that Voyager will be able to begin its round-the-world flight without refueling by late next week. This is ABC News. The official White House Christmas tree has been cut. It happened yesterday in Mossy Rock, Washington. The whole town showed up to watch as the 20-foot noble fir came down. It was taken away by crews to be shipped to the nation's capital, where First Lady Nancy Reagan will supervise the trimming. The tree had become a tourist attraction in the town northwest of Mount St. Helens. Classes of children had come to have their pictures taken with it. Residents drove by for several days on sightseeing excursions, all to get a glimpse of the White House tree. For the ABC Information Network, I'm Dorothy McIntyre. Come in. Mr. Holmes, I presume? Ah, welcome to my flat, Count. You're looking tired. I haven't had a good day's sleep in weeks. Fix you a drink. Tight bowl with a twist. Hmm, curious. My problem is uh, that My I powers have... of deduction tell me you're worried about the proper investment vehicle. Yes, I should be putting something away for a rainy night. U.S. savings bonds. Bonds earn competitive market-based rates like money market accounts. And there's a guaranteed minimum return. Tell me more. I'm all ears. Your teeth aren't exactly small either. No matter. Bonds can be purchased for as little as $25. Ah, could I perhaps put the bite on you for $25? You know what they say, you can't get blood out of a turnip. Yes, they keep saying that. For more information, telephone 1-800-US-BONDS. You'll be surprised. No, my dear Holmes, I will be amazed. You are about to be surprised. <laughs> for more information, call 1-800-US-BONDS. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. My guest, the one and only Arch Obler and sound engineer Marty Halpern. And if you haven't heard, they have discovered some 850 lights out recordings on those eight, you know, those 16 inch discs in the uh, Obler home, and they have uh, been doctored by the doctor himself. That's Marty Halpern, the sound engineer, taking out all of the, uh, the clicks and the pops from the original recordings. And they've been put into 52 half hours, which are being prepared by a Minneapolis-based organization called Medicom Incorporated for radio syndication and home audio cassette sales. So they're going to be available for those who uh, have never heard Lights Out before or those who do remember. It'll be a great way to uh, refresh your memory. Uh, when you were processing these things, Marty, uh, how, how difficult was it? Well, each disc presented a different problem. You know, sometimes you had oxidation to fight, and uh, we just... Well, when I was with Armed Forces Radio, we had a, a little thing that we called gunk, and it was made up of uh, oil and alcohol, and we just would coat, coat the disc with it. I beg your pardon, there's never been a breath of alcohol in the Obler house. <laughs> we had... Popsicola. <laughs> well, that would get a little sticky, but uh, it would work. All right, so you put the gunk on, and uh, it would uh, clean well, it up. Well, it gives the, the stylus something to write on top of. Other, another thing I use is, uh, is uh, Lemon Pledge. 
I spray that on. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> and but you just don't leave it on. You have to take a cloth and go over it. And right. uh, I've been I've been using WD-40. That works too. That works too. Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah. You grease the grooves. <laughs> you just all you have to do is ex is just try and experiment and see what works. That's right. If you want to talk with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern, here's how. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then TALK. Uh, Arch and Marty, we had a listener who wanted to uh, hear, or at least was mentioning uh, the hilarious day at the dentist. Um, we have that. You know, the genesis of that whole series of recording is rather amusing. At least it's amusing to my grandmother. Um, I met a man who was at that time president of the Capitol Recording Company. That's that mm -hmm. those people have that circular building in mm -hmm. Hollywood. Mm -hmm. and uh, Theater in the round. He's a very charming man, and he challenged me to do something in terms of demonstrating the difference between motion picture horror, the kind of sort of thing that Hitchcock would do, you know, with those dagger through the, through the uh, shower curtain, and the sort of thing we did in radio, and the sort of thing that was done in books, uh, and so on. And one of my favorites when I wrote the thing was the very last cut. That's the reason I made it, called The Laughing Man. But the one you want to play now, or the listener asked for, to me was... Certainly the most amusing because it brought back memories of my own dentist and will bring back memories of yours. <sighs> Any more patients, nurse? Yes, one just came in. He hasn't an appointment, but he says it's an emergency. Oh, do I know him? What's his name? His name is Fred Hausman. Hausman? Fred? Are you sure? Yes, do you know him? No, oh no. Uh, show him in. And, Miss Case, you can go home now. But, Doctor, it isn't time. I said you could go home now. Yes, Doctor. The doctor will see you now. Oh, thank you. Come in, sir. Come in. I'll see you in the morning, nurse. And when you go out, lock the outer door. Mr. Houseman will be my last patient. Yes, Doctor. I said, come in, sir. Come in. Uh, thank you, Doctor, for seeing me without an appointment. It's my pleasure. Oh, uh, will you get in the chair? Oh, thank you. You know, I used to come here to Dr. Charles. I didn't know you'd taken over. Mm -hmm. Are you all comfortable? Yes, indeed. Now, what seems to be the trouble? Well, I have a toothache. <laughs> oh, yes, we can fix that in a hurry. Nothing serious. See, are you sure it's painless, Doctor? It's funny me saying that, but here I used to play football and wrestle, but... There's one thing I sure can't stand is a little pain. You know, drilling and things like that. Oh, no. No pain. Well, the straps. <laughs> Why are you strapping me in? Oh, don't be alarmed. In order to keep this painless, there must be absolutely no movement. Oh. There you are. Snug as a bug in a rug. That's a curious thing to call you, isn't it? You're no bug. You're the lover type, aren't you? Why? When I first heard your name, I wasn't sure. But when you came through the door, I... Well, what the hell is this? Mary Elson. Mary? 
What do you mean? Surely you haven't forgotten Mary, lover boy. What you did to her was very special, wasn't it? Worth remembering. Worth talking about. Worth slobbering over. Who the hell are you? Her husband. What? Let me out of here. You won't break those straps. They've been waiting just for you. That's why I bought out Dr. Charles' practice. Because I knew that sooner or later you'd come back to him. The painless dentist. Now you're here. Now you're here. What? The drill? What are you going to do? Nothing important. Just going to drill a little hole to let out some of the lover boy. Oh, no. no. What are you going to do? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Please. Please. No. 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 Yes, lover boy. Yes, a, a day at the dentist. <laughs> wow. That was Hal Perry, wasn't it? Yes, and in my compilation of the outstanding actors, the radio actors, I certainly was wrong in leaving out Hal Perry. He, in many times in my uh, broadcast, when I couldn't afford to have extra actors, would play as many as, and this was before the days of the unions, would play as many as five, six parts. Is and you'd right? never know that he was playing those parts. He was so versatile. For those who don't recognize the name, he was the great Gildersleeve. Yes, indeed. My guest, Arch Obler, along with sound engineer Marty Halperin, we're talking about the halcyon days of radio, the theater of the mind. We'll be right back. I'm Ray Breen. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. Community Dental Centers, we make people smile. Holidays coming, family gatherings, and wonderful sit-down meals. But certainly no time to be caught with dental problems. Fortunately, community dental centers are making it easy to put your teeth and your smile in tip-top shape for the holidays. Community dental centers have some outstanding specials on bridge work, dentures, and porcelain crowns. You can look and feel like a million for a lot less than you think. They'll even arrange a payment plan if you need it. So visit your community dental center's office now. Check your phone directory for the one near you. Community Dental Centers. We make people smile. Community Dental Centers, Incorporated. Community Dental Center. We make people smile. We make people smile. Community Dental Centers. We make people smile. This morning I woke up and the clock said 8.35. I said, oh no, I'm going to be late for work. A day in the life of Amanda Clark. And then I remembered it was Saturday. Tonight I had a date with Steve and a million things to do before then. A million and one. Right, the bank. I had to go to the bank and cash a check. And why do you suppose that was? Because Steve never has any money. He's nice, but broke. 
broke, but nice. Way is, that's all. So Amanda went to First Federal Savings Bank of California. It was Saturday, and it was open. What a startling concept. First Federal is people-friendly. Who ever heard of a bank that caters to the needs of human beings? You have. I have. You also have a date. With Steve. He's not my prince, but he is convenient. Like your bank. So that was my day, first and last. First, First Federal, last, Steve. Did Steve last? No, first things first, last things last. No love lost. First Federal Savings Bank of California. Open Saturdays, 903. Very convenient. Like Steve was. But isn't now. Not anymore. Fully satisfied by a Thanksgiving break. Looking forward to getting back on Monday after a week's vacation. Hello there, I'm Michael Jackson. Already the guest list is filling up with fascinating topics to inform and entertain. Do you have a gambling problem? Two will get you five. There's help out there and we'll tell you about it. We'll visit with attorney Melvin Belli. Speak about our youth in a series of conversations that include gang violence, teen prostitution and drug intervention. I'm Michael Jackson. Spend some time with us during the upcoming week from 9 to 1 on Talk Radio KABC. Radio 79 numbers and in the word talk, T-A-L-K. South Bay Area, dial 679. Glendale and Pasadena, 244-990 for the San Fernando Valley. And in Orange County, the 714 area, 750. The 213 area of Orange County, 448. Los Angeles, it's 520. And then talk. You know, Arch, I don't think I'm going to go to a dentist again. <laughs> oh, well, I promise you that... That fellow has been incarcerated. I'm glad to hear uh, that. He's now with Mr. Hitchcock and Mr. Serling. <laughs> Let's say hello to uh, Wendy. Hello, Wendy. No, it's not Wendy. This, yeah, it is Wendy. Yes, it is. Good, good morning, Wendy. Hi. Uh, Mr. Obler, it's, it's an honor to meet you, uh, really, to talk to you on the phone, because uh, the very I started collecting radio shows about 10 years ago, and I'm only 30. But I wish I was born back then because I, I really did miss... can't believe you're 30. You sound like 22. Ah. Well, the first thing I did was walk through a swap meet. And the first time I had ever heard of you was on a Bill Cosby record. Uh. When he talked about the chicken heart that ate at New York City. And, and what he did, how scared he was hearing this show. And I walked through a swap meet and some guy was selling radio shows. And he says, I got a lights out tape for you. What's on it? Oh, uh, some chicken heart and, and a guy, uh, something about shadows uh, with a glove, you know. And, and oh, really? About the dentist. So it was three stories. And I took it home and I was so hooked that I... You should have bought some pots and pans. They'd last longer. No, no. These are wonderful. I, I, I still listen to them. I, they're wonderful. Well, you're very sweet. <laughs> you're very intelligent. And, and I'd like to find out how I can get all those shows that you're uh, doing right now. Well, I, as with Ray's permission, I will simply repeat my address again. I can send you the thing uh, because the address of Medicom has got uh, all kinds of digits on it, and I never remember them. It's um, Route 2 Malibu, and Ray knows that zip code. 90265. Okay. And I'd be happy to answer you. You don't even have to... Enclose a, a plain brown envelope because um, I think I can find one. Oh, well, the uh, <laughs> I have a question for you also. Um, um, someone who I really admired uh, passed away recently, which was Paul Fries. Yes. Did he ever do any of your shows? Oh, yes, I used Paul too. Uh, they were a certain group of actors, and they were a select group, not because they worked for me, but because they were very talented, and Mr. Freeze was among them. There's a gal who passed away um, 
a day or two ago, I think, uh, named Helen Mack, who had a great radio voice. Um, it was a little bell quality that was inimitable. Uh-huh. They just had that one facet to use, you know, and they had to have that special voice like Hal Perry or Elliot Lewis and so on. Uh-huh. And uh, it was simply great to work with them because they had to have that actually intelligence. Now, you've got a pretty voice. No, oh, well, I'm, see, I want to take a voiceover class that I'm t starting in January. See, I guess... I want to do voiceovers because I think it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with it. Oh, thank you very much. Nice talking to you. All right. Thank you. thank you, Wendy. Let's go to New Jersey. We have Tony on the line. Good morning, Tony. You're on with Arch Obler. Right. I just want to mention that uh, we used to listen to him in the early 30s on Lights Out at Midnight. And I didn't even mention anything about that. What? Uh, lights Out or at Midnight? Well, it was Lights Out. And, uh, yeah, we've been talking about it all night. You tune in a little late because I, I, I don't know what you've been doing. Have you been building an addition to your house? <laughs> or you have been doing something unmentionable? Because we've really been at this for a long time. Yes, I, I did Lights Out in the 30s, and uh, yeah. we've been talking about it. I remember one program. You had one where a fellow took a certain pill, and he was faster than light or something like that. He was, um, oh, yes, yes. I forgot the name of that. It was called The Fast One, yes. Yeah, it was tremendous. Yes. Like, I've been working on that pill, you know, and I haven't got it down yet. Yeah. I got a man who can go 90 miles an hour, but that isn't fast enough for Hollywood freeways. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. I remember. When, then we heard a program. Many others we used to wait for your program. I forgot some of them, but I'll never forget that speed one, you know. Yes, I, it was one of my favorites. I'd forgotten. Thanks for reminding me of it. I'm going to have Marty Halpern try to find it so we can re-record it and so people can have it. Well, it was fun. <laughs> well, I enjoyed all your programs. Well, you're very nice, and I hope that maybe you'll get a cassette and we'll listen to it and teach your children about radio because Mr. Bream here does radio, and he needs your children. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tony. My guests are Jobler and sound engineer Marty Halpern. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Hello, George. You're on with Arch Obler and Marty Halpern. Ah, thank you very much. Uh, let's see. I'd like to speak to both gentlemen, one after the other. Uh, first, uh, it's a thrill to me to, to hear Arch. I remember when I lived in New York back uh, oh, in the late 30s, I remember one particular program made a tremendous impression on me. Uh, the part that I recall the most was the couple that had gotten married, and the, the idea was that they were pure in heart, and they went up to the top of the Empire State Building. And when the clouds cleared, though, I, there was nothing in the streets. That was called the word, yes. Yeah, yes. incredible. I remember to this day. Well, that's because you gave of yourself to listen to that program, and so you remembered. You know, first you have a very interesting voice. You've got a, a very distinctive voice. But aside from that, uh, uh, the we we did an interesting experiment a few weeks ago. Uh, there was an audience, and we were trying to have people remember some radio, or rather some TV programs that have been well publicized that have been on the air exactly two weeks before. Not a single one of the hundred people could remember it. And yet, they could remember radio things they heard 10, 20, 30 years before because... Yeah, you sound like you're in radio. You sound like you have a radio voice. Well, no, I, I used to do a little singing, but I'm an engineer and I used to be at that well-known lab up in the Malibu Hills there. 
Ah. Uh, all right. Uh, you wanted to talk to Marty. Yeah. Are you there, Marty? Yes, I am. Uh, I had some experience with those uh, 16 inchers. Uh, the ones that I worked with uh, were some AFRS records. And those those were pressings then. Yeah, and uh, uh, I picked up a, a turntable with about an 18-inch diameter platter on it, uh, and uh, <laughs> et cetera. And but the thing was, in, in getting the noise out on those, I found the following was very very helpful, and that was to use a, a stereo pickup like uh, like the uh, uh, Sure Brothers. Uh, Model 15, right. and, and hook mm -hmm. the two outputs in such a way that only the horizontal component of the motion would get through, and that the noise component, which was vertical, would be canceled out. Yes, that works at times, but uh, it works a lot better with music. Mm -hmm. uh, voice, it's not as selective as, uh, as it is with music, though. Yeah, and then, then we used uh, uh, two uh, noise devices in series. One was a, a Berwyn... Uh, uh, scratch eliminator, and the other one was, I believe, an SAE. Uh, now, the impulse noise reduction unit. Impulse reduction. So we had two of those. That seemed to work pretty well. It does, yes. Yeah. And I washed the records, by the way, uh, by putting a chopstick through the hole <laughs> and spinning them uh, with a faucet, you know, with a stream of water coming down, and then cleaning them off with one of these. Um, uh, I have to go, George. We're out of time. Thanks for the call. Okay. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520, followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then talk. You were saying, Arch, that the, the real secret in taking the noise out is what? Well, you live in Malibu. Yeah. It's rattlesnake oil. Rattlesnake. You get oil. a friendly rattlesnake. You <laughs> yeah. talk him into using some of his oil. <laughs> Works every time. Of course, you get rid of all the people in the house too. You're the only one that uh, winds up uh, with the red fox swimming in your swimming pool, right? Uh, yes, we've had that happen too. As you know, we have all sorts of wild animals That's up there. Right. When, I, when I go home, uh, people don't believe me when I say that I have haven't. Uh, at times almost hit uh, red fox and coyotes and deer and things like that. Well, we've had uh, cougars up there. I haven't seen a cougar where I live. All this nonsense about the danger of cougars is ridiculous. I've come up to our little studio house up on top of Peak there and found a cougar, and this is factual, lying on the outdoor pad. And he looked at me and I looked at him. We gave ourselves past cards between ourselves and he got up and walked away hmm. there they have no intention of hurting anyone uh, by the way you live in a uh, house designed by the legendary frank lloyd wright yes indeed uh it's been a very pleasant association i had with him over the years he was you know ray um hollywood is full of geniuses of all sorts mm -hmm. everyone's a genius <laughs> uh in my lifetime, I've met a few geniuses. I once met Mr. Einstein, who was truly a genius, and I met the novelist Thomas Mann, but the true genius in my life was Frank Lloyd Wright. He truly was. He was the originator uh, in Europe and in Asia. He was finger-kissing great. And in the children's books, 
in the grade schools. Frank Lloyd Wright was known long before um, Mr. Nixon was, so to speak. Well, you know, uh, having spent some time in the Far East, in Tokyo, uh, who can ever forget the uh, Imperial Hotel? Yes, the hotel that lasted through the earthquake. 1923 uh, earthquake. Um, Mr. Rice, genius. All right, to New Jersey and Pauline. Hello, yes. Pauline. You're on with Arch Obler. Yes, uh, Mr. Obler. Yes. Uh, am I mistaken? Years ago, when you were a very young man, did you live on Kosciuszko Street in Brooklyn? <laughs> My mother and father and sister did. I wasn't born yet. You were, well, I, well I, let me ta take it back. Uh, didn't you, you visit there? I, you had a little niece that I used to play with. was a friend of mine. Oh, this goes back many, many years. But uh, didn't you visit there? I remember seeing you were a thin young man, dark hair, if I remember correctly. Sure. I, I'm, I neither have the dark hair, but I'm still very thin. I'm still a reed. Uh, um, yes, but I mean, I... I yeah, I remember Kosciuszko. My folks told, told me about it. In Brooklyn, that is, isn't you it? you never lived there with them? No, no. I was... I visited, I think. One day I went back to see the natives uh -huh. to see they were really human. <laughs> and they were. You were very human. I remember you distinctly. I remember meeting you. Yes, I remember you. You were you you, a few houses down from me. I mean, th their house was a, few, it was a brownstone a few houses down from mine. No, I was born in Chicago on you? California Avenue. Uh, let me ask you, what happened to your niece? Well, I have have many nieces. Uh, I mean, you don't know the one that lived in Kosciuszko Street? No, I don't remember her. Um, I think she got married to a fellow named Ronald Reagan. No, she didn't get married to Ronald Reagan. That was the actress. You know, the odd thing is, just the other day I said to my husband, I wonder what happened to Arch Obler. I haven't heard of his name. I haven't seen him in credits for many years. Maybe I'm not following the right uh, places. You know, I don't know. I, I uh, certainly have lost touch with radio, I will say, to a great extent. Well, Arch Obler has been enjoying life because, you see, there are other things in life besides getting your name in the paper. Yes, but I used to see your name in credits a lot on, on, the, on film things. Yes. Well, I've been enjoying life in other ways. Are you retired now? <laughs> a writer never retires. Retire. He's someone like the gal who walks up and down the street on Sunset Boulevard. Uh -huh. Never <laughs> retires. That's a local joke. Well, Mr. Obler, it's, it's a real thrill talking to you. Well, it's very sweet of you. And I hope you have many more productive and happy years. Thank you. After reading, meeting Ray and having Marty Halpern here resurrect my old records, I've suddenly got very ambitious. And I think I'm going to rewrite the Bible. Uh, well, I think Ray is absolutely wonderful. You can tell him from me. Thank you, Pauline. I enjoy you very much. All right. Thank you. Bye. Goodbye. Arch Obler and Marty Halpern are with us. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79, KABC. All right, let's say hello to Bob. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Ray. Uh, it's a real thrill to ha have Arch there. Uh, I never miss missed uh, Lights Out or The Squeaking Door back in those... Oh, Inner Sanctum. Yeah, I yeah. love that one, too. Well, I like The Whistler. I like The Whistler a lot. <laughs> and, of course, Suspense. Yeah, Suspense also, right. A program well calculated to keep you in Suspense. Uh, I'd like to uh, get Arch's ideas. Um... Back in those days, in the 30s, um, we had our matinee idols on Broadway, and we also had our matinee idols on the radio. And we had people like Owen Souray, Les Tremaine, Jim Amici, and then the reigning queen, I, I thought of her as the reigning queen, was a gal by the name of uh, Barbara Luddy. Of course. All those years as the leading lady of the First Nighter program. Right. And she also did some bits on 
Central Station. Well, I actually wrote for Barbara Luddy when she was with Don Amici in Chicago. I did a play or two for First Nighter and Grand Hotel because I had to eat. And uh, I lived with my mother and my father had passed away. And uh, it was a nice way to pick up a few dollars anonymously. So I got to meet Barbara. She was very talented. I, I worked with her here, too. And, of course, Don Amici was very special, but... He got lost at 20th Century Fox and became a very rich and famous until he got resurrected again at a cocoon, as you remember. <laughs> well, his brother Jim was no slouch. Oh, absolutely. Jim was very, very good. Very good indeed. Uh, you have some interesting memories. Um, I, uh, the only uh, actor that I mentioned, uh, uh, I mentioned Lester Maine, Jim Amici, and Alan Soule. The only one... Hold it, hold it, hold it. Olin Soule. Olin Soule. Didn't I say Olin? I'm sorry. You said Alan. Oh, no, I meant to say Olin. Olin Soule. And uh, the only one that seemed to make it a little bit in movies was Les Tremaine. Uh, have you got any ideas why uh, none of these people made it in movies? Well, I've been having fun here before the microphone, and particularly when it's turned off, because <laughs> I dance beautifully alone. <laughs> but uh, to be serious a moment, um, many of them in those days had to be pretty boys and they just weren't considered pretty enough. In other words, they were ahead of their time. Uh, if they had come into motion pictures a little later, they would have been leading men. Take, for example, the girl we were talking about, Mercedes McCambridge. Sure, she won an Academy Award, but this was later in her life. If you knew as we knew Mercedes McCambridge when she was 18 or 19, she was a breath of Irish spring. She was beautiful. Had she gone into movies then, she would have been uh, another Olivia de Havilland, so to speak. So Barbara Luddy wasn't what you'd call a great beauty. I hope no. she's listening to this program. No, but she was a very talented girl. She was a fine-looking girl. Yeah. But uh, in those days, I repeat, you had to be beautiful. All and right. Uh, thank you very much, Bob. Bye-bye. My two guests. The renowned playwright Arch Obler of Lights Out fame and sound engineer Marty Halpern. This is Talk Radio. I'm Ray Brain. KABC Los Angeles. Talk Radio 79. If you're calling from Los Angeles, dial 520 followed by the word talk. T-A-L-K follows all of our numbers. For the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. The San Gabriel Valley, 448. In Burbank, 244. And in Compton, dial 639. And then, talk. Uh, you know, Marty, uh, the uh, last caller was talking about to Olin Soule and Les Tremaine. Uh, being a longtime member, I guess you were one of the founders of uh, the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. Yes, yes. Uh, and since I am rather a newcomer to the board... Uh, I was really um, astounded one day at a board meeting when on my right, sitting at lunch, was Olin Soule, and on my left was Les Tremaine. <laughs> well, until about uh, two or three years ago, Olin was my neighbor across uh, across the street. Really? And Les I've known for a long time. Yeah. Uh, th th that was one of the longest-running radio programs. How many years was that? 30 oh, years? Oh, boy. I really don't know. I think uh, Les did it for seven years and Olin for ten, and I forget who preceded them. And, uh, you know, it's always that little theater off Times Square, right. and it came from Chicago. <laughs> Never could quite figure that one out. 
But Chicago was the big uh, center for radio. It was the center of many, many things, including Mayor Thompson, uh, Al Capone, um, <laughs> ice cream cones for a nickel apiece. Our, great town, great town. We want to uh, take a call from Mary, and then I want to play The Laughing Man. All right, uh, let's say hello to Mary in New York City. Hello, Mary. Good morning. I just tuned in a little while ago, and I was just thrilled because I grew up in Chicago and listened every week to Lights Out with great interest and pleasure. And now I'm a school librarian. Marion, <laughs> the librarian. Right, I'd love to buy some copies of Lights Out programs. So how could I do so? Where, where could I buy them, do you know? Well, if you'll write to him. I know it by heart now. Route 2, Malibu, California, 90265. Hasn't that Ray Bream got a beautiful voice? No, I'd be happy to, to write and tell you because the people who are putting it out have a long, complicated address, something like a Washington number. Did you ever write to a congressman, you know, where they have uh, uh, Washington and it's RW east of the river, south of Potomac, and you finally give up and you don't bother? Well, that's where the, the, the people are putting it out. But I'll write to you. Thank you very much. It was lovely speaking with you. All right. Thank you, Mary. All right. Are we all set with uh, The Laughing Man? Okay, this is... Uh, how did this come about? What's the genesis of this one? I uh, am truly a very serious type person. And one day I was sitting there looking at our world and thinking uh, one can either laugh or cry at it. So I decided to laugh, and that's how The Laughing Man came about. for the ultimate in horror. Yes, the ultimate, the top, the finale. The time is 20,000 years from tomorrow. A man is addressing a great throng of people. Listen to him. <laughs> oh, ex excuse me, please. <laughs> I, I'm laughing. I know it isn't polite, but I... I can't help it. <laughs> the funniest thing... Oh, 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 wait till you hear it. Absolutely the funniest thing. <laughs> yes. Yes, I'll tell you. A hoax. He tried to play a hoax on me, telling me it was an authentic record of their times and expecting me, me, me to believe. Now, now wait a moment. Wait a moment. I... I'll start from the beginning. No, really, I will. And then you'll laugh with me. I know you will. <laughs> well, it started like this. An old man comes to my study a little while ago, a package under his arm, and he tells me he's a student of the past. <laughs> a past, past master of humbug, that's what he meant. Now, wait until you hear it. So, he has this package under his arm, and he says to me breathlessly, Oh, kind sir, I, uh, I, I brought you the most wonderful relic of the past the modern world has ever known. Really, I said. What are you talking about, and who are you? A lonely traveler, one who wanders in far-off places. <laughs> far, far-off places, that's what he told me. <laughs> so I said, and, and is that what you're bringing me from one of those far-off places? He shakes his old head like a strutting rooster. 
Yes, indeed. You are the greatest living scholar of the history of the old world, so it is fitting that I bring this to you. Indeed. And what have you got, and where did you find it? I was walking through the mountains beneath which the great city once stood. Well? Well? As you know, thousands of years ago, there was another civilization that reached great height. I know, I know. Certainly you're not going to teach me history, my ancient friend. Oh, no. No, indeed. I only meant to say what I found high in the mountains. It, it is a written record of that civilization. The first written record ever to be found. For a moment, I couldn't breathe. I, I just looked at him. I said, have you gone out of your head with age, old man? Nothing is left of that ancient time. We believe that first the deadly radiation covered them when the dark planet swung close and then the molten rock thrust up. It, it, it's only our theory that men had a civilization here before us. For answer, he tore the paper off the package. Look, look, these papers, reality, I tell you. High in the mountains, inside a piece of alabaster that must have protected it from the ravages of time, miraculously spewed out from the earth when the mountains rose up through the land. Look, sir, and read. A record of their times. A record of the ways of men 20,000 years before our civilization came into being. <laughs> yes, he said that, and I took the book, took it in my hand and read. Now listen to this. First, the crazy book said that... Oh, wait until you hear this. First, first the book said that the men of that past civilization fought about the land. You don't understand what I mean? The world, the world, they fought each other, maimed each other, bled each other over who owned what piece of the world. Did you ever hear such nonsense? <laughs> they knew how large the world was, and they knew how many men were on it, but instead of sharing it in fairness, they fought each other. Yes, bloody wars for years and years. Do you ever hear such humbug history? <laughs> and that isn't all. The book said they fought each other over race. Yes, race, race. The book says the word means the difference between men. And then the book said that all men had the same origin, and yet <laughs> they, they killed each other over a difference they admitted did not even exist. Oh, what a fraud, that book. <laughs> and, and, and a man walked that world for a little while and said, for the glory of God, peace on earth. And he spoke truth, and men listened and said, we believe. And then went out to murder with bright music playing. <laughs> music, I tell you. <laughs> and, uh, and then a little man arose who said, For the glory of the state, war on earth. And he spoke lies, and men knew they were lies, and he knew they knew, but again they went out to murder with the music playing. <laughs> and here's the climax. <laughs> this preposterous book said that these crazy people who filled the earth in those days had machines with which to fly through the air. Yes, yes, really, through the air. <laughs> Imagine the wonder if it were true, speeding through the air like the birds, great glistening machines to carry men to new wonders, but <laughs> guess, guess what the fraud of a book said they did with them. Oh, 
<laughs> you'll hold your sides when you hear this one. They loaded the machines with horrible tearing things and flew over the crowded places and dropped them. <laughs> yes, believe me, that's what this humbug history tried to make me believe was the truth. Men struggled for centuries. Men studied. They toiled. Rivers of heartache, at least the book said so, trying to make a healthier world for their children to live in. And then they threw poison clouds down from the sky and killed them off in the tens of thousands. <laughs> killed the children. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, isn't it all a joke? Well, there's a message there. The Laughing Man. Uh, sardonic indeed. Ray, with that bit of comedy, I've got to go back to Malibu, and I've got to wean the baby, and milk the cows, and feed the coyotes. It's been a delight talking to you and to your audience. I'm a, an astute fan of yours because I'm insomniac Arch Obler, so if I can get Marty Halpern here to crank up his sidecar motorcycle we'll head for the hills and thanks for having me here arch obler thank you and lights out give, give us the, the the lights out everybody again lights out everybody and peace in your hearts thank you arch obler thank you marty helper thank you ray we'll be right back i'm ray brame this is talk radio 79 kbc los angeles you know, so many times, retirement homes just don't provide the right lifestyle. Well, California retirement villas provide real resort living, month-to-month -month rentals with no obligations, no entrance fees. California retirement villas provide independence, warm friendships, dignity, security, and just plain fun. It's a retirement villa that caters. You've got home-cooked meals, dispensing medications, 24-hour security, complete household cleaning, chauffeured transportation, and so much more, all in one low monthly rental fee. Just two miles from the ocean, where almost everything is within walking distance. Visit any one of their locations in Orange County and San Diego. California Retirement Villas invite you to spend a one-month vacation at Villa del Obispo in San Juan Capistrano, and they'll pay for the last two weeks of your stay. Call them now. Their number, 800-624-0236. That's 800-624-0236. Lately, it seems like everyone's asking you to give. A little here, a little there. Well, we're asking you to give the most precious thing of all, yourself. We're the Peace Corps. And we need people who want to make a difference. People who care enough to help build food systems in Africa. So the starving won't just eat today, they'll eat tomorrow and the next day. People to help fight malaria in Asia. To train teachers in Latin America. It isn't easy. And it takes more than just concern. It takes motivation, commitment. But being a Peace Corps volunteer gives you a chance to stop dreaming about a better world and start doing something about it. So think about it. As a Peace Corps volunteer, you'll give people something money can't buy. Yourself. Peace Corps. Still the toughest job you'll ever love. 
For more information, call 1-800-424-8580. A public service message of the Advertising Council and the Peace Corps. All of life is a series of ups and downs. The ups are easy to handle, but the downs are what build character. This is Barbara Essenston, and beginning Monday, a week-long series on people whose lives have changed by turning negatives into positives. Problems are just a series of great opportunities, brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. You're going to be inspired by these stories, turning negatives into positives. Six daily reports beginning Monday on KABC. Joel Burr has gone, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, he's always been one of my favorites, and he's a very funny guy. He's got a great sense of humor. Uh, rather than going into um, all the affairs of the day, why don't we uh, just talk about uh, some of the great radio shows of yesteryear, radio drama, mysteries, if you will, whatever, and why don't you call me and tell me your favorite uh, mysteries of, of the great halcyon days of radio and why? And if so, here's the number. In Los Angeles, the number is 520, followed by TALK, T-A-L-K. All TALK Radio 79 numbers are followed by the word TALK. Orange County, 714 area, dial 750. And the 213 area, dial 448. The South Bay area, 679. And the San Fernando Valley, dial 990. And then TALK. One of the uh, great mysteries that um, never uh, is mentioned when you think of the radio dramas on, on radio. We think of The Shadow, and we think of Suspense, and The Whistler, and Lights Out, and Inner Sanctum, and things like that. One of the great mysteries was Philo Vance. Do you remember Philo Vance? And guess who played Philo Vance? It, do you remember Philo Vance? It was a syndicated show, but uh, the the man who played Philo Vance for many years was none other than Jose Ferrer. How about that? Uh, then there was Mr. District Attorney. Remember that? Jay Justin played uh, the lead. And um, the female lead, Vicky Vola, she just passed away here about uh, six or seven months ago, if I recall. Uh, some other great shows, of course. Uh, the Adventures of Bulldog Drummond. Do you remember Bulldog Drummond? Th those are never really mentioned, but uh, those were... Uh, real chillers, as far as I'm concerned. The Adventures of Bulldog Drummond. I can hear the foghorns right now. And let's see, what are some of the other shows that uh, were... Well, there was Nick Carter, Master Detective. <laughs> you remember? Oh, then there was the Fat Man. Do you remember the Fat Man? And he must have been fat. He sounded fat. The Fat Man. Let's uh, go to Wyndham, Maine. We've got Shirley on the line. Hello, Shirley. Hi, Ray. Good morning. I'd love to thank you for having such a fantastic show tonight. Thank you. Oh, how much I enjoy Well, that. why don't you just drop a line to Arch Obler, Route 2, Malibu. Oh, I'm going to write to him because I'm a tape freak. I want to buy those. I'm so excited over the possibilities of it. I get, you know, I usually get never stay awake through your whole show. And when I ever heard that joke, I flipped. <laughs> I said, boy, I won't miss one moment of this. But I'm like you. I, I love the uh, the old radio. I, I, I'm not a television person. I love radio. And uh, so you can feel complimented by that. That's why I listen to you an awful lot. 
You know, I, I seldom turn on the tube except for news and information programs and sports. Uh, the rest of the fair, there's nothing there for me. I, I don't care for television. Uh, well, why do you think that is? I, I guess it's we grew up in radio where we had to use our minds. Indeed, and I think it's the greatest thing that ever happened. That in books, you know, I was a book freak. I owned over 3,300 books as I was growing up. 3,300 books? Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Mm. My mother taught us all. We were all great readers that they were, like, having friends in mm. homes, and we would take good care of them. And, uh... Because I was laid up in bed for four years as a youngster, and uh, many, many fine people gave me many, many books. So, mm. oh, yes, and I still, I read, oh, heavens, I don't know how many books I read, uh, books a week I read now, but an awful lot all day long. I'm, you know. Uh, you, you must read awfully fast. Pardon? You must be a very fast reader. Yes, I am, and uh, between that and radio, that's, that's my two loves besides my doggy. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> one thing, Ray, which isn't relevant to what you wish to speak about, but because I listen to you, of course, you know, I'm a big band buff. I'm a record collector, and I listen to these records you play in between, which I go crazy over. Oh, you like those, huh? Ah, I'm a Glenn <laughs> Miller freak. I've got just about everything he ever did. Well, that's out of my collection, you know. I thought it was. Mm -hmm. I know before I called you, oh, two or three years ago, and I, I complimented you on your met, uh, <laughs> music. But what I want to know, if you could help me, <clears throat> I did hear uh, the special on Radio the other night with Jimmy Stewart in regards to um, the special he's doing this week on Mutual. Yes. Three hours. On How was it? Now, are you going to carry it? No, no. Uh -huh. that's, that's a different network. <laughs> It said mutual, that's all it said, and they said, look in the paper, yeah. it's not in the paper. Yeah. And I'm sick because I want to get that and record it so bad. Yeah, no, that's a different network. I see. Okay, dear, well, I wonder, well, I want to thank you again at our job or something else. Well, surely I... Definitely I'm going to purchase those tapes as soon as I get the information. I've got everything down, as you said. Very good. And I loved all, all the good mysteries, you know. Yeah, they, they were great. All right, Shirley, thank you for the call. Thank you. All right, bye. Now, bye. And uh, let's uh, go to New York City. And Bob, good morning, Bob. Good morning, Ray. How are you? All right. Uh, I, was, uh, I was a great fan of the uh, mystery shows on radio, uh, the file Vance, as you mentioned. Uh, and to my knowledge, the last uh, detective show was uh, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Was that? that was on CBS. Uh, that, that lasted into the early 60s. Yes, yes. And it was a fabulous show. I, uh, I I heard some things on yours truly, Johnny Dollar, that uh, drove me up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall a uh, uh, a show on radio, Box 13, with Alan Ladd? No, I don't remember that. It used to be on Saturday night. Oh, really? It ran for, uh, oh, I guess a year or two, maybe three years. No, I don't remember Box 13. Yeah, and he did some pilot films for uh, TV. Hmm. But, uh, unfortunately, he never went over uh, for some re one reason or another. Uh, but the the only you asked uh, the favorite shows. I thought the Lone Ranger was my favorite. Well, uh, you can't uh, go wrong uh, with that. That that lasted I don't know how many decades. Uh, uh, that was one of the last remaining shows on radio. Yes. yes. Okay. Nice talking to you. All right, Bob. Thank you. Okay. And uh, let's see, who else do we have? I'm not sure that we have someone. Here we have Bill. Good morning, Bill. Yeah, I, uh, well, 
all these remarks and listening to all these shows. I, when I was a kid, uh, growing up in Colorado, mm -hmm. uh, those shows, Bulldog Drummond and uh, Inner Sanctum and Sam Spade and all those symphonies. Oh, yeah, Sam Spade. Absolutely. Howard Duff. Howard Duff was in it. I'm going to try and get Howard Duff on this program. Oh, God. That is, I've, well, I'm a newspaper man, and, and uh, uh, I just come out to California <laughs> from the East, and, uh, but uh, lo and behold, I couldn't sleep this evening. I had my radio on, and you folks are just talking. I wondered, uh, 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 Dashiell Hammett now, uh, I know he made some money off the radio rights, or he was somehow involved, but does either of your guests know, uh, uh, know whether he was able to get deeply involved in the production of uh, some of the radio scripts, or was he uh, sort of, you know... I, I can't tell you, I really don't know. I, I, I thought maybe one of the guests there would know. I, I've been reading up on that era of the writers, of the mm -hmm. mystery writers that a lot of these uh, radio programs spun out of, uh, uh, particularly uh, Hammett and Chandler mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. Uh, but it, it sure is a joy to, to listen to people uh, who had something to do with the production of it to shoot the bull. I, I'm, of course, much too young to know <laughs> to at that time have been uh, very interested in the production. But the stories were just incredible. Yes, I, they were. And I, you know, something that TV just can't match. I don't know, what's I, my age or what? No, it's just that uh, the theater of the mind, as they call it, uh, uh, it's always uh, a much better uh, setting than what you would ever see as a set. I've got to go, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, bye. bye. I'm Ray Bream. This is Talk Radio 79 KABC. Let's say hello to Charlie. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Ray. You remember I Love a Mystery, huh? I sure do. That was, uh, I've got to say, that was my favorite mystery show of all time. And I have a promise from Mercedes McCambridge that she'll appear on this program some night, and I'm going to hold her to it. Terrific. Uh, didn't they recreate uh, the mood when they uh, had that old clock bong? Oh, yes. Times? Mm. By the time they got into the program, you knew you, knew you were going to really face the uh, some uh, chilling mysteries. That's how I got into uh, classical music as a kid. I'll uh, be darned. I was such a fan of I Love a Mystery, and they used Sibelius's Waltz Triste as the theme. Right. And I went into the record shop, and I hummed the thing and brought out a big red seal record, and I said, what, what? And that was it, Waltz Triste. I never knew what uh, I never knew what the arrangement was. Or that was it. I'll be darned. Uh, there, I had a lot of uh, uh, favorites uh, for a uh, uh, different mood entirely. I used to like The Breakfast Club. With Don McNeil. No, no. How are you? How are you? How are you? Oh, they had uh, Julius LaRosa playing there. Oh, well, that wasn't The Breakfast Club. That was, uh, of no, course... No, had The Breakfast Club for a while, too. Uh, they, uh, they well, it was Don McNeil's Breakfast Club. It was Arthur Godfrey and his talent scouts, Arthur Godfrey time. Yeah, but out of Chicago. Correct me if I'm wrong. Arthur uh, Godfrey did the Breakfast Club? For a while, he sure did. It's news to me. Well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I heard it different radio. A anyway, Ray, uh, I've got a program. I'll bet you that uh, you, you might have heard it one time, too, and that... Uh, 
<laughs> that was Sora's favorite. Uh, back in Colorado. Well, hurry. I've got about five seconds. On Sunday mornings, did you ever hear the one with the Hearts Mountain Canaries and they used to play the organ and have No, no, i got to go. This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio 79, KABC, Los Angeles. Hi, this is Jameson Parker. On Simon & Simon, I help someone every week. Off screen, I now have the opportunity to help many people all year long. I'm happy to be serving as Honorary Chairman of the Crippled Children's Society for 1986, and we really need your help, because it is you and what you share that makes it possible to provide the many services necessary to the thousands of handicapped children and young adults in Southern California. Your tax-deductible contribution can make it happen, and your continued support is crucial. So please, send your donation today to the Crippled Children's Society, 7120 Franklin Avenue, Los Angeles, 90046. And you'll share in the good feeling we all have when we help someone. For information, call 213-874-3300. On behalf of the handicapped, thank you for helping the Crippled Children's Society. KABC Los Angeles, Talk Radio, AM 79. From ABC News, I'm Dorothy McIntyre. Congress is beginning its formal investigation into the Iran-Contra matter a lot sooner than originally planned. ABC's Vic Ratner reports from Washington. Senate and House committees are not waiting until the new Congress meets in January to begin their investigations. The House Foreign Affairs Committee has called Secretary of State George Shultz and former White House advisor Robert McFarlane to testify in public on December 8th with other present and former administrators. Jaws Professional One. Ray Bream, Windows M, Desk F, FS F, Fibber McJeff, Friday Night Enter. Friday, Beta F, First Nighter Enter, First Radio Enter, Radio, First, 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 First Nighter 4405030004, Mother's Angel Children, First Nighter 4405030004, Mother's Angel Children, Barbara Luddy and Willard Waterman, MP3.SFK. First Nighter 4405240623, Speak Ever So Gently. Unloading jaw, cans, okay, enter, radio shows, items, v The First Nighter Program, a copyrighted feature, Coast to Coast, presented by Campana, the makers of Solitaire, the new cake makeup, and Campana Cream Balm, the new hand lotion containing lanolin. Theater Time, Broadway is excited tonight. An important event is about to take place. There's a brand new play opening at the Little Theater off Times Square. Advance notices say it's a hilarious comedy romance that's sure to make a hit. That's enough advance notice for us that the streets will be jammed and the theater packed. So let's be on our way. It's just a short walk around the corner. Will you join me? Yes, the sidewalks are crowded all right. And lots of the men and women are in uniform. Shall we cross here? 
Well, here we are at the Little Theater off Times Square. Have your tickets ready, please. Have your tickets ready, please. Good evening, Mr. First Nighter. The usher will show you to your box. Thank you. We'll go right in. a capacity house tonight. Lucky we made our reservations in advance. But now that we're comfortably seated, let's have a look at the program. Our popular leading lady, Barbara Luddy, is starred in a new play entitled Speak Ever So Gently by Peggy Blake. Playing opposite Miss Luddy is her guest leading man, Olin Soleil, and they're supported by an all-star cast. The play is pure fiction, of course, and does not refer to real people or to actual events. And now, just before first curtain, let's listen to Eric Sagerquist and his first nighter orchestra. unfortunate children in Beaver, Ohio. You coming down off the silver screen to make this lovable human gesture. America's favorite actor emerging from Hollywood as, as Atlantis emerged from the ocean. Atlantis didn't emerge. Atlantis sunk. You get what I mean? Well, I talked to them with Brinker and with Duffy and with Schmaltz. The studio is behind us 100%. 200%. They agree it's the greatest publicity snuff that hit this cockeyed town in its entire cockeyed history. Don't be vulgar, dear. Are you trying to tell me that Hollywood isn't cockeyed? It is. And you know why? It's because actors have agents like you. And agents don't have blood in their veins. Only crazy publicity stunts. Me dedicate a children's home in... in where? Beaver, Ohio. Oh, brother. And a neater idea I never did have. I can see it now. The small town, ivy-covered cottages, the old church clock peeling on the hour. Simple folk wending their way home through elm-shaded streets after a day of honest toil. I think I'm going to be sick. No, but it's terrific. You, David Stanley, in this warm, earthy setting, being warm and earthy. Yeah, so are sand hogs. Kit, for three years you've been my agent. You wangled appointments and pushed me through doors. You beat bosses over their egg-shaped heads. You had me seen in the right places with the right people. When nobody else would touch you, remember that day. Uh, the day you walked into my office, I said to myself, that boy could be sensational. I believed in you, didn't I? I fought a one-woman war to get you into the studio, didn't I? I screamed like a mother tiger until I got your decent part, didn't I? Sure. Okay. I'm appealing to your better nature. I hear you, but I don't feel anything. Kid, I'm an actor. That we won't argue. I never dedicated anything in my life, and I won't start now. Especially with kids. I, I'm allergic to them. Haven't you ever held a tiny baby in your arms? No, have you? Once, with disastrous results. Uh-huh. <laughs> See? You admit it. But these kids are from 5 to 12. Orphans with no families, no homes, no nothing. I'll mail them a check in the morning. In the morning, you'll be on a train aimed straight at Beaver, Ohio. Yeah, not me. You forced me to remind you of a contract. Section B, paragraph 13, clause 9. In big, bold letters, it says, I am the sole and exclusive owner of the right to decide where, when, and how you shall be publicized. If I wanted you to crawl on your knees down Hollywood Boulevard, you'd crawl. If I wanted you to swim the hell of spots, you'd swim. And if I want you to dedicate a children's home in Badger, Ohio, you'll dedicate You said Beaver, Ohio. Beaver, Badger, Skunk, Hollow, you'll go there, friend, and like it. <laughs> mournful sound, probably announcing our arrival to the inmates of Beaver. When do we land? In a couple of minutes. Porter has our luggage. He's all ready to throw it. Yeah, throw it? Well, the train doesn't actually stop at Beaver, they tell me. It just pauses long enough to snort. 
Oh, fine. Lovely entrance I'll make, won't I? Everybody in the county at the station and me flying off the train and smack onto my face. Mm-hmm. Not your face, David. We'll need that for photographs. Oh, fine. Buck up. Be public spirited. Be happy. I am. Yeah, why not? You got your way. Think of the sweet little tots you'll be sponsoring. Sending them off on the road of life. Now, don't make me cry, dear. My mascara, you know. Who brings joy into the world? Children. What's nearest every man's heart? Children. What's nearest every woman's heart? Me? Children. You might mention that to the crowd at the station. You mention it. It drips off you like the coating off a candied apple. Uh, Kit, you aren't serious about this stuff, are you? Oh, that's up. Come on, David. Get your hat. Yes, Mama. Uh, don't try to do any bowing until we reach solid ground. And where's the conductor? I haven't bumped into him since he asked me for your autograph. I told him you couldn't write. Well, there. There's an open door. Where's the porter? I don't see our luggage anywhere. My striped trousers are in the alligator bag. Yeah, I know, I know. We can always get me another alligator. Hey, it's moving. Hurry up, kid. Stand back. I'll jump first. Oh, every man for himself, huh? I'll catch you. It's a cinch. I did it in Texas Bandit. When the Herald was on the train and I was... Yeah, yeah, I saw the picture. Do something. Up, up and away. Okay, jump, kid. Jump. Oh, David. Jump. Don't leave me alone in Beaver. Hang on. Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. I've got you. Who was griping about an entrance? That was colossal. What a man, Stanley. Put me down, David. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Thank you. Well, shouldn't the band be striking up? Shouldn't the... Hey. Look. Look at what? David. Is this Beaver? Good night. We got off the wrong place. No, there's a sign on the depot. Yeah, but where is everybody? This is the day, isn't it? This is the day. Platform's empty. As a tomb. Worse. Empty as last year's love affair. Well, that shows how our minds work. David, this is terrible. Excuse we... me. What? Well, 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 hello. Mr. Stanley. Yes, 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 yes. David, David, we can get paid for that. I'm here to meet you, Mr. Stanley. On behalf of Beaver, I wish to welcome Can't you. Beaver speak for itself? What? Oh, this is my agent, Miss Kit Marshall. Oh, likewise. Where is Beaver? Beyond the hill. Burrowing away like mad, no doubt. I mean, where's the citizenry? Where's the woman's club? Where's the janitor? Where's the mayor? He's home. I'm his daughter. She's the mayor's daughter, kid. She's the mayor's daughter, and I'm the traveling... Never mind. You're, uh, you're the Miss Marshall who wrote to my father, I guess. I guess. We had a gigantic correspondence. Plans were laid, beautiful plans, all about receptions and speeches and flowers and things. We practically fell in love with each other. Well, I talked to Daddy. I told him Mr. Stanley was coming here for the dedication simply because he adores children. I told Daddy Mr. Stanley wouldn't want any publicity. And what did Daddy say? Oh, he said that was right. No publicity. We wouldn't want to sully a warm, earthy gesture with publicity. Not a word to the paper, not a word to the town. Nobody knows you're in Beaver, Mr. Stanley. Not a single soul. Isn't that wonderful? Let me at her. Yes. Let me at her. I'll cut her, so help me, David. I'll tear her limb from limb. <laughs> This summer, you'll have an opportunity to do more with your complexion than ever before. Now, let me put it this way. Would you like to add a fresh, natural-looking color tone to your face of just the right shade for your summertime complexion? Then try Solitaire Cake Makeup. Would you like your complexion to look petal-textured and satin-smooth for hours and hours while you're working in the daytime or dancing at night? Then try Solitaire. If you need to hide slight skin imperfections, then again the answer is Solitaire Cake Makeup. And this summer, with solitaire available in ample quantities all over the country, there's no need to deny yourself the complexion beauty which solitaire will give you. A new, exciting loveliness that you may never have dreamed possible. Now remember this too, please. Solitaire gives you this new beauty safely. 
It contains lanolin to help you avoid skin dryness. Solitaire, you see, is good to your skin. And it's so good to your pocketbook, too. There is no finer quality cake makeup anywhere. Yet, for only 60 cents, Solitaire gives you one of the largest compacts of cake makeup on the market. So step up to your favorite cosmetic counter and insist on Solitaire in any one of six flattering shades. to your rooms. Peter will bring your luggage up later. The house is yours, Mr. Stanley. You don't know how we've looked forward to having you as our guest. Well, that's very kind of you, Miss... Uh... <laughs> Gracious, I didn't introduce myself, did I? Let's everybody call everybody Butch. My name's Roxanne Horton. Roxanne? It's from the play Cyrano de Bergerac. Mama was reading it when I was born. Uh, Cyrano was the guy with the tremendous nose, wasn't he? Mama said Daddy reminded her of Cyrano. So romantic and all. Are the ladies in your family partial to romance? Well... We wouldn't snub it if it tapped us on the shoulder. So often romance folks are square in the teeth. That's my thought for the day. Are you speaking from experience, Miss Marshall? From observation, Miss Horton. This is your room, Mr. Stanley. Oh, thanks. I... Hey, wait. I think you made a mistake. That's the zoo. The zoo? Animals. Millions of animals in there. Shut the door quick. They might stampede. Shut the door. They're dead. Dead? And stopped. Daddy's hugging trophies. I had to move from the den into your room. For your last picture, I thought... You do like animals, don't you? The movie magazines are always pointing out how fond you are of dogs and horses and lions and things. Oh, come in, honestly, they're dead. Are you sure? A touch one. No, thank you. This is Alfred. A, a, a tiger? Daddy shot him in Asia. He measures six and a quarter feet. Oh, that's nice. And look, over the mantle. What's that? Your father? It's a moose head. Well, I didn't know. Cyrano de Bergerac and everything. I hope you'll be very comfortable in here, Mr. Stanley. All of you. Yeah. Well, now, listen, I hate to crowd them. Wouldn't it be better if... Uh, there must be a hotel, even in Beaver. Oh, we wouldn't think of it. Why, Daddy, would be heartbroken if you didn't stay with us. So would I. Well... <laughs> Luncheon's at one. You'll have time to rest before then. Rest? With these ghouls staring at me? I couldn't close an eye. Bears and foxes and elephants and coyotes? Oh, that isn't a coyote, Mr. Stanley. It's a wolf. Relax, David. You're among friends. <laughs> Your room is across the hall, Miss Marshall. I'll show you. Kit, Kit, you wouldn't desert me. Suppose they came to life or something. Me alone and unarmed, caught like a rat in a trap. Kit! David, I have only one thing to say to you. What? Oh! Here, Miss Marshall. Will this be all right? Oh, thank you. It's perfect. It isn't lavish, I'm afraid. I have very simple taste, Miss Horton, in everything. In food, in clothes, in acting. Really? Look, sugar, you aren't going to overdo it, are you? Overdue what? The small-town character, batting your eyes at the station, turning David's room into a taxidermist's dream, deciding that he isn't here for anything except his desire to express a great love for children. This dedication ceremony is tomorrow afternoon, Miss Marshall. Yeah. Luncheon's at one. And meanwhile, Roxy, I'll have me a bit of a whirl through Beaver. Mercy, what a way to die. <laughs> beautiful drugstore you have. A chocolate soda, please. They're my favorite. They're David Stanley's favorite, too. David Stanley, the movie actor? Well, he's at the mayor's house, you know. My, what an enterprising little bank this is. Just so thick and span. 
Will you cash this check for me? It's drawn against David Stanley's account in Hollywood. David Stanley? Oh, yes, he's here in Beaver. May I use your telephone? I want to call David Stanley. No, not long distance. He's at the mayor's house. Well, he certainly is. Call up yourself if you don't believe me. But the hotel's upside down. How could they have found out he was here at our house? I can't imagine. crazy. They've swarmed into his office from every side. Oh, not again. I'm not going to answer it. I just won't answer it. It's been ringing every ten seconds for the past three hours. Fun, isn't it? Fun? I'm losing my mind. Hey, there are people standing under my window leering at me. Why don't you answer that telephone? Oh, hello. Yes, Mrs. Ferguson. I'll ask him. Mr. Stanley, do you want to speak to the garden club? No, I have rose fever. No, Mrs. Ferguson. He has rose fever. What's that? People. Scads and scads of people, all panning for David Stanley. Well, don't sit there smirking at me. We've got the house surrounded. We're cut off. Reinforcements couldn't possibly get through. Now you know how Custer felt at Bunker Hill. Valley Forge. Little Big Horn. Okay, okay. Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, yes, Miss Horton. This is what you get for having anything to do with a celebrity. They'll be climbing in the window any minute now. Come on, we can sneak out the back way. With David's public clamoring for him, don't be silly. He can have his public and his public can have him. Only first go with me to the children's home. The ceremony's tomorrow. You'll have to see everything's in order. There won't be any time if they get hold of him. Yeah, that's an idea, kid. Maybe it's better. You come too, Mr. Stanley. Oh, that phone. <laughs> the office, Miss Marshall. Didn't I hear children? Yes, there are several of them in the home. We couldn't wait for Mr. Stanley's kiss before we opened the doors. <laughs> you really must try not to be bitter, dear. Kit! Oh, Kit! Uh-oh, when he wails, he's in trouble. Kit! Kit, look. Well, what have you got there? Hello. I haven't got her. She's got me. All of a sudden, there she was. I don't know where she came from. Hello, Millie. Uh, 290, please. What are you doing? Calling my father. Uh, Millie, shouldn't you be in bed? No, ma'am. Well, those are pajamas you're wearing, aren't they? Uh, Millie, could I have my finger, please? Kit, she's hanging onto my finger. She won't bite you. He's pretty, isn't he? Mm, just like peppermint candy. Oh, for heaven's sake. You sit down. I'll sit on your lap. Yeah, no, you don't. Go on, David. It won't hurt you. Is your name David? I guess so. Let Millie sit on your lap. How old are you? Ten thousand and six. I mean, Millie. Oh. I'm five and a half. That's it. Jump right up there. Well, David, she becomes you. I'm not in the least maternal. But, but did you ring? Uh, hello. Hello, Father. Uh-huh. You smell nice, David. <laughs> I do. Daddy, we're at the home now. We came in the back door so nobody saw us. You get right down here as fast as you can. Mr. Stanley can do his dedicating tonight. What? Hurry, Daddy. Now, you listen to me. Miss you... Marshall, if you think I'll let you use these children for publicity purposes, you're mistaken. You want... What, Daddy? Give me that phone. What, Daddy? Millie, where'd you get so many freckles? I haven't got any freckles. Sure you have. What? What's the matter? Measles. Measles? Measles? Here in the home? Quarantine this afternoon? Oh, Daddy. Measles? David, drop that child. May I issue a friendly word of caution to those of you who stop using a hand lotion in the summertime? I wonder why you stop. Your hands are very apt to lose so much of their youthful-appearing charm, you know, when you abandon daily hand care. So don't take the risk. Do like thousands of other women who realize that the precious beauty of their hands is fragile. Use Campana Cream Balm, the new lotion with lanolin, day in and day out, right through the warm weather months. 
Campana Cream Balm containing lanolin will help you to avoid dry skin. No matter how often you wash your hands or how much work you do in Victory Garden or at home or factory or office. Lanolin is the substance that most nearly duplicates the softening functions of the natural oils of your skin. So use Campana Cream Balm each time after you wash your hands. See how creamy smooth it is, how delightfully fragrant, instantly soothing, and completely free of after-use stickiness, even on the hottest day. Ask for Campana Cream Balm, the new lotion with lanolin, in the yellow and white carton. If your hands become extra dry and extra sensitive to hard water and harsh soaps and cleaners, you may prefer Campana's other lotion, the rich, concentrated, original Campana Balm in the green and white carton. And these freckles on Millie's face aren't freckles, they're measles. Put her down, David. We've got to get out of here. Well, you can't. We're quarantined for two weeks. Daddy says there's a sign on the front door. Yeah, so you have to bring us in by the back door. I'll bet David's last dollar you knew about the measles. I did not. If you think I deliberately arranged it so I'd have to spend the next two weeks with a couple of publicity-hungry Listen, Hollywood... Miss Horton, we don't grab at publicity skirts because we're crazy about the old girl. We're simple people. About as simple as Einstein's theory of relativity. What's that, David? I don't know, Millie. She doesn't either. We've got to get out of this place. But I'm the mayor's daughter. You said that. It wouldn't do for the mayor's daughter and the mayor's guests to run around town spreading measles. Oh, go ahead. Enjoy yourself. Would anybody mind if I had a screaming fit? Uh, not at all. <laughs> Feel better? No. What's she yelling about, David? I don't know, Millie. She doesn't either. Look, Miss Horton. Uh, Roxanne... Maybe you'd like a screen test. I can't be bright. But nobody knows we're here. We could... Uh, hello? Yes, Mr. Beacon? Who's Mr. Beacon? Editor of the paper. Lovely. Yes, Mr. Beacon? Oh, he did, did he? Your father told him about this. Uh, yes, Mr. Beacon. The minute Mr. Stanley knew the children had measles, he rushed right in like Rockenbore. His, his horse is parked at the curb. Well, naturally, Mr. Beacon, he'll work his fingers to the bone to nurse them back to health. You may phone that message to the Associated Press. Goodbye, Mr. Deacons. Top that one, Roxy. How many children are there? Nine, besides Millie. Kid. And no nurses and no doctors, just Mrs. Walker, who's in charge. And you can work a finger to the bone for each of the ten children. Top that one, Miss Marshall. Hey, honey, what's this? Oh, Millie, don't. What's everybody mad for? Now, there, you see, you've scared Millie. Oh, don't cry, honey. Millie, don't be upset. I assure you, we're not displeased with you. We're not displeased with you, my heavens. You don't talk to a child like that. Come on, Millie, darling. Let Roxanne tuck her little angel into bed. No, I want David. Sure, honey, I've got you. Come on. Where's your room, Freckles? As a child psychologist, you're a good mayor's daughter. Scrub the floor on your knees. Well, I've got dishpan hands. Why not dishpan knees? 
Did you finish the ironing? <laughs> yes. My back's yelling traitor at me. <laughs> Hi. Oh, hello, kid. Hello. Hmm. Well, Roxanne, when they let you out of this fault mine? <laughs> Do I look that bad? <laughs> None of us can complain about luck. <sighs> what a week. Bobby finally broke out. He must have been exposed before we isolated him. Don't you hate me when I get so technical. Mrs. Walker ought to have the kids' supper trays ready by now. I'll take Millie's tour. I wonder why he feels he has to do that every night, Kit. Chances are Millie shares her supper with him. She does. I get all the cake frosting, so there. <laughs> yes, Mr. Horton, I'm glad you phoned. Everything's under control. Children are coming along beautifully. We haven't dropped a stitch. Yeah, only two more days and it'll be over. We'll never forget Beaver, believe me. The dedication ceremony day after tomorrow. Well, I don't know, Mr. Horton. I've got to talk to David about it. He and Roxanne are chucking the kids in for the night. Let me ring you back in half an hour, will you? Oh, the county for David. Sarah has to have a drink of water. Yeah, she always does. Is Millie asleep? Yeah. Cute, isn't she? Mm-hmm. David. Ah, go to sleep, honey. The princess is waiting for you. Princess? Yeah, it's a story we have. Have you been telling Millie bedtime stories? Sure. I'm pretty handy at it, too. She'll miss you, David. We all will. I... I think I should apologize. I was very wrong about you. I thought you were coming to Beaver just because it would make good copy for the papers. Roxanne. No, let me say it. It feels so cheap to me using children that way. I was so sure they didn't mean anything to you. Well, I was wrong. These past two weeks, you've been wonderful, and the kids love you. You're a very real person. Would you care if I kissed you? Salute, senor. Salute, Roxanne. Oh, kid, I, I, I was, I, I didn't mean to, I just happened to be passing. I, I, I was apologizing to David. A very thorough apology. Do you mind? No. I've got to explain something, Roxanne. I, I know you like David. He likes you. So don't blame him for any of this. It was for publicity, but it was my idea. David objected like a mule the whole time. It was cheap. And there you have my epitaph. However, there'll be no ceremony, no blowing of horns, no crowds, no speeches. But, Kit, if it would help, you deserve it. No, no ceremony. These kids, well, you can't feed them and bathe them and take their temperatures and play games and try to wish every measles spot off them without... Oh, call me soft-headed. Go on, call me soft-headed. Would soft-hearted do? Me? Don't be silly. Not old 10% Marshall. Never had a heartbeat in my life. Adopt her. Are you insane? 
insane. You'll have to marry her. Marry her? You couldn't adopt her, David, for heaven's sake. Why couldn't I? Why, she's 23 if she's a day. 23? She's five and a half. What? What? What are you talking about? Millie. Millie? Well, certainly. Oh, David. Kit. Kit, did you think I meant... Why, you did. You thought I meant Roxanne. And you didn't like it, did you? Like it? Kit, I've waited three years to see that look on your face. David. Oh, David, give me room, darling. I'm breaking up into little pieces. Maybe I better hold you together. Please. David. David. You do smell nice. Turn around, dear. Oh, brother, you said it. Times Square. Miss Ruddy and Mrs. Ray are in front of the footlights. If the first night is like it, listen to the applause. the theater, let me invite you to be with us again next week at the same time, when Barbara Luddy will be starred in an original comedy romance entitled, Give Up the Ship. To help win the war, won't you take another look for waste paper and cardboard? Paper is a vital war material, and there's a tremendous shortage which you can help overcome. Don't waste or burn paper. Save all kinds of paper and cardboard and call a junk man or turn it over to your local salvage group. And now we move out of the theater and into the street. What do you say we stroll down Broadway? Good night, Mr. First Nighter. Good night. The First Nighter program is a copyrighted radio feature. Men, here's the way to start your day right. I've just finished shaving. I reach for my bottle of dress skin, Campana's aftershave lotion. I pour a little in the palm of my hand, pat it on my freshly shaved face. Ah, refreshing, cooling, comforting. Yes, sir, that's the way to start the day with dress skin. Spelled D-R-E-S-K-I-N. Campana's aftershave lotion. Again available in limited quantities at your favorite drugstore, 50 cents a bottle. This is Mutual.
Jaws Professional 1. The First Nighter Program. Alt-Tab. Radio. Alt-Tab. Saturday. Alt-Tab. Saturday. Alt-Tab. Sound. Alt-Tab. 1. Alt-Tab. Radio. Alt-Tab. Saturday. Alt-Tab. Saturday. Alt-Tab. Sound. Forge Pro 11.0. Escape. Escape. Enter. 1. Enter. Menu. File A. Leaving menus. Sound 1 star. Save as dialog. File name. Sound 1. Edit. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-N-I-G-H-T. 2-10-18-W-I-T-8-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-S-E-C-O-N-D-P-C Save as type combo box wave save but enter JAWS Professional Apple Software Update Dialog List View Alt F4 Welcome to Skype Press JAWS Key Plus A Alt Page Down Alt Tab Skype Trade Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11.0